What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. Huge announcement tonight at 6 p.m. Set your alarms. Be ready on Instagram and Facebook. Huge announcement. 6 p.m. Be there. If you're listening to this after 6 p.m. Monday, go check our Instagram and Facebook out. Huge announcement. Grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. We are in every single celebrations. IJ Plus Liquor, Bottolo, Portals Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. If you have one of those near you, we are stocked there. Make sure to get in there. We're also in every single Celebration Superstore in Queensland. We've got a stockist locator on our website, blokeinabar.com. You just put in your postcode. It'll show you the nearest stockist. And Origin Game 1, live show at the Locker Room Hotel. Myself, Guru, SC Playbook, Hello Sport, live show at the Locker Room Hotel. Origin Game 1, be there. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby! Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. It is upon us. Origin is upon us, and I want to get it out of the way quickly. Origin Review is dropping at 12 o'clock, around 12.15 on Bloke uh, platforms with Ka- with uh, Cameron Smith. That is right. We're doing an Origin Review with the assistant coach of Queensland the day after Origin. It's dropping at about 12.15 on Spotify, and it will be on at 3 p.m. on YouTube. So make sure to tune in to the captain's run. Uh, obviously, we'll do the live show between 9 and 12, but then it drops on our platforms at about 12.15, uh, an origin review with the assistant coach of Queensland. I actually don't think that's... To sit down with the assistant coach of either state for two hours, or sorry, three hours after an origin series, I don't think that's ever been done before. So this Thursday, dropping around 12.15, we've also got between 9 and 12, you can listen to it live on the SEN app. Uh, but I've got the great the great duo, duo here. Are you a duo now, do you reckon? I think we can are. Can we say duo? Is it two against one? Is that what we're working with at the moment? I think so. This week we this definitely week. are, yeah. Okay, I okay. think you'll be taking your sad tissues on Thursday with Cam just quietly. Yeah, uh, well, I'll tell you. Hey, look, at least I'm taking it with Cam. So he's one of the goats. <laughs> I'll take sad tissues with a goat over happy tissues with just yourself. Ah, um, <laughs> 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 uh, Mate, how you going, Gurino? Yeah, going good, mate. Uh, buy round footy, always an interesting one. but uh, oh, It was tough. Yeah, it was, it's a tough knock, but knowing that you got Wednesday coming makes it worthwhile. Absolutely. And also it's like... Like, I almost feel sorry for everyone playing there because we all know we're just sitting here going, Origin. Like, we're all just thinking Origin. We're not thinking club footy. Timmy, how you going, brother? Good, mate. Good to be back after a, a one-week little freshen up there. Was, mate, uh, we were lost without you. Yeah, I bet you were, mate. I bet you were. No, I was a little concerned, hey. So I jumped on a couple of months back in place of Shandor Earl and then uh, I heard a few whispers around the traps last weekend before I sort of took off that that Nico Hines was going to come in. So I was, I was thinking, I'm, I'm going to be wedged between two male models and would be with a beak like this one as well. And, I, mate, I had my redundancy papers ready to sign when I heard that. So when I saw it come out last Monday and there was no Nico, I was like, oh, I'm good for another week. Oh, you know what's uh, – because Nico said to me, he said, mate, anytime you want us to come on one of your, like, your reviews or whatever, he's like, mate, I'm keen. And I, so I thought – I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, thanks, bro. That's, that's mad. That's really nice of you. But then I was like – Bro, it's like three and a half hours. I don't know if we're, whether Nico was. <laughs> You're also in Origin camp. Yeah, so. <laughs> he might be in Origin camp as well. It's three and a half hours. I'm not even going to ask because I don't think he's going to want to sit here for three and a half hours. But uh, so the captain's run an Origin review with the assistant coach of Queensland and, and the greatest rugby league player of all time, Cameron Smith, will be dropping around twelve fifteen on our you know Spotify, Apple, and at three pm on YouTube, or you can listen to it live between nine and twelve on SEN. Uh, again. Just we've got to keep telling you, we have a live show 
at the Locker Room Hotel. Game one of Origin. It's just outside ANZ slash a core stadium. Now knows a core stadium. It is literally, as you walk off the train, it's right there to your right. It's, you cannot miss it. It's such a great pub. The Locker Room Hotel, beautiful beers, beautiful feeds. We will have a live show. The first hour will be myself, Timmy and Gurino. The second hour will be HSP. The doors open at four. Then we start at 5 p.m. and we'll probably finish around 7, 7.15 p.m. Uh, you have, must be a bloke member to enter. It's for bloke members only in that section uh, to watch the show. So it's free to sign up. You just go to bloke.club, uh, sign up, and then when you get to the door, you just go, boom, yep, bloke club member, get straight in. Uh, it's going to be a huge night, guys, and it's, just a, it's a big moment for the bloke community. Like, we literally have a live show at the pub just outside ANZ Stadium, and, that, and to get that live show... It's crazy. Like that, they, that, that's uh, prime real estate. There's a amount of people that want to get into the locker room hotel to do things. Put it this way. The NRL have the entire second floor booked, I'm pretty sure. And I think the Penny Panthers have the other um, room booked. Or, or, or one of them. One, like there's some other NRL club has the other level booked. That's how hard it is to get into the locker room hotel. And they've been gracious enough to give us our entire area outside. Entire, and it's also the weather's looking like clear skies. It's going to be cold though. Dress warm. Dress warm. I mean, you'd rather be too warm than too cold. Put it that way. Um, so Origin Game 1, live show. We've also got a huge announcement tonight at 6 p.m. If you're listening to this after Monday, 6 p.m., go to our Instagram or our Facebook and you'll see the announcement. Uh, if you're listening to a fall in, make sure set your alarms. Be there at 6 p.m. It's a huge announcement. Cannot wait. Uh, we're also in all celebrations, Bottleos, Porter's Liquors, Porter's Liquor and IJ Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT and every single celebrations, uh, superstores in Queensland. But let's get straight into it. Let's get straight into it. We've got to talk about it first. Cambosis defeated by Haney. Did you guys get a chance to watch this at all? Yeah. Yeah, I watched it in, in bits and pieces. I'm not a huge boxing fan myself, but yep. it's just one of those moments you have to be there for. You have to it? be there for. What yeah. are you, Timmy? Did you? I did get down uh, to the RSL, the local spot for that one. So mm. a couple of beers and watch that one. Mate, it was an enjoyable fight. It was probably not the fireworks we were all anticipating uh, mm. after Cambosis' past fight, but it was a bit of a Mayweather-esque performance, wasn't it, by Haney? He was just jabbing away, picking prodden points. Not the most exciting uh, viewing, but, you know, it was just clinical, wasn't it? And unfortunately, Cambosis no good, but he'll hold his head high. Yeah, it was really interesting because... You know, and this is from a, a casual boxing fan uh, perspective, but people don't understand how hard... If you're a guy like Haney, he's so hard to hit because he's never really going to knock you out. He's never really going to knock you out. And the only way you usually get knocked out is, like, fatigue or you're trying to knock them out and you expose yourself. Whereas Haney is so good at just staying on the outside. He, he never really puts himself in danger. So that's why his fights are never really exciting, especially mm. as he gets higher level. And that's... And look... Boxing, it's it's a sport at the end of the day. Like there's fighting and then there's a sport. And you know, Hayne is a you know, Hayne is a fantastic boxer, like a really really slick boxer. Um, and Cambosis, I think what what Haney did really well is like boxing is all about range. And so if you're a rangy fighter, you want to keep a shorter fighter at the end of your range. Whereas if you're a shorter fighter, you want to be not in too tight but not too far away. And the beautiful thing that Haney did was he kept Cambosis at the end of his range or all the way in. So as soon as Cambosis came in, uh, Haney would wrap up straight away and close the distance so that there was no, because put it this way, let's say there's 10, let's just use 10 centimeters. At 10 centimeters, Haney is dangerous. At five centimeters, you'd say Cambosis is probably more dangerous because he's more, probably more explosive on the inside. At zero centimetres, no one can fight. And, and, the, and Haney kept Cambosis at that 10 centimetre range, essentially the whole fight. 
So changes that I think Cambosis needs to make is I think he just has to go for broke. Like I, I mean, he did go for broke to a degree, but I think that he needs to make it a real. He was he's so used to like getting in, exploding, getting out, getting in, exploding, and that was great for Lopez. But for Haney, you can't. You need to once you get in, you just got to stay in there and try and get off as much as you can. Easy for me to say. Like fuck, Haney looks like honestly the Matrix trying to box him. Um, so look. I think Cambosis did himself proud. I think that Haney just, you know, he was, he did exactly what he should do. And that is keep Cambosis at range, box his ears off to a degree at range. Um, and yeah, like you can't, you can't knock Haney for that. You can't knock him for being a smart, smart fighter. I will say it's interesting, like um, you compared, it's like similar to Mayweather. What people, and I'm not saying that you said this, but a lot of people don't realise that when, hey, when Mayweather was younger, younger, he was called um, Pretty Boy Floyd. And he wasn't, anywhere near that like defensive fighter he was actually aggressive like fucking really aggressive fighter uh it wasn't until he like broke his hands that he had to become that defensive fighter and that's what made him so great is that he was really good offensively breaks his hands a lot had some issues with his hands becomes a defensive fighter and so i wonder whether haney because eventually someone's going to force haney to fight not like that and it's going to be a dog fight and it's going to be interesting to see how haney reacts in that situation. Now, there is a rematch clause. Um, look, I'd love to see it again. And I think this rematch, Cambosis just goes for broke. If he gets knocked out, he gets knocked out. Um, but I think that's really the only, you just gotta rough him up, get in close. But what an event. Thank you so much to Cambosis. Another thing that Cambosis needs to, massive raps for. Very, very easy to take a money fight and fight a guy with a huge profile. Like put it this way, out of all the people Cambosis could have fought, Haney was probably the lowest profile, but the most dangerous. Mm. And when, when it comes to boxing, that's the last person you want to fight because it's like I get the least exposure for it, maybe the least payday. I'm not sure what the payday was. It was still a great payday. Whereas if you fight a Lomachenko, if you get beaten by Lomachenko, A, he's one of the biggest boxing pl- fighters in the world. Um, B, he's established. So it's like, oh, yeah, he lost to Lomachenko. He's one of the greatest pound for pound you know, in the, in the modern era. Uh, whereas Haney, young up-and-coming fighter, like Cambosis essentially has everything to, to lose. And so he deserves massive props for taking arguably the most dangerous fight he possibly could as soon as he got the Lopez win. He could have easily sat on that for a few fights, took some easy you know, wins with big paydays and then took that fight. Instead, he took the fight immediately. So massive respect to Cambosis and he'll be back better than ever. Now, Ray Warren retires. Wow, this hit me like a ton of bricks, boys. Speak to me, Guru and I. Yeah, devastating. Um, you know, you think back to all the great moments. Well, I know all the great moments I have growing up. It's his voice mm. in every single one of them. Um, yeah, it's, this rattled me when I saw this one, especially to be on 99. Mm-hmm. I know there's been the comparisons to Don Bradman and whatnot. And, mm. you know, I think Bradman's almost remembered more because it was 99, not mm. the 100. And I think that'll be the same with uh, Ray Warren. I really did think he was going to come out for this Origin series. Tell me this. Imagine this story, and I just want to just want to spitball. Yeah. Game one, New South Wales win. Game two, Queensland win. Then they send out the bat signal. Ray Warren commentates his last game in Suncorp Stadium for Game Three Origin to send Swan Song. Could you imagine that? I know it's not going to happen, but I tell you what, that would be a way to go out. That would be a way to go. It out. It would be a way to go out. I sort of I. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if Ray just, just knows that he is. He obviously knows he's passed now and he would hate for his last origin to be a mistake or yeah, yeah, something oh, absolutely. along those lines. So, but well, that's I what he said in his be. quote. He said, like, I'm, which is, it's so frustrating because it's like, 
because he's he said in his quote i don't know did you read as well no, where he's no, like yeah. i was so terrified of you know stuffing up and not being great and i just felt like bro if only you knew that the the, the silent majority you have grace to stuff up mate you have grace to be able to go a whole year of stuffing up before anyone comes into question as to what you you know but what it's i mean probably that, that awareness that makes him so great at the same time yeah like I, I don't i think put it this way i think the majority would want it would have wanted to see him do this one last origin series yeah for sure even if he wasn't great yeah they would have been like it's just a great send-off but it's also a great sign that you know he always expected himself to be at the top of his game you know, he never wanted to put in a 70% see, for I See, I see it more as like listening to some people that say, you know, you bastard, yeah. you this, you that. I, I, yeah, I, um, anyway, look, we don't know. It could be exactly what you're saying. It could be exactly what you're saying where he just wants to be at the top of his game. He didn't feel he was. What did you reckon, Timmy, about the, the call? Mate, I just can't get out of my head now the image of, of just the big June E diesels logo up in the lights <laughs> over Suncorp Stadium, game three, and Rabs comes on for his Could you uh, imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. Like, game three, everything's on the line. And then we announce Rabs' call. Yeah. People <laughs> would lose – it'd be the honestly, it'd be one of the highest rated origins ever. It's seriously, yeah, I honestly reckon it would. If they yeah. put out a couple of days for origin, Ray's coming back, Rabs imagine. coming back, it'd be huge. Yeah. Anyway. It's such a you know, very sad to see him go, but you know, it's been a very lengthy stint. As we know, the voice of rugby league – uh, what I loved about Rubs was you see a lot of these commentary positions, a, a few of the blokes, media personalities get a bit, a bit of a big head for themselves at times. Rubs was just always so humble in his role. You know, he sits there and, and commentates with Gus Gould and a few others and they'll start dribbling about this or that. And he was always able just to pull them back into line, get it back to footy and stop getting off track. Uh, never wrapped himself for anything he did despite, you know, being the best commentator in the game for so, so many years. Uh, so, yeah, we, he sorely missed. That's a really, really good point is that, you know, Ray was so good. It was never about him, mm. which actually made it more about him if you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was never about him. It was always about how can I make the game as good as it can be? And also, and I, and I, I totally agree with your sentiment. I, I feel sometimes commentators, they aren't sitting there thinking, how can I make this game as good as possible for everyone listening? They're sometimes sitting there thinking, I want to say this, so I'm going to say it. Uh, whereas Ray, every single call was, how can I make this so that the person sitting at home has the most enjoyable experience ever? And think about this as well. <clears throat> I can't think of a single player or sportsman that has been like, oh, fuck Ray, Hadley, uh, Ray Warren, he said this about me X mm. day or whatever. Think about how long he was commentating <laughs> yeah. and he never had that. Whereas I can guarantee you there's plenty, every other single commentator has one player or sportsman that's been like, man, remember when you said this about me, it was really disrespectful, right? Ray, I mean, is, can you think of anyone that's ever? Oh, I think that's the other thing about Rabbits that like if, if I ask you to write down what makes him better than the others, it's almost hard to work mm. out exactly what it is about him. He's just got something. Mm. That, yeah, fucking, I'd hate to be the bloke coming after him. Oh, it's but like playing a song a after Elvis, it's going to be its half tough gig. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. Like usually in these situations, there is a standout candidate where you go, look, is he, is he Ray? No, of course not. No one's ever going to be Ray. But is he, you know, as, is he good or better than everyone else? Like he's ahead of the pack. I honestly can't think of anyone. That Not in rugby league circles anyway. No. Like he just, he's there, you know, the Richie Bano to cricket, uh, what he was to rugby league. And just, mm. and very similar models, just these humble blokes who love the game and it was never about them. It was about mm. the game that they were commentating. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, something that I think, you know, I, I get when we have to speak about 
negative stuff in games and calls. And you can hear commentators sometimes pulling themselves up and going, all right, we're going to stop talking about it. We're going to move on. Um, but sometimes I feel like, like I think a commentator's goal is to make the listener as happy as possible, like to enjoy it as much as possible. And sometimes when it comes, like gets too negative and you're sitting there going, holy mm. shit, like I'm getting anxiety. I'm getting like they're yelling and screaming and saying this is wrong, that's wrong. And I'm just like, it's not enjoyable. Like it's just not enjoyable. So that's, Ray never ever did that. He never ever did that. I, I just, I cannot imagine hearing anyone I know imitate any other commentator other than him oh, when yeah. it comes to rugby league. Like it's just never going to happen. And in 40 years time, you'll still be able to go back to that exact same voice. Yep. Uh, yeah, just iconic. Absolutely iconic. And I, I, sometimes I listen to like American commentators or whatever and I'm like, far out, you know, they're so good at what they do. I'd put Ray up, not just in Australia, he's up with the best of the best across the world. Like when I listen to Ray and I listen to say the best American commentator or whatever, I, I put Ray up against him any day of the week. That's how good of a commentator, especially in his heyday. Oh, he was good. What's your favourite Ray call? Mine is... That's not a try. That's a miracle. Yeah. I, uh, I always liked the 97 grand final call yep. at the very end of that game. There was the, the origin game where Freddie got the charge down. That was another good one. They won't take that. Was that? They won't yeah, take that. Was that, or was that, that Lockie? One. Was that Lockie? No, that was... Where they said they won't take that from him. And yeah, was you know Lockie the other one that was a cracker on Anzac Day 2004 when Freddie went through and stepped Ben Hornby at fullback. Oh, uh, yeah. Age will not weary them. Yep. It was unreal. Yeah. Um, Benji Flick was another cracker. He nailed yep. that call too. So that was a great call. I could call sit here for an hour and a half and yep. rattle off moments that he that he hit. Yeah, crazy. What about you, Timmy? My one's plenty of bias involved, but the Raiders and Sharks semi final, uh, early early to mid two thousands. Can't remember the exact year. Might have been twenty twelve. Uh, and it was, fellow mentioned before, Shandor Earl scoring in the uh, the right-hand corner. Jared Croker made a break down the left, put in this like speculative cross-field kick for Shandor, and Rab's just gone, rugby league, rugby league. <laughs> yes. And he just loses the plot. Yeah, yeah. Canberra Stadium was just going bonk, because I was at the game at the time, obviously went back and heard Rab's call after it, uh, and he just nailed it. Yeah, he's fucking... What about you, Matty? It's funny. Um, i I got a few. I, my, firstly, my favourites are... Definitely 2004, Freddie charge down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fittler charge down. Uh, sorry, Lockyer charge down. No knock on. Fittler's going to score. Fittler's going to score in his last game. Um, one of my favourites, actually, that no one talks about, probably because I'm a South fan, was actually a slight error that he made, but he the error kind of made it better. When George Burgess scored in the 2014 grand final, he's like, Tom Burgess. And then he's like, no, it's George Burgess. And then he, he went through <laughs> and scored. It's funny, though. You put that post up the other day of what's your favorite Rabs call. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do to mm. pick three of those. Yeah, I know. Like, so like many. I just, I don't know what, like the, the top comment was um, about yeah. Junior Paulo. So it was, good. Um, it was, um, if, if that's, if that's Junior Paulo, I'd hate to see Senior Paulo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fucking good. One of, one of my favorites as well that, um, cause I was, I was showing my missus about, or Ray Ronshin, the one that she laughed at the most, there was a big fight, um, it was, it was one-on-one and then everyone came in and you just yelled out, and here come the reinforcements. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's countless, countless moments. I said the other one that was a crack that he nailed. If you go back and listen to when JT kicks the field goal in 15. So good. Uh, I think he says something like kicks himself from a rugby league legend to rugby league immortality. And, or something. and maybe and just, oh, rugby league immortality. Nails he nails so it. Uh, yeah. Ray, 
fuck, honestly, it'll, it'll never be the same. It'll never be the same. I'll be telling my kids back in my day, you didn't hear Ray Warren. You didn't hear Ray. He was the best. Now, on to the Origin preview. We're going to get down and dirty, guys, real in the mud when it comes to the preview. We're going to do, you know, left on right, player on player, all that good stuff. But we'll talk about the broader strokes. Interestingly, seven debutants on the field. Now, what's interesting, I thought there was more New South Wales debutants, mm. but there's actually more Queensland debutants, three New South Wales and four Queensland. So is, do you think it's being talked about enough that, you know, Queensland a debutant, four players, that's, that's almost like your whole bench. What worries me with this is that, yes, Queensland have four debutants, no one's talking about because everyone's talking about Brad Fittler's choices. Mm. This is just perfect for Queensland. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I'm worried about. No one's no talking, one's talking about, about these guys. It's, it's four. It's a whole bench. Crazy. Debu- yeah. Like four debutants in an Origin side. That's that's your whole that that can that could be a whole edge. You know what I mean? Like that's how substantial that is. And yeah. also, it's not it's not four 25 year olds that are really solid have been in the game a lot. You've got Nanai who has just come out of nowhere. You've got I don't know if they count Dearden as 18. Maybe they do. You have got Dearden at 18. Then you've got. Uh, sell one on the on the sting, the pick and swing. Uh, then Cotter. Cotter in the middle. So fuck that. That's a uh, fit. Carrigan. And Carrigan as well. So yeah, so Dearden doesn't count. It's Nanai, Cotter, Cobo, Carrigan, and then for Blues it's Stags, Madison. So you're looking Cotter. at you're basically looking at debutants that have under under 100 NRL games each, every single one. Most of them probably you, you'd probably average their NRL games down to about 45. Yeah, average. Is that something that needs to be talked about more? I think it should be talked about more. Mm. I don't know if it needs to, but I think it should be. Mm. Um, you know, we've, you know, and we've seen so many debutants that have come into Origin that have dominated and do so well, but we've also seen pressure get to a lot of debutants mm. in the past. Uh, most of them have, have bounced back. Okay, I still remember Justin Hodges' debut. Barry Crocker. Oh, it's got to be one of the worst games of. I all think time. even Lockie's debut wasn't the greatest. Yeah, either. Lockie's wasn't great. Yeah. Mm. There's, there's, there's been a, you know, there's been some unbelievable ones like like Brett Hodgson came in and just had, yeah, one of the greatest debuts the ever. Except yeah. he gets remembered for the Talis thing, which is the yeah. most unfair thing ever. He got grabbed by the back of his jersey. What, what is he supposed <laughs> yeah, to do? You know what I mean? I feel so sorry for him, and that's coming from a Queenslander. I loved it. It's fucking great, but I feel sorry for him that he's remembered for that. He ran for like two seventy meters or something, something like that. Cr- and back then, it. that was unheard of. Unheard of back yeah. then. Uh, what do you reckon, Timmy? Is this something that's kind of been, I guess, not spoken about that much? Yeah, it has. And as a Blues fan, it's I see guys like Cobo and Nano in there, and it terrifies me because of what we know they can produce in such a small sample size. But at the same time, I see it as opportunity because mm. not only are they debutants, but like if you look at the Blues debutants, you've got Crichton on the bench who... Like, there is a realistic chance that he may not get on the field. It could happen. He could play 60 minutes. He might not get in the field, uh, depending on how what Freddie's got planned there. Ryan Madison, also off the bench, could play, like, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, very reliable there. Katoni Staggs is obviously the big one who will play 80 minutes as a debutant. And I'd say, like, all those three guys you've named, like, they're quite established yep. in NRL. Like, Ma- Madison's been around forever. Yep. Staggs, what, four or five years now? Um, sorry, continue. Yeah, so then I go into Queensland and look at blokes like Cotter starting at lock. Uh, you've got Sel and Cobo, a handful of games starting on the wing. We know Pat Carrigan will play good minutes. Uh, again, very reliable. Wouldn't be worried about him at all. Nanai, really intrigued to see how many minutes he gets. I would imagine probably no more than maybe 25 or 30. But these guys are all playing fairly big minute roles for Queensland. And Freddie will see that as opportunities. All those, the blokes you just mentioned and how tough it is to debut on this stage, particularly for blokes without a lot of NRL experience. Mm. Uh, I like that as a Blues fan, but uh, just from, from the game's perspective in general, 
mate, it's going to be open. It's exciting. There's a lot of unpredictability as a result of it. I yep. can't wait. I, th- I just think it's crazy how far. If you asked, if you polled the NRL at the start of this season, you said, look, who's, who's winning Origin? I, I honestly reckon you'd get about an 80% back New South Wales. Mm. And not, not just New South Wales win, they win well. Mm. Go to halfway the season. I think most people are fair to say it's essentially 50-50 right now. Mm. That, that we all about the 50-50 so. mark? Yep. I honestly have no idea how this is going to pan out. It's and good as well that one of the grounds is neutral. Like yeah, it is absolutely. a genuine 50-50 yeah. contest. Yeah. Even, but even like this week's game, <laughs> I genuinely think it's 50-50. Like I just don't know what's going to uh, – the Queensland form has just come out of nowhere. To have two sides in the top four, you know, really putting it to the, the top, top tier sides, really like they're the, pretty much the – other than the Eels – you know, they're the only teams that get a little bit close to the top two in the Storm and that. Um, I know Storm lost those couple of games, but, you know, we, we would have to say Penrith and Storm are, you know, by far, mm. you know, in their own level at the moment. Uh, but, yeah, the debutants for Queensland it is a really interesting one. Do you think the, the Selwyn-Cobbo one, for me, is the most interesting? Because it, when I saw him with that jersey, I was like, wow, I can feel it. Like, that's... He just, he just belongs in it. It fits, it yeah. fits yeah. well. It reminds me of, I know everyone's going to say GI's from New South Wales, but it reminds me, I've seen a young GI in that jersey. It's just about, there's a bit of magic there. But the world's not magic. And sometimes bad shit happens. And so the concern, I guess, is if you're New South Wales, are you trying to put as much pressure on someone as possible in the first 10 minutes? For sure. Like bombs, plays, whenever he runs, fucking give it to him. Is that, is that, or are you just going out there going, no, 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 look, we're just here to, we're sticking to our game plan. We don't worry about anyone else. Oh, I, I think Selwyn, his confidence is very high, has been for the last few weeks, but you did say at the start of the season, like when things do start to go against him, he can fall into a bit of a hole, which mm. all young footballers can. Yeah. It's not a Selwyn thing. That's just a young guy thing. So I think the Blues would be crazy not to be going at him. And when you've got a guy like Nathan Cleary, yeah. who's... You know, he's probably one of the only guys I've ever seen that can actually control where a spiral yeah, <laughs> kick lands. Um, yeah, you, I think they'll be sending plenty uh, down Selwyn Cobbo's way. And I, I probably wouldn't have picked him myself. Mm. Um, but fuck him having Gagai inside him fills me with it, wor- it fills me with confidence, but it worries me as a New South Wales fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't have picked him a month ago. I just think he's too good to ignore now. Mm. And there's, there's, a, there's, there's magic about him. Get him in there. What do you reckon, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be going at him for the first 10 minutes. I'd be going at him for 80 minutes. Mm. Um, he's, you don't want to call him the weak link because he's not a weak link, but he's just so raw. Mm. You know, we, we saw that uh, there was an article during the week that I think he had the most stats of any player, was it, uh, in the NRL this season thus far. In his defence, a lot of them were early on and he's worked on that and gotten better and better, a bit like Jeremiah Nanai and, and weaseled them uh, out of his well, game. if you look at his last six weeks, mm. he's been impeccable. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's had the rub of the green in a lot of those games. Brisbane had a few favours and, you know, been the better side in contests. Mm. Well, you know, it, it goes without saying, Origin's a different arena, isn't it? So, mm. you know, for a, a young fella debuting uh, on the wing there, I would just be peppering him all game. He's on that what I see is the weaker defensive edge with DCE there, which I'm sure we'll get to in more detail soon. Mm. Um, and I just think the Blues are going to pepper them all game, mm. and in particular, so and Cobbo. Uh, so, so in one scenario, what do you reckon, mate, actually? Mm. I, was, I was just going to say, I, I found myself watching an old Origin game on the weekend, 2006, game one. It was like the extended highlights, and it was Greg Inglis's debut. And I know like we shouldn't compare them, but I'm going to. They're both 19. They're both from Queensland. And when Inglis scored two tries that game, and when Inglis scored his second try, I remember... Uh, 
Sturlo said, and by the way, I didn't realize how much I missed Sturlo till I heard him the other day. <laughs> so so good, Sturlo's yeah. the best. Anyway, he was like, Inglis, he's made, he's made a, quite a few mistakes today, but he's shown that he, like, this is his arena. I'm kind of thinking maybe, maybe it's going to be a very similar trajectory for, for Sel and Cobbo. Like, maybe, may, like, should Inglis have played that first game? Maybe, but he still scored two tries. He, he made a few errors. Maybe Cobbo's going to have a kind of similar performance. Yeah, you know what was uh, even surprising to me, like, shocked me? When I saw the picture of them standing next to each other, he's as big as Greg Inglis. <laughs> I thought he was a little bit smaller than GI. Them standing next to each other, I'm going. And we'll put that up on the YouTube thing, oh. Uh, also, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube uh, and like the video. It helps us in the algorithm. On top of that, follow us on Instagram, Bloke in a Bar, Facebook, The Locker Room, and we also have TikTok. We've got TikTok now. No dancing, no dancing. You're never going to see me dancing on there unless I get paid a lot of cash. So brands out there, if you want to bring like a lot of cash around, I'll do a little dance for you. Uh, we're on TikTok. Make sure to follow us. It's, it's unique content made for TikTok too, and it's all about footy, footy-related news, uh, analysing stuff, funny stuff, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, back to Selwyn and, and Greg Inglis. Seriously, seeing them next to each other, and the fact that they're the same like size yeah. essentially. Now, you know, maybe Inglis's shoulders are a little bit wider. I don't know, but I'm just talking about the tallness. I, I think it's a really interesting one because people keep saying, you know, don't compare him to Inglis, don't compare him to Inglis, and and I understand from a respect thing, they're absolutely their, their own men, but it's a compliment. Like it's it's a compliment. It's not saying that he is as going to be as good as Greg Inglis, but it's saying like we're seeing similar things. I actually challenge anyone, go and watch Inglis's first 10 games. So maybe, and then go and watch Selwyn's first 10 games. I think you're going to see some similar things. Like I think if you go, especially if you watch Selwyn's last six games, I watched his highlights uh, just recently on YouTube. They're pretty fucking amazing. Go and watch that Q Cup grand final from last yeah, year. Go and watch that yeah. grand final from Q Cup as well. So, uh, although, you know, he's got a lifetime before he gets to GI's level, if you compare the start of their careers, there's some eerie similarities there with, like, breaking games completely open. Now, the question I have for you, let's say you, in New South Wales' mind, your bomb score me drops two out of three bombs, that's the dream. That's the fucking dream. You, you, you put him up, first 10 minutes, he drops a couple of bombs, he's rattled. What about the reverse, though? You, you, you send him up a couple of bombs, he makes a couple of line breaks. Do you go, okay, we're not going there anymore, or do you stick with it? No, I'd probably stick with it. Yeah, okay. Um, that's a tough one. I mean, if he, if, he, if he is braining it and doing what he can do, makes it difficult, but... Would you consider, I know he's a rookie, but would you consider because Coates, although a strong ball carrier, hasn't been, you know, as strong lately coming out of his end, just kicking to him and taking someone out of the game? Well, that's the thing. He Coates, I think he, his form at the start of the season was incredible. Over the last five or six weeks, it's been okay. Yeah. But I don't think it's been great. Mm. I think he's the one coming in with probably less confidence. So it might be a ploy to move to Coates. But, I don't know, just the age Selwyn's at and everything, I would just be... Because uh, it's origin. If, if he catches his first seven and he drops his eighth, yeah, that, that could, could be, be enough. It. Yeah. is that You feel the same, Timmy? I think you'll find a lot of the Blues' uh, tactical long-kicking game will go down to Xavier Coates mm. for the reason you just mentioned. Uh, out of yardage, Cobbo is far more effective than what Coates will be. Mm. I think those short attacking-the-line crossfield kicks are where they're going to put him under a lot of pressure and you'll find all that going to, to Cobbo because you know there's less room to be effective out of yardage coming off your own line, mm. um, whereas if they were to kick to Coates' edge in attacking positions... You know, he's probably the best leaper in the game from the wing, isn't he? So yeah. uh, that's why I see it, see it. Short game to 
Cobo, long game to Coates. Yeah, I see exactly like that. I think that you'd be silly to kick to him on a long kick because mm. he's proven he can get out of the backfield. There's no pressure there. Like it's No pressure. It's a catch, it's yeah. whatever. Um, and also, if you're kicking to Coates in the long game, it gives you an opportunity to absolutely fucking jam Selwyn on the next run because mm. you know who, who's taking the next hit up. Yeah. It's either Selwyn or Kalen. You don't want Kalen taking those hit ups. So it would actually, I reckon Freddie would actually plan, boys, long kick, make sure we tackle Coates, obviously. But our focus is actually the next tackle. As soon as someone gets the ball, I want I want someone shooting at a line. Even if you miss him, I just want him to know that at one time in the game we're going to hit him and it's going to hurt. Um, but I, I think someone's made for Origin. I truly I truly believe that. Whether he, you know, goes on to kill it or, or not, I think that in this game specifically, I think regardless, he's going to be in Origin for the next few years. I just he's so the things he is doing at such a young age and. Oh, man, it's just absolutely incredible. So really interesting to see what uh, – is there any – what about a guy like Cotter? Now, I absolutely – initially I had Carrigan at 13, but now that I sat down and thought about it and, and tried to understand Billy's, I guess, thought process, I absolutely love this selection of Cotter at 13. I personally believe it's because of the fact that he's probably – you could argue he's the fittest bloke in the whole comp. Laterally, defensively, he's going to be outstanding because he's basically a hooker. Uh, he's a smaller body. You know he's not going to gas out. Like, there's no way he's gassing out. He made 63 tackles and missed none the other week. And so I think that Billy has gone, I'm just I'm picking blokes that, yeah, okay, he's not the biggest body, but laterally to compete against New South Wales' crazy ball, uh, ball play speed and all that kind of stuff, on the advantage line stuff that they do, if I've got a guy there constantly plugging holes, um, he's going to be the perfect man to do that. What do you guys think about the Cotter situation? Do you feel that... Yes, that may be the case, but size-wise, he may be a bit found out, and because he's not as big, he won't be able to dominate tackles. What are your thoughts, Gurina? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would have gone Carrigan. I would have brought Cotter off the bench, but the more I look at him, I'm obviously a huge Cotter fan, so I, I'm not going to push back on it. But, mate, I just think, as much as this is his first game, like he is Queensland. Yeah, He is what Queensland has always been about. He, uh, he's just got that DNA in him. That's why I was so high on him early. He, just, he reminds me so much of Dallas Johnson, just the way. He's just a guy you want in your footy side. Mm. Um, I, I think you'll do okay. The size of him, um, you know, it, it is a concern, but it's only a concern on paper. Hasn't yeah. been a concern all year. Yep. And he, he's making 63 tackles as well because teams are trying to target his size. Yep. They're not getting any, any advantage on him. So I, I think Cotter will be okay. And I, I think he's going to have, you know, pending injury, I think he's going to have a very, very long origin career. What do you reckon, Timmy? I just think we've really seen in these teams uh, the evolution of the modern forward pack. And it's typified by Ruben Cotter uh, and a few others there. But, you know, we've we're seeing... For the last couple of seasons now, these Brandon Smiths, Victor Radleys, Cam Murrays, these smaller, more agile, ball-playing forwards who, who have the late footwork at the line and get the quick play of the balls. Uh, we speak about it every week, about how effective they are. And then you see selections like Nanai getting in over Jai Arrows. Uh, Rob, uh, Robson, Cotter being a, a smaller sort of lock forward than, than your probably typical middle, middle forward. Uh, at the Blues, they've gone Ryan Madison over someone like Jake Trebojevic, who was just a stalwart of this side. A few other selections there. Smaller forwards, it's a more dynamic pack. Queensland have gone that way. The Blues have gone that way as well, uh, which excites me. The, the interesting one with Cotter for me, he'll be fine size-wise. Like he's yeah. a weapon. Yeah. Um, when we speak about these ball-playing locks and how important that link man is in the modern-day game, does it concern you at all coming up against the Blues who we know are just going to be quick passing across the field? 
that Queensland don't have that middle link man like the Blues do in mm. Cotter, who's not a renowned sort of ball player? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's something you consider. I think that the fact that Kalen is such a strong ball player kind of works in our favour, whereas Teddy, although a solid ball player, I don't think he's as good as Kalen. Um, and I also think that because Munster has played essentially his whole career without a proper ball playing 13, mm. he's used to playing like that. Yep. Um, so it's a matter... And also DC as well, like Turbo... Uh, sorry, Burbo, uh, Jakey T, sorry. He... He, he used to be ball playing, but he doesn't really do it as much anymore. Really weird, that yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, he just... I don't he was know, a gun. He was literally the guy. Like, yeah. everyone's like, how good is his ball playing? Soft hands, inside yeah. balls to Tommy, everything. And that's where I, I've spoken about a few times now, but sometimes I feel like teams just turn their 13 to a tackling fucking demon and they lose half their game because yeah. all they're worried about is filling the hole for everyone. So it, it is an interesting um, setup, but I think because DCE, Kalen, and even... Uh, DC, Kalen and Munster to a degree they don't really play with a ball playing 13 and I think Munster has proven that he doesn't really need a ball playing 13 to get the job done but it will be if if, Bronco, uh, if Queensland are struggling to, to break New South Wales down when it comes to the attack on their line then that could be something you could pinpoint and be like look we're really struggling to get a forward to keep that edge mm. isolated on the edge you know what I mean we're really struggling to keep the, the centre uh, honest because the, the, the key with a forward ball playing is that if you have a good ball player, he straightens up and the defence has to stay honest because if they don't, he can run the ball himself. Whereas if you've got a ball player that's just playing way before the line, he doesn't even look like he's going to run the ball, they just slide off. And that's what Isaiah Yo does crazy. Like the amount of times he gets all the way into the line and then balls play. So it's definitely something to consider. I, I just think that... What you, what you lose in that ball playing, you may gain in uh, like leg speed, leg drive, quick play of the balls, because Cotter is just so good at that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what v- I'm thinking. Very much, sorry, mate. No, you go, you should. Very much <coughs> on that. I'm thinking out loud here, but so obviously Grant coming off the bench, Benny Hunt there at hooker. <sighs> obviously, you know, Cotter there probably, uh, you know, they'll take a bit of sting out of it early. Mm-hmm. Benny Hunt at hooker, Grant, we know how dynamic he'll be off the bench. Like he absolutely terrifies me coming off the bench. And I think Queens there made the right call there. Mm. When Harry Grant comes on, let's say the 20, 25 minute mark, mm. do we see Hunt going off or do we see maybe Cotter or one of the bigger boys spell and Benny Hunt becoming that link man at 13? Um, yeah. what do you, how do you think that'll play out? Oh, I, I think it'll be game dependent. I think Slater will have an thing. ideal role that he wants Cotter to play, but then if it changes and he feels that he needs <coughs> Ben Hunt out there, that, that's the beauty of having Hunt at hooker, you know. He can come on. He can play any role you want him to. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Slater would have a general idea how he wants to go about this, but I think it'll be decided by how the game goes in the first 30. Yeah, for sure. I, I think Billy will be sitting there going, OK, I'm going to watch the first 10 sets. I'm going to see how dangerous we are in attack. And if we're managing to create space on the edge with Cotter, I'm going to leave him on there yeah. just to get through his yeah. fucking work. But if we're, we've got all this field position and we're just not even getting close to scoring... That's when I think he he risks he risks it and goes. You know what? I'm going to put Benny Hunt at 13. I'm mm. going to bring on Harry Grant because the good thing about Benny Hunt and Harry Grant being at 13 is that one of them can step out of hooker and go into that 13 role at any stage. So you've basically got two hookers, but also you've got two 13s to a degree. Um, and so it really it really just depends. I think it's an interesting one because it's like a it's like a, a double-edged sword. If you're keeping Cotter on, you're almost saying we're very defence-minded. Like, we're, we're just trying to get a bloke in the middle fucking tackling his ass off. But if you can't score points, then 
There's no point in being great yeah. at defence because you're going to fucking beat it anyway. So, yeah, I think it'll be really game-dependent and seeing how well Cotter can be a ball player in that middle end, that link man. And also, actually, you know what they could do? Fucking Chuck, when, whenever they want to do those long shifts, Chuck Cotter in it fucking... Nine. <laughs> Another put nine. Bruce there, yeah, put yeah. Bruce, uh, uh, sorry, well, Ben Hunt at 13 go. to be the link man across the, the They've middle. got plenty of options, mate. They're not like... That's interesting. What, it, what excites me so <clears throat> much and, and is what makes me think, you know, Hunt will play that sort of 13 role at, at different stages is... I was listening to the Captain Drum podcast the other day. And great podcast, huh? Great podcast. <laughs> and Cam, Cam Smith was talking about, I think he asked him about Billy Slater and his nature of coaching and Smithy was saying he's such an aggressive, attack-minded coach. Mm. And you saw that with his selections. In yep. your Nanai, your Cobos, all these blokes we've yeah. mentioned. Which makes me think, you know, he's, go, he's going to want those early shifts and the, you know, the, the link man at 13. So... Yep. But all those options you've said there between Grant, Hunt, you said Cotter can go to nine if needed. Yep. There are so many options. So, you mm. know, Billy isn't going to sit there and just get outpointed by the Blues and go, oh, we'll try and grind you out of the game through the middle. Yeah. You know, he's going to have a crack at them, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. And well, that's what's so exciting. Yeah. It's like it's going to be a game with points, in my, I yeah. think. I don't think it's going to be a grindy game. Um, so, like, what they'll do, just to give you the kind of nitty-gritty of Benny Hunt's switching between nine and 13 with Cotter on the field, they may get the ball off a tap or, or, or a scrum or whatever. And they'll call a set like Benny Hunt set. And, and that's when Cotter will know for this entire set, I just go straight into nine mm. and Bruce will go into the middle. Benny Hunt will go into the middle of the field and just be a 13, just for that whole set. And like, that's how you can make those switches uh, without it being too complicated. Like, oh, do I go now? Do I not go now? No, we just call a Benny Hunt set. We, we call and he just goes into the middle field, becomes that link man. So that that's something that I think I mean, that's the beauty about their selections at the moment because they just got so much... By them not being too conservative about head knocks, because I think New South Wales have been really conservative about picking players that can cover a lot of positions. Mm. I think that that has given Queensland much more flexibility within their squad, whereas uh, New South Wales, I think that that conservative nature has cost them a little bit because they don't have a genuine 14 on the bench. Now, that could all change if... Whiten goes to 14 and, and Crichton goes and starts at centre and they use Crichton as that utility. But I still think that... I still think that, like, Hunt, Cotter, Grant offer so much utility through that middle that middle third. Um, yeah, so really interesting to see how they use it. Now, uh, Slater and Freddie, uh, last cross... Oh, we'll talk about Slater. Thoughts on Slater? Like, I, I never usually am very confident before an ex-player becomes a coach or whatever because you just do not know. You do not know. But I tell you what, if Billy Slater isn't a good coach, I will be so shocked. What do you guys think? He's different, isn't he? He just, he fucking something about him. Yeah, there is something about him. And he's got track record with the fullbacks he's had his hands on. Yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, he's, like every fullback he's had his paws on has turned into a weapon and I'm, I'm so worried about KP. As a Blues fan this series, I'm absolutely shitting myself. I think he's going to carve. Uh, but, yeah, Billy, you know, or, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you would have had the same thing with all the guys you've had on your podcast. I talk to players, especially halves, and I always ask them what it was like, your, your kicking game against Slater. They just said, you can do as much tape as you want during the week. You're yep. still not going to find the deck. Crazy. Like, he was just too smart mm. at what he did. I remember 2017, I went to Suncorp for game three, I think it was, 2017, and... I sat directly behind the sticks, which is normally... Oh, in Sydney, it's a shit seat at Suncorp. It's unreal. Mm. 
just got to watch him and Cameron Smith, just the way they linked up. Crazy. The it, was just, it was unbelievable to watch. They, the, 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 the two of them literally just put all their players in spots to get Fafita and Woods at marker. And then you just saw Smith and Slater just link up together. Yeah. And they just fucked around with them for 80 minutes. Yeah. It was insane. They're just, they're so smart. And I, I cannot wait to see him in a coaching role. That, that's, that's what filled me with confidence last year. I, I always thought Paul Green was the wrong man for the job. Mm. I, just, I just never felt like, like as a Queenslander yourself, like if the last voice you hear is Paul Green compared to Billy Slater, mm. I just think it makes such, such a difference. Yeah, and I, I think the tough thing with Green was it didn't seem like a long-term thing for him. Like even when he first signed, there were reports of like, oh, well, he's going to be here for a year or two and... You know, he may see... It almost felt like we can't possibly back up what we did in 2020. Mm. It was almost like we're biding time for Slater yeah. to come in so he's ready for... Oh, I just think about those sheds before they run out. Like, the forwards are going to hear from Cameron Smith. <coughs> the halves are going to hear from JT. You want to hear something funny? So, yeah, yeah, fuck. I was like, um, I was like, Smithy, like, what's it like, bro? Being back in camp, like, you know, it's the smell of that. And he's like, mate, I was on the field, like, you know, teaching, the, like, saying the boys do this, do that. And he said, after like 15 minutes, I had to stop myself and realise I'm not playing anymore. Like, I was speaking to them like a player going, we've got to fucking do this, we've got to do this, rah, rah. And he's, he had to stop himself and be like, oh, I can't, like, I'm not a player. I can't be speaking like, you know, yeah. the whatever. Because he was captain for like so long. I mean, basically, what, 2008? Nah, because Lockie was captain up to 11. 11 yeah, yeah, okay. And, but didn't, oh, Lockie missed 2008. Lockie missed this year. So he yeah. was captain from basically 2012 till 2017. 17. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he had to like catch himself and be like, oh, I'm actually not. Uh, oh, I thought player. it was that there was an image, uh, a video that I saw of the Queensland team walking through an airport. Mm. And like Smith and Slater were just amongst it. Yeah. And they just look like part of the playing game. I know, it's crazy. Like, right? if, if you were an alien dropped there and said, Which, who are the coaches of you this team? You wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, yeah. Um, thoughts on, on Billy the Kid and the coaching staff. Have they, have they nailed it or have they gone, have they lent too heavily into that dynasty? Well, I mean, you sit there and go, he's coaching his first series, his first time as, as a head coach, effectively, uh, of the Origin side. Mate, him and Cam Smith coached Queensland for 10 years already. Like, yeah. they're, there's experience across the board with the assistant coach, uh, Cooper Cronk there. So mm. I, I love with... It's such a different dynamic in that Billy comes in as a sort of relatively recently retired player who I think he'll take a very hands-on approach with. And we, we know traditionally with coaches, let's like, say Wayne Bennett, who's such a, a man-manager as opposed to being, you know, a hands-on, get in here, run this line, run that line, do this, mm. do that. Billy, you know, he's got such a modern uh, view of the game and he was brought up with it. So mm. he'll be hands-on. I'm very excited. I'm expecting some sort of ripping trick shot from him as well. Like, yeah. he always sees the game so far ahead of anyone else. Yeah. You know, we look at the try score with Krog and Smith in the, the 2012 grand final against mm -hmm. the Dogs there. Uh, and they're just... I'm expecting at some stage them to pull out some awesome trick shot and it'll be have his blueprints all over it. Mm. Uh, in, in terms of, like, the coaching DNA, mate, he'll be fine. As I said, he's, he's yeah. been a part of that camp for so many years and... I'm really excited to see what type of coach he is, but on all reports of him being aggressive and attack-minded, as he was as a player for 15, 20 years, mm. it's, it's very exciting. Imagine Billy in today's game with the scrums, the space oh. you have in scrums. He would have, and him and Cam, they would have, Cam coming out of the, the scrum in today's game, it would have been a joke. What do you reckon about uh, Billy? They always say, uh, whether it's Bellamy, Smith or whatever, that at storm training, 
Bellamy or Cam Smith would always have to pull Billy up because he'd be trying some crazy shit and be like, <laughs> I want to do this in a game, I want to do this in a game. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's the same case. Well, not the same case, but I wonder if in Queensland camp he's he's going to try some some stuff that no one else has been bold enough to try before. Probably. What I was, and what I was going to say as well is I wrote in the notes, when Freddie come in in 2018 and I was working for the Blues then, yep. so maybe I'm biased, but... I just knew we'd win because I'm like Freddie. Freddie's the man. Like Fred, no one, no one gets Origin more than Freddie for New South Wales. <clears throat> He's played the most games. Blah blah blah. It feels the same to me. It feels the same to me. That, like that Slater's come in and like it. It just feels like 2018 New South Wales to me because Freddie come in because you ask if they're leaning too much on the dynasty. Freddie brought in Bediris. Freddie brought in Joey, Fitzgibbon, and Brandy, and like you know, it worked. Mm. So Queensland have done the same thing, except with the eight in a row side. So it's a really good thing. <laughs> it's so exciting. What I love about this too is, is like both coaching stars, uh, staffs are former legends. Yeah. So it's like a game on a game, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know where I've heard. I've heard Cameron Smith might have been one of your podcasts. I'm <coughs> tell a story that like when they used to do their um, their Melbourne Storm um, video at the end of the week and they were planning for the next week, that Billy had come up with these plays. Mm. And, you know, there'd be 15 things that had happened. And, and I think Cam Smith sort of said that me and Cooper used to just sit there and go and wait for the injection of Billy Slater. And yeah. then, be, then I get the ball. And I score there. And they'd all be like, yeah, there we go. Of there course. it is. Of yeah. course you do, Billy. There's 15 bodies in motion <laughs> to get Billy the ball here. Um, yeah, look, really exciting times. Now, get, let's get a bit deeper into New South Wales. It's such an interesting situation because you would have gone for the life of you you would have bet look very minimal changes very minimal changes other than the changes need to be made but you know there's been substantial changes you've got Adokar obviously out you've got ah sorry not selected you've got Jake Trevojevic not selected Angus Crichton not selected three players that are almost in most people's teams walk-ins you know do you think that this is a distraction and it has been a distraction the last week, or do you think that this is Freddie knows exactly what's going on? He's got a. It's going to be worth whatever the dis- destruction, if it was one, was. I'm a big uh, believer in Freddie, so I think they'll be okay. And mm. I understand, like, there's the there's a side of the coin, you know, obviously the Queensland side of the coin. You know, we, we would have picked those guys, but I mean, if Freddie comes out and they win this series, like, it does send a message to all of them. You have to be at the top of your game. Mm. You, know, you have to be constantly because there are guys and can come in and replace you. So I think it can go, go go both ways. I think the Blues, with game one in Sydney, I think they should win this series. Mm. Whether they do or not remains to be seen. But I'm a big believer in Freddie, and I just feel like you know, obviously 2020 lost, but that series just seems like such an exception to me mm. with Wayne walking back in there and like <coughs> it was at the end of the year it wasn't during the regular season it was just a lot happening there um, so yeah, I'm a big believer in Freddie and I, I just feel like the last few years every time someone has criticised one of his selections they come good yeah he's pretty much nailed every single one except for that one except for 2020 which is easy it's so easy in hindsight to say you should have put Pappy on the bench you know you know, how was he supposed to know T was going to get down yeah. what do you think do you think Timmy, that because it, it's really has been the talking point. It's the and I, and I could be wrong, but the talking points in my that I've viewed are pretty much Fox getting dropped and Jakey to a degree, and the Crichton Whiten situation. Yeah, Do you Queensland think, haven't even had an illness go through yet? Yeah, <laughs> What's come, going on? It'll come. Someone will. <laughs> someone will get a cold or a flu or shit themselves. Whatever it is. Um, what do you think, Timmy? I'm with Guru in that I've just learnt not to question Freddie because mm. every time you do he gets it right yeah invariably um so I, I do have a lot of faith in him 
in, in his decisions that, you know, he's been there, he's done it for many years now, that he'll get it right. The Addo Carr situation, I, I just don't understand it one bit, to mm. be honest. Like, I see where he's coming from. They'd be looking at yardage coming out of their end and going, all right, Latrell and Tommy Turbo, as centres, which is pretty uncommon, were so big to our yardage in recent years. We don't have them guys. Um, so I'd be looking at Tupu there who, you know, who can hopefully run for 200-plus metres. Mm. You also look at after them going with Coates and Cobbo and these aerial threats and thinking, all right, we need Tupu to counter one of them. But then at the same time, he went in and picked Brian Toto as a debutant last year, who I believe coach was on him. And I was one bloke sort of saying, you know, Ariel, he'll, he'll kill him. Like, that's a horrible decision, despite yeah. how good um, he's in yardage, Toto, and finishing. Well, he did that last year and wasn't too concerned about the aerial threat. And then you've got Addo Carr, who he's so integral to the way the Blues play. And mm. that's with all these, the Penrith combinations there, the early shifts that they do and just looking to go laterally very quick. Adokar was a focal point of that because you give him an inch and it turns into a try. Yeah. Tupu, I think Tupu's a fantastic player. Wrapped him for many years and I wish he'd played more games for the Blues, but he won't have the same effect as Adokar with those early shifts. So I really didn't understand that one. Um, but again, in Freddie will trust. And on top of that, just the, the passion and the culture he brings to the Blues. Like, mm. he clearly gets the boys up. We've seen he's become a leader over the years. Yeah. Um, that one, Jake Chaboyevich, happy to see him miss out. Uh, best bloke in the game, we know that. But I think the game is going past him and these more agile mobile forwards, that's the direction it's going. Um, so, yeah, really interesting. I said, I trust Freddie, but uh, there was a few little interesting ones there, wasn't What about there? the Crichton situation? It's a really that's – a, that's a strange one that's kind of been, I guess mm. – yeah, because I think he's been one of the better forwards when he plays Origin uh, for New South Wales. And it, I guess, you know, Crichton, where, where does Crichton sit now in his kind of career? It's, an, it's a very, he's, a, you, you poll the NRL, he would be in the top three back rowers in the comp, easy. And yet he's in this really kind of holding pattern right now. Hasn't re-signed with the Roosters. He's being started and then benched and then started. And, and I don't think that's a reflection on his playing ability. I think it's just Trent working out what is the best thing for Roosters. Where, where, where do you put Crichton at the moment? Got no idea. I, I, he would have been in the starting back row for me. Mm. I would have picked him there for sure. And yeah, you're right. Like on a, on a number of levels, his career's in a really weird spot. Obviously, yeah. with a with a World Cup coming up soon for the Wallabies, there's always been talks about him potentially going back to Union. So yeah, I, I'm not sure. How he hasn't re-signed. Yeah, that's is shocking. He, he did an interview. I think the Roosters played the night before the team was announced, and they spoke to him after and. As soon as they spoke, like, I assumed that he was automatically going to be in the side. Mm. That was my take on it. The way that he spoke, I, I think he knew that he was in Curry. Mm. I, th- I think he knew that he, he, was, he was gone from that side. He you, spoke very... You don't sh- think he knew? No, I, I think he did know. Okay. Just the way he spoke, he just lacked a bit of confidence and he, he was a bit airy. And it was, I, I listened to that interview and sort of went, oh, shit, this doesn't... He, he doesn't look confident, confident to me, so... Yeah, I, I'd pick him every day of the week. I think he's such a bloody good oh, footballer. He's such a good footballer. Like, whether you play him edge, middle, I don't care. Just have him on the field. Yeah, very – I just – for the life of me, I, his whole scenario, the situation that he's in, it just doesn't add up. Like, yeah. what? A guy like that should be – have fucking 15 clubs after him. It's just – you know, I'm just not understanding. What do you reckon, Tim? What's going on with the I, Angus I'm with – I'm with Guru and yourself on that one. I would have had him in my team. I would have had him starting ahead of Tarek Sims. I think if we lose game one, barring something going on that we don't know about that ties all this contract uh, missing blue selection together, uh, I think if we lose, he'll be the first bloke that Freddie calls upon to bring him back into the side. 
Couldn't make any sense of that one, uh, to be honest. He's so reliable. He's been such a store of this side for a lot of years. Like, there are very few more reliable NRL players than Angus Cry, and you Seriously. know he's going to yeah. do a job for you every single week. He will not miss a tackle. He's uh, a threat in attack. I don't know. I don't get it. It's, yeah, it's it's just surprising. I'm, I'm not in it. Like, a lot of people will point to, and I'm not saying, you know, Liam Martin doesn't deserve to be there. I like Liam Martin. But a lot of people are like, yeah, Liam Martin has to be there. And it's like, well, by that same criteria, Angus Crichton has to be there, you know? Like, because oh. it, I just, I, I love what Liam Martin brings. And also, he does represent that kind of new forward of, like, explosive as anything, grateful work. And his combination to Penrith is massive. But what my, I guess my argument is, is, like, if you're going to say, well, Liam Martin's been playing really good for the last two years, he deserves a shot. Angus Crichton, has he been playing poorly at all for the last two years? Well, that's the other thing. I mean, if Freddie's not going to pick him in the 17, okay, but... To then have Tyson Brazell in the extended two and mm. Angus still not be there. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I don't understand. And I'd love to hear Freddie say so. I'd love to hear what Tyson Brazell gets out of being 19th man mm. for the week. Is he there to help these other? Because, like, basically, you've got, you've got uh, Tarek Sims. So, so, Cam Murray, we all agree, probably ahead of him at the moment when it comes to. I think Cam Murray picks himself. Picks himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isaiah, yeah, yep, obviously. But yep. you've got Tarek Sims, Ryan Madison, Liam Martin. Uh, so, it's what, four players? Sorry, three. Tarek Sims, Ryan Madison, Liam Martin. Liam Martin. All before... Well, and, and, and Tyson Frizzell, we're assuming. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah. Tyson Frizzell, because he's in the squad. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, and it's not to say that those... Like, Ryan Madison has been incredible. Liam Martin, I, he, he honestly reminds me so much of Anthony Watman. Just that fucking aggressive pole runner. Um, and Madison's been outstanding. And Tarek Sims, you know, his performance last year was incredible. But, yeah, this Crichton situation is very bizarre to me because... He's a culture guy. Like, he wouldn't be at the Roosters if he wasn't. Um, and there's never been any reports that he's not one of the, mm. you know. So, yeah, really interesting. Really interesting to see. Can you see a world where, let's say, for some reason, New South Wales get blown off the park? Will Freddie stick? Or do you think he brings in the old reliables? I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. If they get blown off the park, then... Maybe, but I, I, I think he'll... St- like, you can't tell me that anyone outside of Tariq Sims, I don't think he's picked anyone that's out of form. Mm. I think they're all in cracking form. Mm. So, I mean, if he's backing these guys in for game one, I, I, I think he probably does stick for them for game two. Is there anyone that's injured that'll come back? There isn't really, Latrell. is there? Latrell, yes. So, Trell was supposed to come back this week, but he just got the Rona. So, he won't be back this week, but he'll be back next week. Uh, he's looking trim. That's, that's another thing. Fuck, when you go, Latrell could come back for game two. It becomes a very scary prop. Like, Latrell yeah. Mitchell. He's a... <laughs> we're talking about, like, excited about Selwyn. Latrell's literally been in origin doing that shit yeah. for the last few years. Like, far out. It's going to be incredible to see him come back. Um, yeah, look, really, really interesting. What do you think, Timmy? Do you think if... if what, do New South Wales pick and stick if they don't get the job done first game? I think... Look, I can't see Queensland blowing him off the park, but if they win... Game one in Sydney, you know, that's danger signs, obviously. Um, Katoni starts to be playing for his spot because, you know, Latrell's coming back in the centres there somewhere. Uh, whether it's he, Jackie Whiten, um, who it'll all be based on this one game, effectively. Um, yep. I said, Crichton, I think, will be one that will come back in if we get done. I can't see Jake Chaboyevich coming back in because I just, I just, I don't think it works. Um, well, it has worked before, I shouldn't mm. say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked plenty of times. <laughs> yeah, it has, it has. But no, I think Crichton would be the big change. Obviously, Latrell would come back in. Tell me, what are your thoughts? I'm very perplexed over just Crichton on the bench and, and Jackie White and starting. 
Are we convinced that this is how they run out, or can you see it switching? Come, I, I'm not 100% convinced that they'll run out like that. I can absolutely yeah. see it switching. Because it just to me, even though, like, so on the captain's run last week, Cam made a really good point of Jack Whiten has one of the probably the best kick chase in the game. His ability to kick it long and just get the boys behind him and, and kick chase. Also, he's extremely physical and aggressive. So maybe for the first 20, they just want him on the edge there to shore things up, get through the, that first 20, and then you bring Crichton on. Uh, and then you move a forward off and you put Whiten in the middle somewhere. Because otherwise, you're wasting a sub if you don't do that. Uh, that's, that's the only explanation. But I'm still unsure. I just, for the life of me, it just seems Whiten's the perfect 14, you know? I, I don't think he'll make a change. I really don't. Who, who is Brad Fittler tricking? That's what I mean. They train at fucking Coogee Oval. You mm. can sit at the Maccas across the road and watch them train. Yeah. Like, Queensland would have people watching what they're doing. You can't – I don't think you can hide this sort of stuff anymore. Mm. If they were training in-house out at Homebush where you couldn't see them, but they're at Coogee Oval. Yeah. You can see what they're doing all week. I just – I don't understand what Freddie gets. I mean, if he if – he, if, if an hour before kickoff he says Stephen Crichton's starting, who's going to be shocked? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great I, point. I just, I just think Freddie – if that's what he's doing, I think he's outthinking the room <laughs> yeah. ridiculously. Yeah. Because, like, what really changes for Queensland? You pick a centre at centre, shock me. Like, yeah. I don't... It's just, it's the Whiten situation. Okay, if that's the case, and Timmy, you can answer this first. Um, how does how does the Whiten-Crichton situation work for you in the 80 minutes? I mean, the first thing is that you say, all right, Jack's been picked at centre, you thought he'd been picked as the bench utility. He's still the team's utility. He's mm. just starting the game, isn't yeah. he? Um the way I see it, though, is, you know, Isaiah Yo can easily play 80 minutes. Cam Murray can play 80 minutes. Uh, Payne Haas, Damian Cook, all these blokes are big minute forwards. Uh, you know, Ryan Madison's on the bench. He's a big minute forward. So, yeah, I know Smithy was talking about maybe Crichton comes in 20 minutes in. The brunt's been taken out of the game, slowed mm. up a little bit, inject a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of youth, a bit of speed and energy there. But with all these big minute forwards, I don't, I think if Jack starts the game, mm. Crichton sort of comes on as, you know, he's the X factor later on in the game. I don't think he comes on after 20 minutes. If you're going to do that, just start the bloke. I, yeah. I, I think it's weird. And while initially I thought that maybe it was a smoke screen from Freddie and that maybe Crichton would start, I saw a quote from Crichton during the week asked about being the versatile player off the bench. He was saying, yeah, I've been training left wing, right wing, left centre, right centre, fullback, all over the shop. Mm. Which makes me think that, you know, surely they don't go to lengths of having prepared answers like that to, to media and that sort of thing. So, yeah. look, it probably does stay that way. But barring injuries, I think Jack probably stays at centre for the majority of the game. And then match situation pending, Crichton comes on in that last 15, 20 minutes. If the Blues are up or it's a tight game, Crichton might not get on. Mm. Honestly, that I, I don't think... The fact they've got these big minute forwards and a few versatile options, you know, Crichton's there to cover the back line should an injury come down. But... Mm. Which then, going to another level, makes me think, well, when you just pick Nico Hines as the bench utility. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm keen to see how it plays out, but I just don't see Crichton playing too many minutes should they run out this way. What do you reckon? Uh, is there a world where he does pick Nico Hines there? As in, he, she switches things switches up them? late well, last. I, I, I don't think Freddie would do it personally, but it would make more sense than what Freddie is Way currently doing. But yeah. I, I don't think he, he would yeah. do it to Stephen Crichton. I think about Stephen Crichton, like if, if what you said is right, if he potentially doesn't get on the field here, if Latrell comes back for game two, you'd have to think that'll probably knock Stephen Crichton out of the side. Mm. Jack will go to, to 14. Like, <clears throat> like, I hope he gets on the field. 
Yeah, it's, it's bizarre because I would have thought for the life of me, if he's going to pick Whiten at centre, then he's going to pick Hines at 14 because, like, wouldn't you want to give Hines more experience? Because, you know, if Cleary goes down, he could potentially play 7-4 New South Wales, which is such a crucial role. You want to be giving your crucial role positions as many experiences as possible before they get the big call. So, yeah, it's a really interesting one. I think it's, you know, a couple of years ago, Freddie made some huge calls after, I think it was like a game one loss. I think this is in a similar vein of like, he's got a very specific idea of like what he's doing. I don't think he's like, I think there's, there's got to be a real specific reason that he's doing it. He's seen something in the video mm. that makes him think this is I, the right I would call. also say, and it was off the back, you said it about 15 minutes ago, oh, he picked Brian Tottenham last year and we weren't worried about the aerial. I think playing in Sydney makes a difference. Mm. They're, they're, it's, they're always closer contests. They're, they're always low-scoring games. So I, I think you will get a lot of opportunities that will come on your last tackle kicks. Whereas last year, what did we do? We went North Queensland, Brisbane, Gold Coast. Like They were three fast tracks where you throw the ball around, where you do get your early spreads yeah. out to your Josh Adokar. I wonder if just because he knows this game in Sydney, it's going to be tight, it's going to be low scoring. If a guy like Daniel Tupu, who I think is better coming out of his own end than a Josh Adokar, if that might be the play, a body like Jack White and coming out of his own end is probably better than Stephen Crichton coming out of his own end as well. Mm. So I wonder if that's... <coughs> his thinking that it is going to be in Sydney and history tells us those are low-scoring, tight affairs. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. It's a grindy affair, therefore you want your grinders in there. Uh, but I feel like Josh is great for that grind because he's so quick out oh. of... Anyway. He's definitely not bad at yeah, it. Yeah, anyway. absolutely yeah. not. Um, yeah, look, the white one's going to be really interesting. I, I, would, I hope he does get some minutes, Crichton, because, like, as we said, like, when Troll comes back, obviously he goes in that centre position, White and goes to 14, Um he has still got that thing about him, Crichton, that you could put him on in the last 20 minutes, not give him a position, and he'll, he'll just come do up something. with something. Yeah, he'll do something. He'll snatch and a ball, he'll do something at some point. Put it this way, if if he does come on and play 15 minutes or whatever, or I don't think it'll happen, but if there is that late switch of maybe Nico onto the bench for him, Crichton's going to know about it. Like He'd yeah. been told from the word go by Freddie, mate, this is the plan, and we're naming it whatever. But yeah. it's not like he'd have just come up game day. Sorry, mate, you're actually not in the team. Yeah, sorry, bro. <laughs> you told your family, incredible yeah. life-changing moment. No, you're not on the side. I, I think that... Because it's because I don't understand it is why I think that there may have been there may be a late change, but if you just trust, I also on the flip side of like, do you need to be playing these kind of games in Origin? Yeah. Is it just kind of like yeah. is it a pointless thing? So, I, I probably I think Freddie's got a plan, and I don't think he's changing anything. And I think as much as you can't pick a team for injuries, I just think if Cleary or Cook goes down, they're without a kicking game. And then without another nine, like we, we saw in their social media this week, Cam Murray was jumping into dummy half. Yeah, okay. Like if you end up with Murray at dummy half, <clears throat> that's like interesting. That'd be devastating for you. And if Nate Cleary goes down, so they're putting Cam at nine, as in. Well, that's what they, that's what it looked like. Well, yeah. I mean, who, who else would you like? We well, we Whiten at nine, if probably Jack Whiten. Yeah. yeah. That's Jeez, interesting. I don't know if I trust Jack passing left to right. To be honest with you, but um, well, you won't pass, mate. He's just going to run. Yeah, yeah. Just go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no passing. Um, yeah, so like if one of those, and you can't pick teams for injuries, I understand that. But if Cleary goes down, like losing his kicking game, Luai's a good kicker, but mm. he's not at that level of Cleary. Like yeah. no one is, obviously. And that's the, the, the thing that sucks for uh, Freddie is just, let's say Cleary does go down, HI or whatever, everyone's going to be like, you should have picked Hines yeah. at 14. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm of, you know, obviously not being a, a New South Welshman, but he's just done it too many times, Freddie, for me to question. Yeah. You know, for me yeah. to say that it's the wrong call is just being is ridiculous because, like, this is Freddie Fiddler. He's got a track record of being a great origin coach with making huge calls that pay off. Yeah. yeah.
Um, so, yeah, I back him in. We're I also know just from having Nathan Cleary on my podcast, mate, the way he talks about Stephen Crichton, yeah. it's just like he's from another planet. Yeah, he really right? is, I'm though. sure he would. Fuck he man. is, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think that, you know, having so many of the Penrith boys there and just, you know, I'm sure they would have had some sort of... I, I, like, sh- surely these Penrith boys have a bit of influence on this team, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. You have to. I think, I think he's... Freddie being a half himself does have quite a lot of conversations with Cleary and I think he's been having those conversations for for years like we have to remember a few years ago when everyone was saying yeah we won the series but Cleary hasn't had a try assist in fucking X amount of games Brad Fittler was steadfast like he didn't budge a centimetre a millimetre on the Cleary selection Mm. every time he spoke he was like nah He's good. He's playing well. And I think now he'd be having as many conversations with arguably the best player in the game, Isaiah Yo. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, yeah, I love, I love those comments from Matty Johns who said that he thought Isaiah Yo was the best player in the competition. And Isaiah Yo was like, look, I really appreciate it, but I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's why you are one of the best players yeah, in the competition because you, yeah. you're a good country lad that fucking rips and tears. Talk about, I mean, we, we speak about it every fucking week on the podcast, but probably one of the most improved players I've ever seen in my life. Literally. Yeah. I still almost picked him in my team of the week this week. He like, didn't even fucking play. Yeah, he didn't even play. Um, thoughts on the – what about you, Matty? Thoughts on the rotation. How do you think that Crichton and Whiten will be used? I mean, after what Cam Smith said on Thursday, like I, I, I don't know, obviously I'm going to be influenced by what he says. Um, your point about the kick chase before, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago where in game one uh, – sorry, game two, 2019, uh, it was Jack Whiten's first origin game at centre in Perth. And the first thing he did was put a kick in and none of the coaches told him to do this. That he put a kick in and he belted the fuck out of Ponga. Yeah. And that kind of set the tone for the whole game. So maybe if I'm combining what Cam Smith says and combining what you say and then combining, pretty much combining what everyone says, he'll, he'll go on for that first 20 and then Crichton will come on. Because I just think, like I said it last week, first of all, they both cover every position. I won't go depth into it because I did last week they cover every position but I just think Crichton deserves to be there like mm. he's been in camp before he's seriously one of the best outside backs in the comp yeah um plus about the whole moments thing last week so yeah I, I like I like what Cam Smith said I don't know if they'll do it but well it is interesting as well as you know Selwyn seems to be a kick return specialist like we've seen him break yeah. the line a few times and so maybe Freddie has gone look they're probably going to pick Selwyn so I'll pick one so that if someone wants to come back hard like he does, I've got a mongrel ready to fucking whack him. Whack him. And so that may be, maybe it's going to be Whiten's job mm. to get into Selwyn. That first 20, I just want you to be a fucking pest and just jam him. Uh, really interesting though, really interesting. Now, uh, let's get on to some battles. Uh, first of all, we'll go to the front row battle. Tino for Asua Ma'alawi versus Josh Papali'i uh, with Josh Papali'i versus Bolo Haas. Oh, fuck, talk about worlds colliding. Holy Jesus. shit. Has there been a fucking bigger, like a bigger forward pack, like front row battle? Yeah, all four of them. All four of yeah. them. You know I mean? Usually like, you know, you got Petro. <laughs> Whereas like when you look at this, Payne Haas, Junior Polo, Papa Lee and Fasua Ma, that is big fucking boppers. Yeah, I know a lot of people have been a little bit critical on Tino, but fuck, if you watch the Gold Coast Titans, oh, how fuck. different their middle looked without him. Oh my God. Just shows how important he is. Tino, if Tino didn't do what he did at the Titans, and this is no disrespect to the current players because they work really hard, but they'd probably be on the bottom of the there table. There was a Tino-sized hole in their defensive yeah. line. Yeah. Like, That's no it disrespect. Was, it's more just like Tino's just... It's just how good he is. Works his yeah. dick off for that team. Yeah, Josh Papali's been in good form for He's Cam like Cam Murray for, Cam Murray for the Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs. Very similar. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would argue Tino might be more. I think he is more important mm. to the Titans. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. You've also got Payne Haas. He's coming off a pretty tough few weeks. I'm sure he'll be stoked just to get into a. I think I'm actually scared. I'm actually becoming a bit yeah. fucking scared that, that this has all happened. And his next game, so he gets booed. His next game is to play for New South Wales. It's almost like a actually really interesting quote with the Payne Haas. So last week he said on an article. And I think he said it before all this came out. So this, this article was done by Andrew Webster. Uh, Google Andrew Webster Painhas. It's a fantastic article, like mm. really, really good article. And it just shines a very different light. Like it, it's like what we were saying the other week with Payne. Like the bloke that we know doesn't match up with what's happening over here. And this article acknowledges what's going on, but also shows like the kind of guy he is. Like, for example, he had an agreement to meet Web, Webby up at um, Brizzy for an interview, full on interview. And then last minute, Payne has decided to stay in Newcastle, go to his cousin's birthday, and then also like maybe a baptism or something along that, whatever it was, it was something family orientated. And Haas messaged him and said, hey, sorry, mate, late change. Um, I'll be in Newcastle, so why don't you just come to Newey and I'll pay you your tickets that you bought for Brisbane. So Payne has offered to give him money for the tickets awesome. that he bought. Like most, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, anyway, but in the article... Payne said, sometimes I wish I could start my career over. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that says something. That says something. And I wonder, I wonder this, to me, it seems that saying, I wish I had been at a club that, you know, would be chasing premierships early on. Again, massive assumption. And if that is the case, I totally get it. I, I honestly would rather Payne come out and just go, look, I want to win premierships. Like, I'm sorry, I want to win premierships. And I'm willing to take less. You can't hold that against you. I would be like, you know what? Fair enough, bro. Because guess what? No one's going to be calling your phone when this career ends and fucking you're struggling or whatever with knee injuries, back injuries. Uh, But what are your thoughts on that that comment that sometimes I wish I could start my career? How do you actually take that? Did you read that as he just wishes he could have been in a premiership race earlier in his career? Well, to say I wish I could start my career over, like he came into grade, signed a really long deal. And so I think it may have been him and it, maybe it's other things like he's had an issue with his management and all that kind of stuff. But I take it as, you know, maybe he would have signed shorter deals and okay. potentially gone to a club. Cause like his first three years of NRL has been, he hasn't played fucking pretty much any finals footy except for one game. Yeah. And I mean, it's a really has, interesting statement. It is an interesting statement. And, you know, I'm sure when, when he was younger and signed with the Broncos, he would have thought, fuck, how good's this? Biggest brand in rugby league. Like, I don't think anyone could have anticipated it play out oh. the way that it has. Like, it, it, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure what context to sort of make out of that comment. I, I think you could take it one of many ways. Is it a shot at sort of management he's been through? Is it maybe a shot at how he maybe handled himself over the last two years? Yeah, that's a good point. Struggling. Um, yeah, I, I haven't read the article myself, so I'd, I'd like a bit more context into it. What do so you basically, uh, I wish I could start all over again. That was a quote. Um, and then he just in the article he talks about a lot of stuff he's dealt with off the field, which is you know, you know, for example, he he was in hospital with his and it, and again, go and read the whole article. There's a great article. It's on Sydney Morning Herald. He was like in hospital with his brother. Got told basically that it's the end. Went and played for the Raiders against the Raiders for the Broncos because the Broncos were like, no, no, you don't have to. And he was like, no, we're at the bottom of the table. The club needs me. Mm. So I understand people's frustration with the signed contract, everything like that. But like, are you telling me that bloke doesn't care about 
yeah, the players. Yeah, so that comment seems more than just winning comps to me. Yeah, you reckon? Deep. I think like he's obviously, you know, it is what it is. He's made some mistake, mistakes off the field too, and I'm sure he would correct those if he could as well. So yeah, I, I reckon that's a fuck. It's a deep thing for what is he? Twenty two. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge call. It's you know a, what I mean? It's, it's yeah, a big call to say that. What do you reckon, Timmy? Mate, we uh, we love to speculate a bit on this and, and throw a few curly ones out there. I've no idea. Um, mm. in that he could be referring to anything from any different area of his life, of his footy career, whatever. I, I don't know mm. what is coming up there. I, I'd love to know more about it now that you've brought it up. But but you, you could put out four or five different narratives yeah. of what he's talking about, and I probably wouldn't push back yeah. on them. It could go I'd, one of a few ways there. Yeah, it was I th- it, the basically the context is he's reflecting on you know the last few years and um, you know dealing with personal stuff outside of football. Um, yeah, because like outside of winning Origin Series, like unfortunately for Payne, he really hasn't had much go his way. Pretty much, yeah. Like, like week what, in, week what's out, he had go his way. Like yeah, he's, yeah. Like we, we've seen all the, you know, the off-field stuff. We've obviously, seen all, all, all the family stuff with his brother and stuff. Looks like it's, it's just been a fucking awful few years for him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like it's a big thing to say for. Sorry for repeating <laughs> myself, but that's a huge thing to say for a twenty-two-year-old. Um, so basically, this is the context of it, and I implore you all um, to go read this. Uh, basically says, if only life was as simple as playing football, and then quote, in my mind, I'm bulletproof on the field. I'm not bringing that off-field stuff around the boys. I pride myself on not being that person. My footy can take care of itself, but I have some demons when I come off the field. Sometimes I drift away. I won't lie. We're all human. I do drift away, as people have seen. He finishes the sentence with a chuckle, then says one of the saddest things I've ever heard an athlete admit, especially one who's only 22. I wish I could start my career all over again. So I think when, I, when you read in that context, I think it's everything. You know what I mean? Just like everything when it comes to like maybe a few off-field discretions, maybe where he lived, where he didn't live, all the stuff he's gone through with his family well, as well. It sounds like there could be more that we don't know too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he's been, been through a lot off the fucking field. Yeah. A lot off the field. I must say, I definitely didn't take that as regretting to be with Brisbane. Like Did I, okay. I didn't, I haven't thought that in the slightest. You know what? I probably thought that because I'm reading an article from before the Brisbane situation, but I'm reading, I'm reading it after the Brisbane situation. So I'm probably wrong. Yeah. I mean, he's had a lot of stuff going off the field and, you know, obviously that's out of his control. Maybe he's referring to how he handled some of those things. Maybe he's referring to how he's handled his management, how he's handled, you know, just how he's handled things. And obviously he's human. He makes mistakes, but He's like, when I make a mistake, no one gives a fuck. When he makes a mistake, the whole world finds out. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I, yeah, and so, that, but I implore everyone, I understand your feelings in regards. No one's more, wants pain to stay more than me. Go and read this article though, and it will show you a, a much different side to Haas. And also it will explain, you know, that this guy has got a lot going off, on off the field. And also when it, when it came down to really being there for the club and playing in a game while his brother is on life support and then having to go and say goodbye to his brother after, uh, it's a great article. So Sydney Morning Herald, uh, Andrew Webster with Payne Haas. And you may see a little bit of a different side to Payne. The side that we've all kind of come to know with our interactions with him. Like, you know, I actually messaged him and said, like, just to, so you know, mate, I've said my thoughts on, you know, your current current contract situation. Wasn't overly negative. Wasn't having a go at you. Um, and I just said, look, if you ever, if I ever say anything wrong or something you disagree with, just shoot me a message and we, we can talk about it anytime. And I just said, also, regardless of what you do, thank you for you, what you've done for the club so far. And he wrote back straight away, said, um, he said, mate, I really do appreciate the message. Like, I really, really do. 
Um, and I totally understand you having to do that. I've only had two or three interactions with him, but they've all been so positive. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, so Payne Haas, he's, his first game back, I think he's, he may have the best game he's ever had at origin level. I think he's in for a f- massive, massive one. What do you think, Timmy? I'm excited. And we, when we go out to the jewels of the, the f- props, <clears throat> you look at the, the four boys there, Haas, Paulo, Sua Malawi, Papali. Yeah, all right, similar enough players in the sense they're all quite explosive, power, dynamic forwards. But when you break them all down, they're all so different, aren't they? So you've got mm. Payne Haas, who's got probably the biggest motor for a front row I've just about ever seen. Ever seen. Uh, you go Junior Paulo, who, mate, he's one of the best, has one of the best passing games for a front row in the NRL. Mm. And, like, he's another bloke who'll be pretty pivotal to this, like, early ball movement from the Blues. Yep. He'll have a big say in that. Tino Fasuam, and that also has a terrific offload. Fasuam Malawi probably the most dynamic out of the lot of them and just as a power forward. Then you've got Josh Papali, who's, you know, probably still the, the premier front row in the NRL, mm. give or take maybe Payne Haas now. But they're all so different in their own right and, mm. and I can't wait to see them go toe-to-toe and, and who'll win those jewels. But what a cracker. Especially yeah. in Sydney. You know yeah. it's going to be through the middle. I just, I, uh, yeah, it's going to be through the middle. I, I just think Payne, with everything that's gone on, he's, he's a guy that, like, he clearly fights through adversity and I think that it, him representing his state, he, he'll probably be cheered more than ever mm. because of everything that's, you know what I mean? Like he will you, be. Yeah, because yeah. New South Wales will be like, yeah, fuck the Broncos. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, yeah. it's a fair, fair yeah. I, I promise you, I bet you he gets a big fucking no, he cheer. Will. I'll be yeah. one of them. Uh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I think he'll thrive in that environment where, yeah, I think he's in for a massive game. We I even think just during the week, he'll have so many guys that'll put their arm around him, which he probably hasn't had much over the yeah, last Yeah, absolutely. Weeks. And tell, and, 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 They'll honestly, there'll be so much more to that contract situation that we all don't know mm. that I guarantee that some of the senior players have gone to Haas and be like, mate, I've been through that as well. This is what I did. I totally empathise with you because only people that have been through it together can really understand. You know who that. went through it? Freddie. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking oath. Yep. That's another interest. That's a really interesting point because we spoke about last week how it's really interesting. Freddie took pain into camp because he's openly said i do not like players with all their contract negotiations in the public but freddie said that he actually pulled Hass aside when he got there and had a like a real speech chat to him and he said uh basically freddie came out and said Hass is different everyone else he he can handle it and he'll actually play better um which i respect freddie for addressing that because it is it was something i think that you know fans were a bit like well but he's got a point like tell me any other player that has been as outrageously consistent in such a poor side, any other player. Mate, I can't believe how well he played that night when they were booing him. Yeah, it was incredible. He just kept going. I, I can't believe the crowd kept going. <laughs> yep. Like when you looked at the performance he put out, yep. and that's like, the, the irony is that's why we need him at the club. Yeah, like, that's why. Like this guy had a stadium booing him, and he was still ripping and tearing until the 80th minute. That's that's the kind of bloke he is when it comes to his actions. Now the money stuff, I get it. It's it pisses people off. I get all that. But that's why you've got to give respect where respect is due. And I don't think a lot of blokes would have gone to water when you're getting booed by your own fans. And and fair enough, too. And they would have gone, they would have yeah. sooked. They would have said, all right, well, fuck you then. You don't want to fucking. So I, I um, however it turns out, I, as I've always said, I've got such respect. And for I, I even, I heard you guys, you guys joking about it last week on Thursday, whenever that podcast is about how when we were out at DY and we G'd the whole crowd up to the boo when everyone came out, like. Fuck, it's rattling. It's rattling. I could not believe <laughs> yeah. how rattling it was, and I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. We were telling them to boo us, and it was still like, oh, shit. Um, anyway, to this front row battle, I think that 
it's really interesting because like you've got but the way i see it is you've got like tino versus Haas in the sense that you've got these like giant young fucking throbbers and then you've got paulo and papali'i i would say paulo is honestly i think and this may be hyperbolic but i honestly think bolo's sorry not paulo it's bolo i think his ball playing is as good as nearly any 13 mm. in the comp and i know that may be a bit hyperbolic but i i genuinely believe his ball playing is it as put it this way it's good enough to be a 13s ball playing that's how good i think yeah, well Paul, and bolo's ball playing is but i would say i think properly is like late footwork is probably just a little bit that better than like let's say let's say bolo's ball playing is 10 out of 10. i would say properly ball playing is like maybe seven out of ten and then i would say properly uh, footwork is probably like 9 out of 10 and I would say Bolo's footwork is maybe 7 or 8 out of 10 you know what I mean so like yeah. where they, they kind of but cancel each other the experience on Papali's side yeah and there he's done it I like think Bolo's been there long enough now though to, to oh, earn for that sure. mantle but mate Papali's like, well, yeah. he, he would have played 20 odd Origins true. by now wouldn't That's he true because he sat on the edge for Origins yeah so I, I really it's going to be really interesting to see because is do you think that the, the the trump card that New South Wales have is Bolo's ball playing? Would you would you say that New South Wales front row is better than Queensland's front row? Form wise, form wise, probably yes, but there's not much in it. And for me, I think when it comes to front row as an origin, form goes out the window. Yeah, it's just it's whoever wants it more. Tears. Especially like I know I keep saying it, but coming back to Sydney again, where it's going to be tight. Mm. Like remember a few years ago when Payne Haas and Tino went at each other, like. <sighs> Like Payne Haas is going to be stoked to get out of Brisbane for a week, and I think Tino will be happy to be in a different environment with yeah, better for footballers sure. around. For like sure. these two, they could kill each other out there. Yeah, like I love it. This is where your 18th man might become very important with oh, these two. Hell. I can't <laughs> wait. They put a promo up on NRL Instagram uh, with those two boys, like you know, going at it. Even though they didn't throw punches, for me that's still like almost an iconic moment. Like two of the fucking big dogs going at it like that you very rarely see that like shit it shits me at the same time that they they use that sort of promo for it i know they they, they blow up about yeah. it get all angry but then they use it for promo because they know people watch but i'd rather them use it than not use yeah, it yeah you know? that's fair yeah. um timmy so where do you think we'll go give you a point of where you think new south wales can win the front row battle and then where your point where you queensland can win the front row battle i just there's, there's so many different ways to attack it isn't there and mm. I think I narrowly give the Blues the edge and I look at, I know it's about the 15th time I've mentioned it in about the last 45 minutes, but the, the way that Freddie's picked his side with these, with the goal that worked so well for us last year in particular, to play laterally and spread the ball quickly, the, not only do you have the, the spine of Penrith with Isaiah Yo thrown in to quickly get the ball to another edge of the field, you throw Paulo in there and you mentioned that he may, maybe that's the, the trump card in terms of differentiating the forward packs. But they, you then also throw Cam Murray in there, who's on the edge, who is a genuine ball-playing lock. You then have Jack Whiten, who is a half playing at centre, so he'll have one of the best passing games of any centre in the NRL. Not necessarily as a half, but as a centre he does. Mm. The whole team has been picked around that lateral movement mm. and Paulo in the front row is that for me, so maybe that's the X factor where I just give it to the Blues. Um, you know, the other thing is, if there's one or two injuries early on and some forwards are expected to play big minutes, Payne Haas, it doesn't matter if it's a club land blowout or a six-all grind in origin, Payne Haas will go 80 minutes Easy. and won't stop. Crazy. Um, so I'm just giving it to the Blues. Yeah. Um, and just, oh, I struggle with two, Bolo. 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 It's so, it sucks because like they, 
you know, they just got used to people saying Paulo. Ugh. And you, you would have been like, well, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And you wouldn't want to like upset. So you let it go for so long. Same with um, Papaliki. That was Papali for so long. Uh, but yeah, Bolo. 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 Uh, we try to get it right here. Not always. What's I'd funny? see them do more on the commentary. Like when 100%. they announce their teams. Like you should have the players. I, 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 I always think when you watch like um, – like the NFL and the teams come out at the bottom and they say, oh, I'm blah, blah from this university. Yeah. But they should have the players saying their name, how it's pronounced. 100%. At the very least, have like an audio thing that comes up and says, Bolo. Yeah. You know, like mm. it would take... Let us know. Two se- yeah, let us know. Because like most, like most of us, we want to get it right. Like yeah. we're not intentionally getting it wrong. Um, even though I'm literally the worst person ever with names. I get them wrong <laughs> but every week. it's the same as like if you're in a conversation with someone else and someone says your name wrong, like it's awkward to pull them up. Yeah. Imagine being a 19-year-old coming yeah, in. You're gonna pull, yeah, you're not going to pull up. You're, you're not going to pull up. You're just say, happy to hey, be Freddie, there. Hey, Freddie, you said my name wrong. Yeah. Can you say Like it's just, yeah, I, I think they should have the players more involved with these with these situations and have them speak how it is. What but, I don't get is it's such a small, easy fix. It would yeah. literally take half an hour to get like, you know, Tango, get him to come in and say, because everyone says Tago, yeah. um, Timoko, like all that like kind of stuff. After they do their promos with Nine and Fox, just sit them on a chair and bang. And, say just say it, it, and, and, then, and then we would all get it right. A good point to back you up there, Guru. When um, Brian Tyler was coming in, mm. uh, everyone called him Brian 2, like mm. coming through, because that's just how it's yeah, spelled. Yeah. And he was talking to Vossi, Andrew Voss, and Vossi goes, is it 2? And Brian Tyler replied, oh, it's actually Toto, but everyone calls me 2, so you can call me that. And was like, no, I'll call you how you want to be called. Yeah, so that, that's an example of the players like kind but of like being a bit gun A lot of these guys it. that are coming through, like they're, they're, they're too polite for their own good. 100%. I mean, yeah. And especially a lot of young Polynesian boys, like yeah. when speaking to someone that's older or whatever, they're very like humble and respectful. They don't want to, you know, even me to, to a degree, like I went to New Zealand and they, I'm pretty sure they were calling me Dean and like commentators. Yeah. I was like, I don't give a fuck. Well, I, I went through high school. Um, the guy that played for the Tigers for Canterbury, um, Azapele um, Fine. Yeah. F I N E. Yeah. High school, everyone called him fine. Every teacher, everything. And he never said a word until he got to first grade. And I said to him, I'll oh, make the pronouncing your name right. He goes, No, they're actually pronouncing it right. I just didn't have the heart to tell any of this. And the thing, especially with um, Polynesian. Uh, last names it's actually really important to their yeah. culture and their heritage like it's not like for me like Kemp like it ma- it matters to me for sure like I'm, I love to represent my family and my bloodlines and that but it's not ingrained in my culture yeah. of like you know whereas Polynesian culture is very different when it comes to last names so yeah I definitely think that Fox and New South um, 9 if anyone from Fox or 9 is listening to this or whatever go um, speak to your I guarantee the positive press you'll get from doing it will be absolutely worth it. It's like a win-win. Absolutely. No, it's a yeah. massive win and it will cost you nothing. You just get yeah. them to record it and you can just go, when they score a try or they got to get a call out, Junior Bolo. That's yeah. it. Boom. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we saw all the tapes this week of the old, you know, when the New South Wales team, used, uh, Origin team, used to come out and say, oh, yeah. Ryan Hoffman from where, yeah. like, fuck, if you brought that back and just had the players saying their own names, yeah. it'd be unreal. Yeah. A few of the clubs have done it. They've started to yeah. do Instagram things that are like, you know, say oh this is how you say an am i think the eels did it like for uh who was it like i think like penicini isn't actually penicini it's bencini yeah right I'm, I'm pretty sure and then obviously the tango one uh tomoko um so yeah anyway uh, a bit a, of a tangent there as a bloke who often gets uh called kim by telemarketers i can really sympathize <laughs> <with these boys. laughs> i thought it was a pretty hard name to stuff up <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised hey if we're stuffing up tim we're stuffing <laughs> up fucking um anyway okay so so how 
Okay, so you've you've said how New South Wales. How do you think, Guru? How do you think Queensland can win this battle in the front row? In the front row, uh, I think the experience of um, of uh, Josh Josh Papali will be super important. But I, <laughs> you just fucked it up, Josh Papali. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, mate, I, I just think the the, the bench is going to be really important. Um, you obviously got Lindsay Collins, Paddy Carrigan. Collins, I, I think he's going well at the moment, but he is coming back off an ACL injury. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you're talking about this front row battle, you've got to go th- throw these guys in there too. I think Ryan Madison will play through the middle. I just think his leg speed will be incredible. And then Regan Campbell-Gillard as well. Just just a, Aggressive. a completely different body shape as well. And I think RCG, what, what he's going to be able to do too is just lift the tempo. Yeah. Like he'll come on and just start flying out of the line. And if the boys get on back of that, it'll be really hard for Queensland to go with them. Um, yeah, in my opinion, I, I just see them as evenly matched. I really, really yeah, do. I, yeah. I can't, you know, look, like, for example, I'd say Payne has ball running, maybe a little bit better meter eater than Tino, but I would say Tino's defense, he, he's got a better uh, lateral movement in defense and gets through more work. Like, I understand he misses some tackles, but that's because he's getting through so many. Um, and also, he, he goes for a lot of, like... He doesn't just stay in his lane and do his own job. He often, often tries to cover and everything. Um, and then you've got Bolo versus Papali'i. Look, just two stalwarts of the game now. Uh, it's going to be an absolute epic battle. Now, nine versus nine. This is an interesting one. And because think- Benny, Hunt, Benny Hunt at Origin is almost the best nine in the comp. Yeah, I think he is the best nine <laughs> at Origin. Yeah, at Origin, um, yeah. what do you, where do you guys see this going? This and battle? this is where I think you'll see, you'll be able to tell who won the front row battle. Mm. between these nines here. Um, Damien Cook, obviously, you know, he's been well-renowned for his running game over the last few years, but we haven't really seen it as much as we would have liked. And I think that's part of that's the impact of Wayne Bennett at South Sydney. But even in the Origin Marine, I, I don't think he's run as much as, as he should for the talent that he has. Mm. Um, but, yeah, Ben Hunt, I... If, if Ben Hunt's man of the match in game one, I will not be shocked in the slightest. So he's one player of the series for Queensland, two of the last three series. Has he really? Yeah, yeah. That shouldn't surprise me, but it does. Like, uh, it's he is such a. Fr- I thought game three last year, he was unreal for yeah. them. He just, I, I love the pick. I would have gone with Grant and I. I've said it a few times, but now that Hunt's there, I'm heaps more worried. And yeah, I, I personally think that that Hunt will play more of a role than just your opening hooker. I think he'll play a bit of thirteen and yeah. roam around a little bit. And um, I think the the big difference for me between these nines is the the kicking game of Hunt. Mm. And Absolutely, Damien Cook, he can kick, but it's nowhere near the, the level of a Ben Hunt. Yep. Um, so I, I, I think Hunt, just having that extra bit of attack out of Dummy Harvest, especially on your last tackles to really draw everyone in there around the ruck. Yep. Uh, and it's you know, such a weapon to have to worry about a fucking nine hitting a 40-20. It's, yep. yeah. Cam Smith used to be the king of that. You're in origin, you've got Queensland on the pump, Smithy would just go, all right, sweet, pop out, boom, early kick, and you're going, oh, fuck me. Yep. Uh, where do you see this, Timmy? Cookie versus Hunt. To Ripper, Cookie, I think he's been on a carve at times in the last, well, probably even last year at times during the Origin Series. A lot of that came off the back of Latrell and Tommy Turbo mm. through the middle, coming out of their own end of the field. And he'd get these like ridiculously quick play balls and say, see you later. I think with them two out, uh, these, and Queensland just having a, a probably a better side than we've seen in recent years, those opportunities will be less frequent. Mm. Benny Hunt, as I said, they're both going to look to run at any opportunity they can. And one thing I notice, and I, you mentioned it there briefly, but 
the best indication of who's winning the forward battle is how often the hooker is running. And mm. I was watching the Penrith game on the weekend, watching Appy Coruscant quite closely. And Penrith are on top in that, pretty, that game pretty well. Um, but Appy hardly had an opportunity to run. And I'm sitting there going, you know what, the Doggies middles and their pack are doing a pretty good job on Penrith's pack here tonight. And it'll be the same <laughs> this week. If after 25 minutes you've seen Cook take 10 runs and Hunt have two or vice versa... That's basically your indicator of who's winning the middle. And mm. I know there's more that goes to that, but yeah. essentially, if your four pack's going forward, your hooker is going at all stages. So mm. uh, looking forward to it. Do you think the Harry Grant, the ability for Queensland to bring Harry Grant off the bench is a trump card that, you know, because obviously New South Wales have sacrificed that, basically sacrificed having a very specific, you know, explosive 14 to come on. Do you think that's Queensland's trump card in the middle, Harry Grant through the middle? Big off time. The bench? Yeah, I think he's. I heard someone say it during the week. I'm not sure who it was, but he's the he's the only player that that who's going to come off the bench and the game's going to change. Yeah, straight Lockyer. Away. They basically Lockyer said, said yeah, yeah, Queensland are the like it's basically the own well Queensland are the only team that have a genuine like 14 that is made for that kind of basically that, that role. Yeah, like when Harry Grant comes on, you will see the field change. Yeah, <clears throat> you will see <clears throat> everything change for Queensland in an instant. Whereas Stephen Crichton. He will come on. He'll probably jump on at centre and Jack will move to lock. It's not as much of a change to a Harry Grant, a fresh body, who's going to touch the ball 60 times in the next, you know, 35 minutes. So, yeah, I I think Grant's going to have a big influence on this game. And, you know, the times that we have seen him dominate in origin is when he's come off the bench. Yeah. Fresh. Um, So, yeah, yeah, he's another guy that I'm really worried about, Harry Grant. What do you reckon, Timmy? As a Blues fan, look at that Queensland lineup and go, what am I scared of? And... Let's be fair. There's a lot there. There's Cam Munsters. There's Caelan Ponglers. There's Xavier Coatesfail. Oh, you're nameless. The one that just stands out so far above anyone else is the bloke off the bench, and it's Harry Grant. I'm, I'm terrified of him coming onto this a tiring Blues pack. I mm. he'll come on probably about the 25 minute mark and play 55 straight. Yeah. Uh, and you know, particularly if the Maroons do get the the ascendancy through the middle early on, and the the Blues are buggered. He's just going to carve us to bits. Yeah. So it's so important for us to, at very least, match Queensland early on through the middle, which we should. There's no reason why we shouldn't. But if we don't, Harry's going to come on and kill us. And and essentially, like he can win the game for him like that. He's that good. And as soon as he walks on the field, you will see a reaction from Munster and KP. Mm. They will just start to push yeah. and push and push, yeah. and then they'll be on the front foot. Then we're in trouble. It's uh, going to be really interesting if they keep Harry. Uh, sorry, they keep Ben Hunt at. 13 on the field or they take him off I really wonder what they're going to do but what is scary is if Ben Hunt goes to 13 and they're both firing to defend that you've got Grant and Hunt in that middle middle area there going to be super super hard especially like Harry Grant takes a skew Benny Hunt takes a skew like that's fucking tough to defend against plus you've got Bruce's kicking game so if Cam Munts is under pressure Benny Hunt can just say, yep, won't pass me the ball, I'll well, kick it deep. And you got DC as it well. It was like the Blues last year where they were just so relentless because you'd have Damien Cook darting off the back of the forward pack. You'd have Tommy Turbo going whack, Latrell going whack. And then because they were rolling forward so quick, out card come in and just chopping to bits. Queensland, as a, with if Ben Hunt does go to 13 to play that sort of role and Queensland are rolling through the middle, it'll be the same. We'll have Pongers yep. come out, your Grants, Hunts, like Munsters. Oof. It'll be interesting. Very, what do you reckon about this uh, little battle in the nine roll? Yeah, going back to what you said before about the forwards, I reckon, like, it's yes, it is close, but I I, find, I feel that the Blues front rollers um, trump Queensland's because 
just like Paulo, uh, sorry, Ballo, as you said, has the um, that ball playing, that offload he's got as well. And they're both in the top 20, I think, in the NRL for, for metres this year per game, whereas the other two aren't even in the top 50. So based off that, um, that's where I guess Cook will, will, will shine. But on the other side of things, you're right, Ben Hunt's been one of the best players in the comp this year and Harry Green's the reason pretty much, well, except for Munster, that they won that game three in 2020, I think it was. So that is at the that as a Blues fan is making me shit myself. The, the <laughs> Harry Grant on the bench, definitely. Yeah, look, really, really interesting. Going to see what how that. I mean, it just all depends. It really does depend on on um, Queensland's rotation. You know, does Cotter play eighteen? Does he fucking does he play sorry eighty minutes? Does he get taken off? Do uh, Queensland run out like this one to seven eight? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, can't see any reason why you change. Why? What, what are you seeing there? I oh, know. I was. I was just. You know. Just thinking. Like obviously, when Harry Grant will come on the field, you'd probably have to assume by that point um, that their starting front rowers will be off. And I, I just. You know. Pat Carrigan and Lindsay Collins, both solid front rowers. But you know, if you were to bring Harry Grant on with, you know, if they had Ryan Madison on their <coughs> side, just the amount of momentum that he mm. generates to get off off the back of him. Um, yeah, I, I still think Nanai's a very interesting one. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Nanai's a, a wild card uh, for me. I agree. I don't know where it's going to be injected or. I don't even it, know what to be scared of with Nanai. Yeah, like honestly. It just could be anything. Yeah, because he could be catching bombs, crossfield kicks. Slater, Slater did sound 360 that he's not here to play games. They'll just be. He was talking about Hunt and Grant, but he's, he's just like, I'm not here to play games. They're, they are where they are. Really? So, yeah, yeah. I like that shit. Um, look, really, really interesting. Now, let's, let's get into the back line. Tedesco versus Ponga. Uh, do we think Ponga can rise to the occasion and uh, challenge Teddy? He will rise to the occasion. I'm confident of it. Okay. Mm. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were saying last year. With you know, even though the series was you know quite close at times, the Blues were so dominant through the middle. Like Ponga, very hard to play off the back of that. We all expected to be a lot close this year, and you just watched. Pong come into his own. You mentioned before, uh, even if it is only a brief period of time, but mm. what Billy Slater will give to him, it, he'll teach him so much in such a short yeah. period. Like yeah. it's, it's a good yeah. One. It's I, I if we get KP, like I think that that Knights as well should be grateful as anything that KP's in camp right now with Slater because if he comes out and kills it in this series, he'll take so much confidence back to the yeah. New Knights and just help them. You know. Off the bottom of the ladder, essentially. Uh, James Tedesco, it's, I guess it's, you know, he's, he's the captain. Been a bit quiet, to Teddy, the, the talk around Teddy this year. You know, but most origins we go into it, Teddy's kind of like the main guy. Whereas, I'm not talking about his form, I'm talking more about just the hype around Teddy and what he can bring. But we have to remember, he's probably been the most consistent origin player for the last four or five years. I think he's definitely been the most consistent, yeah. Do you think that he comes out and re-stamps re his authority? I think he will. And I think that, you know... Last year we had Turbo and Latrell. Obviously, you know, Turbo was playing centre, but he was floating around all over the park. And, like, there were so many tries that Turbo came up with that, you know, he got all the applauds for and everything. And then if you watch those tapes again on his inside, Teddy was there every single time. Mm. He just didn't need to be the guy in that moment. Mm. So I feel like Teddy sort of got a little bit overshadowed in last year's Origin Series. I think he's come out for the Chooks this year and... You know, they've brought Kiri back. They've got young Sam Walker pairing up with him. And I think Teddy's just found it a bit hard to find his spot yeah. in that Roosters team. And I think the Roosters have found it hard to find themselves. But I think he's going to walk into this camp and just excel. I mean, mate, the only time we've spoken about Teddy when it comes to origin was people, and I couldn't believe it, saying that Pappenhausen should be there over him <laughs> a few weeks ago. And it was just like... It's one of the great bonehead calls. They do it every time. year, though. They do yeah, it every year. And, like, Pappenhausen can't play any better. Like, he's played outstanding... 
you cannot replace a bloke that has been the most consistent origin player for the last five years. I would argue that James Tedesco's in top five games, maybe three of them have been for the Blues, with number one being 2018 game one. He just grows another leg in origin. Yeah, I Teddy. mean, he's made for origin. He, get, he, he kills it. He kills it every game in origin. Like, very rarely do you see a game, maybe once or twice, where you're like, oh, Teddy didn't play that well in origin. Most of the time, you're like, oh, he's in the top three players on the field. Oh, I remember sitting here last year when the Blues needed a new captain because Boyd Corner was injured. And I just remember thinking, oh, it'll be Gerber. Mm. And then he went with Teddy. And yeah. to me, I was sort of like, geez, that's an interesting pick. I would have gone with Trebojevic. But... Maybe Freddie saw all this coming a year yeah, ago. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, just quickly, the stores in spotlight for Bloke Beer. Cronus Liquor, Jeringong. Paddo's Grog Shop, ACT. Page Bottler, ACT. Camperdown Cellars, Bronte and Darlinghurst. Charlie's Liquor Barn, all stores. All of Charlie Liquor Barn stores, we are stocked there. Super Cellars, Werribee, Victoria. Blacksland Cellars, Yoronga Cellars. Reef Gateway, Early Beach. Club Hotel, Roma. Harry Brown's, Booville. Uh, Tats Hotel Armadale. Also, I stopped into a bottle a Celebrations bottle um, just before, I think it was maybe Cameron Park, I could be wrong, but just before Newcastle uh, and had blokes stocked there and they loved blokes. They said that, you know, plenty of punters and dribblers go in and purchase blokes, so thanks for that. Uh, we are in every single Celebrations in New South Wales and ACT. Also, we're in every bottle We're in every IGA Liquor Plus and every Porter's Liquor in New South Wales and ACT to make sure to get down. Uh, and grab a case of bloke in a bar for origin. It's the only beer to drink for origin. Tell me another beer that's given you this kind of insight to origin. Tell me that. That's how much we love footy. So grab a case of bloke in a bar for origin. Now, let's get into the backs or the centres. We've spoken about the wingers, but the centres. We've got Dan Gagai, Valentine Holmes versus Katoni Staggs and Jack Whiten. Now, Valentine Holmes and Dan Gagai, you could argue, are some of the best origin outside backs we've seen in... 10 years when it comes to their performances on the origin stage, maybe even 20 years. Well, I think Dane Gale, if you were to pick your best Maroon 7-8, I think I'd find him a jersey. He's the only ever wing to win player of the series. I think if you look at solely origin performances, I think Gagai is one of the best outside backs we've ever seen in origin. Well, you can say who would you you'd go? Wendell would be maybe, but he didn't really play that much origin, did he, Wendell? I, I think Gagai has outplayed Wendell and Lottie as far as... At origin at, level. At just strictly yeah. origin level. So we'd have you have one wing probably Gagai, yeah. other wing probably Israel Flower, yeah. One center Greg, uh, GI and Mal, GI, and then the other center Mal. I, I genuinely think he'd be on, on a wing. Gagai. Yeah, I'd that's probably a fair have him call. over Israel to be honest with you. Really, I mean Gagai he, has brained it yeah, every single time. But like fuck, Israel was so good in this. And as Israel, I think if he had played a whole career there, he would have been pretty. Crazy. Uh, yeah, for sure. But 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 he didn't. Gagai yeah. has. Yeah. And he's he's been outstanding every single game. Now, do you think this is where I do believe that the one another trump card, I guess, is our experience in the centres. You know, it's these guys that have been there before. They've done it. They've played great footy in the centre position. They're experienced. They're in. You know, when it comes defensively, getting to the best parts of their career, whereas Stags obviously on debut, Wyden has played one series in the centres, but unfortunately, uh, defensively, attack-wise, he was great. Defensively, he wasn't that great last time at centre. Do you think this is an area where Queensland could rattle New South Wales by with their experience in the centres, Timmy? It is for sure, yeah. And when you line up the teams, um, you know, maybe I've got the Blues narrowly ahead 1-17, to 17, but the centres are, are such a strike spot for Queensland. Just the fact that 
you know they're going to come in and do a job because they've done it time and time again. You know, I was talking about uh, Angus Crichton for about being an extremely reliable footballer at any level. These two, uh, Val Holmes, Dan Gagai, you just you know you're going to get with them uh, every single time they step out in a footy field. And I love the little the little internal battles between these guys. So. The way we've sort of got it lined up, we've got Staggs on Holmes, who, Guru, you mentioned before that Staggs this year defensively has just done a mammoth job on anyone who's come up against him. Holmes got the ascendancy on him when they played earlier this year. Staggs would hate that and he'd remember that. Then you go to the other edge, you've got Gagai and White, and you look back to, was it 2020 when Jacko last played centre there? And they both gave each other a bath at times in that, like... Mm. Whiten got over Gagai a few times. Gagai, more than a few times, I think, got over Jackie Whiten. Mm. That'll be fresh in both of their minds. Um, so to see how that pans out, as I said, I'd much prefer be in, on Team Queensland with my centres, mm. but, gee, there's some strike as well in the uh, the Blues centres. Do, do we think that Katoni Stag's explosiveness could be the Trump guy for New South Wales? Like, when we talk about explosive outside backs, I would argue Stag's is, like, right up there with the most explosive mm. outside backs we've ever seen in Origin. His ability, his first 10 metres is crazy quick. His fend is as good as GI's, in my opinion. Uh, GI's very different fend. Like, Staggs is more of a, like, stop and fucking throw you. I mean, GI did that as well. Um, but if you go and look at Staggs' highlights, like, he has truly taken centres and fucking thrown them. The only per- other person that's done it similar like that at that level that I've seen personally, there may have been some that I haven't seen, is GI. Do you think Staggs... That could be the X factor for New South Wales of a guy that can just break a game open. I think for sure. I remember talking to, uh, had a brief conversation with Latrell probably seven weeks ago when he first got injured, mm. and um, and this is before he was going overseas and stuff. And and I said, who, who, who would you pick to replace him? And this was seven weeks ago. He said Stags. He said yeah, he's well. just got something about him. He's got that power, that explosiveness. And mate, th- th- this was before everyone was talking about Stags. This yeah. was like two weeks after he came out of that period where yeah, he was looking like a busted. Yeah, like, barely. Was like, I genuinely thought he might need some time in Reggie's yeah. after week two. Well, I was concerned about his happiness. Like I, yeah, thought, he, he yeah. did not look himself. It was not. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and then all of a sudden, what I loved about what I love about his last ten weeks, or even this season. It's like we all know he can do that crazy stuff. We all know that. But I love how much he's rounded out his game. Mm. And you could argue in the last 10 weeks, he may be the best defensive centre in the mm. comp. That's how strong he's been. He went from arguably the worst in the first two weeks yeah. to the best over the next crazy. eight weeks after that. Um, no, the only way that happens is in training. Like yeah. The only way you can turn shit around like that is if you go away and say, I'm going to spend hours and hours doing extra tackling practice and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's also done it against... A heap of different sort of centers. Yeah, like he's handled your your Bradman best. He's handled your Sifatalakai. Like he's shown that he can handle a range of centers. Mm. Uh, Val Holmes is one of the guys that gave him a bath early in the season, as you mentioned. Uh, so it is going to be a big test for him. But I think Tony will come into this game so confident. Mm. I think it's one thing that Freddie has shown too that when he brings guys in, he gets the best out of them. Yeah. So I, I'm very excited to see Tony. I think if it wasn't for injuries, he would have played earlier mm. potentially. Um, yeah, I, I think he's the sort of body that's made for Origin. So, Timmy, we're, we're talking about, and I'll get your thoughts on this as well, Matty, we're talking about constantly, Selwyn Cobbo, Selwyn Cobbo, Origin, he's going to be incredible, young gun, killing it. Are we not talking enough about Katani Staggs? Because when we're talking about blokes made for Origin, I honestly think if there was a footy god moulding an Origin guy, it would be Katani Staggs. He's hyper-aggressive. He, he loves, like, he. you could even see, when he played um, Talakai, the first run Talakai had, guess who was shooting out of line to hit him? 
it was Starks. And very rarely do we see players take things so personally. I think Chambers was really good at it. Latrell was really good at it about going, no, fuck you, my yeah. opposing centre. I want to get over it. Could Stags be the actual superstar that explodes on Origin rather than a Selwyn? Is, are we overlooking that? Well, mate, you Queenslanders <laughs> might be talking about Cobbo, but us Blues and I'm talking to my mates, we're talking about Katoni Stags. <laughs> okay, so, okay. But for sure, I mean, it's because he's this such raw, untapped talent, Cobbo, that he's maybe getting a few more headlines. But, you know, Stags on debut as well, and you can say this about any debutant ever on the Origin arena because it can make careers, but this could just be such a career-defining moment for Katoni Stags because yep. his ceiling is higher than you know almost any player on this field, particularly as a debutant. He could come out and score a hat-trick and just like wail on whoever comes in with that big fend mm. and we just go, all right, we knew he was good <coughs> at club level, yep. but this bloke is just obliterated an origin arena and he could do it. He's yeah. that good uh, and I really hope we do see it. And I also think the Blues... We sit there with the Broncos a little bit and say, get him more early ball, get him more early ball. Yeah. And it doesn't, for whatever reason, it's not uh, in Brisbane's game plan to get, you know, the strike centre a stack of early ball. It is the Blues' game plan to mm -hmm. get their centre's early ball. So he's going to have every opportunity to do that and get these one-on-ones. Mm. Uh, how good. Well, I'll just take people's memory back to game one last year. They basically went normal hit up, then they went spin, spin, straight to Latrell. Trell goes fucking boom, 80 metre run, then they end up scoring. And so Freddie is very specific about getting early ball. Like he would be telling them all week, we're doing the exact same thing. We're taking two hit ups and I want to go spin, spin, get Stag's yep. early ball. Uh, and you're totally right. He could explode the origin arena apart. What do you reckon, Matty? I reckon that people, including me, have kind of like, because everyone's talking about Stag's Cobbo, Stag's Cobbo. Obviously Cobbo's the main guy everyone's talking about and Stag's kind of flying under the radar, which could be a good thing news as well. But people forget it's not like for like. Tony Staggs was a Dallium centre of the year in 2020. Mm. And he had a great year in 2019. I think he played the first half of the year off the bench or something, then come on and killed it at centre. So I don't know. I reckon Staggs has so many more games under his belt and he's been in the origin system before. I don't think he's been 18th or 9th man, but he's been in that like emerging like summer camp. So... Yeah, uh, to answer your question, short answer, yeah, people aren't talking about stags enough. 100%. Mate, uh, yeah, I think, he's, I think he's flying way under the radar. We're forgetting, I think Selwyn has, and, and rightfully so, no one's more excited for Selwyn than me, and I hope he kills it. But yeah, put it this way, if Selwyn isn't debuting, I think most of the talk is about stags. Yep. And most of the talk about this young, you know, he's still only 23 years old, hasn't played Origin yet, has almost been destined for Origin over the last few years. It's almost like... People have been sitting there going, we just can't wait for him to get the chance to play Origin because he suits it so much. So he really, really could be something special. When you have a look at the way they played last year, obviously you had Turbo who was you know, floating around a bit. Do we see that given to Stags or Whiten at all or do you think they, they stay in their, their corridors? Look, I think you, you've got to be a very special kind of player to do that. And I mm. think with Stags, you don't, you don't want Stags getting through a mountain of work. You want him as the Ferrari. Fresh as a daisy. It's kind of like running backs in NFL. You don't want them getting to their, you know, um, to their job puffing and tired and, you know, their fitness is not that great. Uh, Staggs has got decent fitness, but I want him so ready to explode every time he gets the ball. I never want him getting the ball kind of gas, taking an easy hit up, just trying to get his breath back. I want him fucking ready to go. Oh, I was just thinking off the top of my head, obviously last year we had Latrell, we had Turbo, we've spoken about that. If something was to happen to Teddy next, like during this game, is Stephen Crichton the Blues fullback? During the game? Yeah. 
Ooh. Like we went from like we used to pick three and four fullbacks in our back line. You can't play yeah. stags. Like I, I genuinely think that Stephen Crichton becomes the Blues fullback. Him or Jack, Jack, eh? Maybe Jack. Jack can go to fullback. Very yeah, I'd, I'd probably put Jack back there because he's played. He's played a few years there. Fuck, that's a tough one though. That's a tough I'd one. I'd put Crichton personally. I'd go Crichton. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Just because he has that X factor? Yeah, pretty much. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I can see that. And also, you want Jack in the line. You want, I was about to say, you want Jack in the line, jamming blokes. You can't do that at fullback. Um, Just on the the centres again and all that hype around Stags, and we know what Jack is capable of. But if you're Queensland, that's where you're getting at, isn't it? That Mm. your game plan has got to be all right, let's get, if we can get KP with a three on two and having to make Katoni or Jack, who have both had. As good as Katoni's been defensively this year, he's had his defensive uh, lapses yeah. at times in his career. He's not wouldn't call him rock solid. We know Jack's had defensive lapses at centre. Mm. You're just going, KP, three on two, let's make these boys make a decision. If yeah. they make the wrong one, KP invariably gets the right one. So yeah. that, like, I think that's what their game plan will be, is to get at them. Now, the biggest battle of them all. Seven and six versus seven and six. I would say Cleary, you know, obviously in better form than DCE, and I would say Munster in better form than Luai, but I would say all four players are in form in my opinion. I'd say the only concern I have is probably DCE's defence at the moment. His attack, in my opinion, has been quite good and he's lifted Manly out of so many games and, and won it for him. But I think that the biggest concern for Queensland is making sure that they are all on board with the same defensive system. How do you see, Timmy, how do you see six and seven playing out in the battles? I'm glad you said a defensive system because I wanted to get uh, your boys' thoughts on it. We we speak most weeks about DC sort of defense. It can be a bit of a defensive liability for Manly, and this is where where Origin becomes such an exciting arena because you go Manly's edge basically plan all their defence around DCE and how he locks into his back rower and goes very hard on. So they play that up and in defence. Mm. But when you get to the Origin arena, you might have a, a you know, a couple of Manly players on, on one side where they'll go up and in, playing with a couple of Melbourne players who are massive up and out sliding defence. So you've got to find that right, uh, the, the happy medium that keeps everyone, you know, comfortable in their new yep. system, isn't it? Mm. So how that edge of DCE, the blokes outside, they're going to have to come and play the up and in defence, aren't they, do you mm. think? Or how do you see it unfolding? Because mm. I think... I think Billy sits down with DCE mm. and says, this is the system we're going with and, and basically trusts DCEs because DCE, one of the best sevens we've seen this generation, incredible player. He's got the skill set. We know he can defend. We've seen it happen heaps of times. It's just been every now and then he has a game where you're just like some of the decision-making. Uh, and, you know, I would say probably last series defensively, he, he struggled a little bit. And I do think Freddie Fittler targeted him. I think in that first game, could you please check for me? But I'm pretty sure first game, DC makes 30-plus tackles last year. So it will be targeted. So, But I think Billy Slater sits down with him and just gives him the storm. This is how we defend, and it's a storm system. Which is huge. Which is basically huge like... DC. It's, I would say the storm system is <coughs> up and slide when you're you know they're coming out of their end or whatever but on their line the storm actually shoot jam and then get the seven to run in behind and cover in behind which dca does do well uh he because he does like different completely different system but when he does jam on his back row he flies in behind the line to Mm. be that extra cover defender when it allows so Mm. yeah it's just it's also sometimes like you know he might not put his body in front and he 
if he does fly in, if you go in too fast, you you can miss your um your target. What do you got there, Manny? Uh, it was game two last year. He made game, 31 tackles. Yeah, 31 tackles game two last year. Like 31 tackles as a half. Oh, I personally think this is a big reason why Tarek Sims has been picked there. Mm, just make it a nightmare for yeah, him. Make it a nightmare for him. He know Sim, Freddie knows that Sims did a job for him last year. Stuck to whatever game plan they had to try and get it. DC obviously if, if he's making thirty tackles in game two there, game one they did get the better of them on that left edge as well. So I think this is where the Sims pick makes sense because mm. he know he, he know Freddie knows Sims will do what he needs to and he'll do it for eighty minutes. He'll stick to that game plan the entire time. Yep. So do you think? How do you think Billy is going to tell the left side to defend? Sorry. The right side. Right side. Yeah, I, I, I think they will apply a Melbourne sort of structure. Mm. But yeah. I know it's a big call though, eh? Just yeah. to go immediately. Oh, yeah. But it <sighs> I think it's the only way to do it though, because yeah. manly system at the moment. You can't go in with manly system. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's not yeah, working. Right. Like, so yeah. then you have to consider like this is the edge that New South Wales are licking the lips, going, All right, we can get through this, we can crack this. DC, Gafusi rock solid on his outside, Gagai rock solid. Then it'll be Sel and Cobbo, who's mm. we already said that they're going to target there and have a crack at him and try and, and break him early. The other one there is, I would imagine, Jeremiah Nanai comes on on that right edge. He might only play 20 minutes, mm. but there's probably going to be a time, I might be wrong, where it's going to be DCE, Nanai, Gagai and Cobbo. We know Nanai's had his defensive issues at times this year. He yeah. is raw as hen's teeth as well. That's an edge where I see opportunity. Yeah, yeah. raw as hen's teeth? Yeah. I don't even know if that's a thing, mate. Is it? I, I Let's often, fucking make it. Roar is, <laughs> yeah. Roar is hence It could be right, but I often mix up analogies like that. No, I just, just run with it. You just I like it. it. I like it. Can you Google that? Roar is hence I think it is one. Yeah? yeah. Oh, look, we'll play. We'll play with it. I've Googled it and nothing's come up. Oh, Duckies. Timmy. <laughs> Roar is hence teeth. I like it. By the time this podcast goes live, it'll be a thing. Don't know what it means. But <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's fucking Do hens have teeth? That's no, what I mean. Don't. Maybe that's why it is because yeah. they don't have any fucking teeth. Exactly. Um, look, I think... Basically, what I would be, if I was a coach, I would be saying to DCE, you follow Kafusi Because Kafusi I'm trying to think, best defensive back rower in is. the comp, bar none. Very good. I mean, there's a reason why he's been in that storm side for so long and no one's taken that spot. And yeah. they've had some pretty good wide running forwards there. So I think, basically, I would be going to DCE and say, can't this side... Like, because DCE in Manly, I think he has Ola Kawatu, Kola, Kola. Yep. Saab, or Garrett. Changed a little bit. Yeah, Garrett yeah. plays left. Um, so he'd be, so be Saab then? Oh, yeah. but Saab was on the left on the weekend because Garrett was Garrett's back. Fullback, yeah. so, so Garrett's normally left. Okay. Yeah. So we'll just say Saab's on the right. Yeah. So out of that back line at Manly, DC's the experienced guy. And they're all actually quite like Olakawatu, essentially rookie-ish, second year footy. They're very rural, Cooler, yeah. rookie, Saab, basically, you know, second year. Whereas I think going into the Queensland camp, if I'm Billy, I'm saying to DC, mate, Kafusi's the guy. Because your four-in is... People often look at the, uh, the halfback and go, oh, it's the, you know, halfback's to fold or, or whatever. And sometimes it is when the halfback misses a tackle. But if your four in is really decisive and really good at reads and really good at communicating, like, I've got the fucking inside lead runner or whatever. So I would just be saying, I'd be, first of all, I'd be doing the, the storm system. And I would be saying, whatever Kafusi do, does, you just do that. Mm -hmm. Whatever he says, up and in, red, whatever, 
we just do that because he's got a proven track record of being great in defense. Where you go there, Matty? I've got an update on the hen's teeth. <laughs> um, so it's, it's scarce as hen's teeth. So like exceptionally rare. So it's like on a rainy night, taxis are as scarce as hen's, hen's teeth. So like hens have no teeth. So in effect, they're saying something is so scarce. It's almost <laughs> yeah, so not too far not off. Not too far off. Yeah. Hey, raw as hen's teeth. I like raw as hen's teeth better. Yeah. Um, not too far off. <laughs> Thanks, Matty. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so look, yeah, really interesting. Now, has Billy confirmed that Selwyn would be on that edge? Because if Selwyn gets put on, so he has confirmed? Yeah, it's been confirmed. Okay, because I was going to say, if he hasn't, maybe he does put Coates on that edge to make it a more Melbourne-ish edge. Mm. Uh, but obviously not. So, yeah, look, really interesting. I think that that's, that's probably the one, that's the elephant in the room at the moment. DC's defence reads have been, have been the best lately. Uh, but attacking-wise, I would say his kicking game has been outstanding. Yeah. Yep. Um, where else can what do you What do you think DC can bring... You know that is to his advantage i would say his experience you know he's been around the game for so long he would have seen everything that's come and gone do you think that's something that he could lean on yeah for sure uh i, I just think dc's job is to just free up monster mm-hmm. just control that rock to free up monster i um you know you, you said before that monsters you know he, he's playing better than jerome luan i agree he is so it's about luai like you look at the way that Penrith play, they play so much through Billy Army kick out. It was like a second 5'8 now out there. Now that you take, you, you put it to Tariq Sims there, who's, you know, he, he doesn't have that in him. He's mm. a very different. I I think Jerome Luai becomes very interesting. We yeah. know that he can ball play, but the last two years, they've played through Matt Burton and they've played yeah. through Billy Army kick out. I, I love how Luai, you know, a lot of people, you know, say he's got an attitude, rah, rah. He's actually he's selfless. Selfless yeah. as yeah. anything. If you watch that Penrith side, he could be so much more selfish, but he just plays so within the system and his whole job is to make Nathan Cleary, like whatever Nathan Cleary needs, he's there. He's almost got one of the most selfless roles. Selfless Mate, he's role. the first one to hand the ball off and he's the first one to be there celebrating with whoever gets the chance. Every time. Yeah. Every single time. So although he may not have the flashiness of a monster, him with Cleary, it's mm. scary. Like we're talking about the next 10 years here, boys. Like fuck me dead. So... It's really interesting matchup. Where do you think Cleary can get the the nod over a guy like DC and Munster? It's got to be the kicking game. It's a fucking good Especially kicking game. It's just Fuck, it's a good kicking yeah, game. Incredible. Actually, Max, one of my notes on the weekend was like, basically, I think the first three tries were were all off either a really good kick, like intercept kick, or like an actual kick to set the try up. And I'm just sitting there going. Honestly, I don't, if I'm like getting young halves coming through my systems as like 16, 17 year olds, I would seriously start considering like a whole day every week is just for kicking. Like focusing so heavily on that where they can just put it on a dime anywhere they want. Because I think that we're starting to see, have we ever seen, you know, outside of Cooper Cronk, has anyone been as good at kicking as Cleary? I mean, I think that grand final last year was the best example you had. Nathan it was Cleary. wild. Yeah, but, mate, Adam Reynolds had a cracking kicking game that yeah. game too, but the difference between really good and fantastic can be miles. He was landing it within yeah. like 30 centimetres of the try line every fucking time, making it impossible for the defence to get out of their own end. Like they couldn't catch it in goal. They had to catch it just out. It's just his kicking game is fucking on another level. Like... As I said, Cooper Cronk, you know, I would, I'd probably say Cooper Cronk still has the one of the best kicking games I've personally ever seen. Mm. But I'll tell you what, by the end of his career, I, I think Cleary's probably going to have that. 
that crown. Yeah, if crown. you go back and watch it, and, and Matty, you'll be able to talk about it. Like the kicking game that Adam Reynolds had there, I would almost argue that Adam Reynolds' kicking game in the grand final was better than the kicking game that won Jack White and Clive Churchill in his grand final. Mm. But because Cleary was so good, so good, we didn't even talk about it. Where would you rate Joey's kicking game? Because he had obviously his crazy banana kicks, his torpedoes. Where would you rate his kicking game? Yeah, I'd at the top of the top. Yeah, yeah. As a whole, I think there's got like I would I would say that Ricky Stewart's probably the best long kicker. Yeah, I've ever seen. Um, but Joey, I think you'd have him in the top. Would you say better than Cooper Cronk? Yes, or different? I think it, it, different. Yeah, but I, I would rather have Joey. Yeah, okay. As my kicker. What, um, what do you reckon? Tim? Yeah, right. Particularly his short kicking game. Yep. Joey was like pretty well unmatched. Mm. And there's a video from about two or three years ago when Cleary was a rookie at the Blues of yeah. just, they were sitting there just rolling him in goals. It was Joey and Cleary and Joe just in his ear, in his ear. And you saw him, Joey, running through how he was doing, how do, he was doing it. And then Cleary was just replicating it. And you're going, geez, I'd just love to be a fly on the wall watching that or fly on the goalpost yep. watching that conversation unfold because Mate. just two genius minds oh, yeah. trying to nail a kicking and you, and you talk to Cleary about it and he's like, fuck, like he's hitting it every time and he's got his phone in his wallet. Yeah, in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. On the and he side. hasn't he's played for fucking ten, yeah, fifteen he's in years. Yeah. And he's just. Oh. Um, I was just going to say when I was coming through high school, obviously Joey retired by then. And the good thing about Joey is he's nine out of ten, absolutely everything. But like King Game, you know, he, he almost revolutionised. But when I was coming through, it was um, Kronk versus Lockyer versus Soward. Those those were the three kicking guns when yep. when I was watching footy growing yeah. up. Hey, Joey. I just think like when you go back and watch Joey's highlights, he was so ahead of the game. Like, he just like he he's he had everything that these modern halves have now, plus all the old kind of good stuff that you wanted in your half. Yeah, fuck. Can you imagine Joey in today's game with the science, the training, the fucking statistic, like the video of him being out? Like imagine him with the video that we have now. He would just tear teams <laughs> apart, tear teams apart. Um, so yeah, clear King game now. Munster, if there's a, a joker in the deck, it's the fucking mad dog Munster. Do you think Munster's in for another big one? I think so. It sounds stupid, but <clears throat> he worries me even more with the blonde hair. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah, just I want him wild. Is. I just want him fucking wild. I yeah. want him off. you just going crazy, doing crazy shit. Like a dog off the leash. Um, yeah, Munster, you know, he showed in 2020 what he's capable of doing. I think right now he's in better nick than he ever has been. I don't think there's any argument there. Even when he first burst onto the scene as a fullback, I think he's in better nick now. So, honestly, I think if Cleary or, like, whoever is the better player out of Cleary and Munster, I think their team probably wins. Mm, it's true. It's a good point. Really good point. Um, what a battle, man. What about yourself? I love that they're such different styles or halves pairings, aren't mm. they? Um, you've got Luai and Cleary who are very traditional left side, right side. Mm. When I say traditional, the more modern halves. Yeah. Uh, Munster and DCE have that more DCE will steer the ship through the middle mm. and you'll see the Mad Dog Munster roaming both sides a little bit and just popping up wherever he feels like he's needed and wherever he senses a, a bit of an attacking opportunity and I love that um, type of halves yeah. I think it works so well and I think it's underutilised in the modern game mm. but you do have to have the right 5-8 to do yeah. it and obviously Munster is perfect for that just popping up wherever um, it's exciting mate and oh, yeah. whoever gets the you know in terms of the ascendancy on that one obviously mm. Cleary's got the kicking game. Munster's got the unpredictability. Mm. Uh, it's going to be a cracker. I think with Cleary and Luai too, it's interesting because you get to the Origin Arena and you've got Teddy who obviously plays both sides of the rucks, whereas Dylan Edwards, especially in the red zone, he doesn't tend to play down the left side. Mm. So all of a sudden, Luai's coming down his edge and he's always got an extra number that he doesn't normally have in club footy. Yeah, that's a good and point. it's James fucking Tedesco. Yeah, <laughs> one of the best. Um, 
I will say with the the DCE Munster game plan, I think I think actually DCE is going to relish this as long as he just not takes a step back. Cause that's the wrong word, but I just think that you know what, Manly, he's constantly put like he's in every single play, he's in everything, and and they need that because he's their guy. Totally agree with that. But I think the beautiful thing that he did so well in the 2020 series is he was just so structured and laid the perfect platform for Munster to do what he did. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key. If, if, if we can get 2020 DCE that was just so clinical and precise and everything was perfect through the middle, if we get that DCE, that's where I think that they may have a little bit of a leg up because Munster, with a, with a better team around him, being able to do what he did in 2020, but right now, I would probably say Cleary, his just form is so outrageous in that kicking game. So, oh, fuck, it's probably 50-50 for me. The, the, key, the key for me is how Cleary plays and how Munster plays. Mm. Yep. They're the two guys that are really going to shift the balance in their favour. Can I ask, looking down the track a little bit, DC is obviously the captain, he's 33 years old. Has what Cam Munster's done this year, has he elevated himself to the next Maroons captain, do you think? Look, that's an interesting one. I don't, I don't know even know if Munster wants to be a captain. Mm. You know, I, mm. I, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. I, I, with a guy like Munster, I don't want to add any pressure to him. I don't want to add anything. I don't want to make him. And he may relish in it. It may take him to a new level. You look what Benny Hunt's done at Clubland. Like, yep. holy shit, gets named captain. Now he's leading the Dally M. Um, it's an interesting one. Look, you can't go wrong with Munster for sure. Like, you absolutely cannot go wrong. Um, but even like a... Benny Hunt, he's a bit older himself. Um, yeah. They're sort of at an interesting stage where, you know, if DC was to play this year and next year after that, I don't think there's a, an obvious one to go to. Yeah, for sure. Munster, to be honest with you. A Christian Welsh could be another option when he's yeah, back playing. that's a really good point. Um, KP in two years' time. He's already a club captain. A few mm. more years. You wouldn't do it now, but a few yeah. years down the track. It felt like if they didn't want to go with Munster. Yeah, pending... Yeah, pending how he goes at the Knights, I think that's you'd make that selection. Um, if Munster's the face of the Dolphins up there, I think it'd be really fitting. Yeah, that's a good point. Or, or the face of Brisbane, possibly. What do you guys think of um, the uh, Tommy Dearden selection at 18th man over a guy like Sam Walker, for example? You know, you would have if if you had betting at the start of the year. I don't think there's a soul alive that would have thought Dearden was going to get the nod over a guy like Sammy Walker. What are your thoughts? I think it makes sense now. Mm. I really do. Um, you know, good defender did, and he's solid. I think he's a guy that could also, not that they need another hooker, but he could jump in at nine if you needed him to. Uh, and my, I, I think his form warrants this pick. I think it's. I think Walker's the more talented player, but I think Dearden has been better this year mm. than Sam Walker, and I, I, I like the pick. I, I, I think it's a good one. I think it sends a message too. It sends a message that we we really are defensive minded mm. uh you know did and i feel like if you were like billy slater is clearly like i'm going to attack and attack and attack but you know you look at that backline selection like these are all pretty good solid defenders like even selwyn that first few weeks struggled but outside of that he's been great holmes Gagai, we know can defend Coates, especially at the start of the year was outstanding in defense and i wonder whether did and is there as well as of like not only do we love good strong defensive sevens and halves but we love people that kind of represent that battler mm. spirit. Um, and I think Dieden is, is kind of that, like that real battler. Um, what is interesting about the selection though, is that, you know, Munster's not really going anywhere soon. Dearden's probably not a seven. So, you know, Sam Walker is a seven. So 
do you think that is an opportunity missed to bring Sam Walker in as an 18th man? Uh, potentially, but you know they might be going with the New South Wales approach. You might see Sammy Walker in their game too. Yeah, maybe. Um, what do you think about the Tommy Newton, Timmy? I don't rate it at all, to be honest. I, I don't understand it. Um, you know, if they bring him in as 18th man, you know, if that extra experience is a game day uh, mm. option. But what happens if 10 minutes into the game, there's a HIA due to, to foul play and he's needed to come in and he becomes the extra man in that side? Like, you don't need him in the halves because if one of the halves goes down, you've got Ben Hunt at nine who slots straight in and Harry Grant comes in and starts. As far as nines go, you're saying, you know, maybe Dean could play nine at a stretch. You've got three hookers there because you've also got Ruben Cotter who can play nine. Mm. They've picked a four forward bench of all pretty big boys. I just don't see what it achieves. So then if they get an outside backer goes down injured, where do they go from there? You've, because of the four forward bench, you've got Kurt Capewell, who probably slots in at centre, which is not the end of the world. But let's say there, there is a foul play and that 18th man gets initiated Surely you want it being, you know, an outside back coverage. Mm. Oh, I just don't see what Tom didn't achieve in that sense. And it's all good and well saying, yep, experience for when he does play further down the track. But, you know, they've got a game to win on Wednesday night. And I, I thought there would have been better fits than Tom did. And no knock on Tom did. And mm. I just don't think he's, based on the 17 that was picked, that he was the right fit. Mm. I, I think they're going down the Cooper Cronk, DCE, mm. uh, Benny Hunt. All these boys started on the bench. Yeah. And so if someone does get injured, he comes into that 14 role and I think you'll find that he'll probably, you know, Harry Grant obviously would go into the nine, Ben Hunt goes into the seven. Harry Grant, they've made it clear they probably don't want him playing 80 minutes yet because of his groin injury. And I think they're trying to mould Dearden in the same mould of Cooper Cronk, DCE, uh, Benny Hunt, Michael Morgan. KP. All, KP. Yeah. All these boys were 14 first before they became like starters. And I think that's where – and I actually think he's a great 14. I really oh, do. I don't disagree with Tim's point, though, about him being 18th man in this game. Mm. I mean, it, who would be your 18th then? Do you go with, like, an arrow or oh, what do you – On the 17 that was picked, not definitely not arrow, I'd go – I mean, just looking at the reserves picked and not going beyond in the NRL at the moment. But, like, they've got um, Tabuai Fido there who can cover two, three, four, five, mm. one. Yeah, I see it more like – the halves is such an important. I, I would want to cover my halves the most. Like I, that's that. If I'm uh, worried about HIA concussions, all that kind of stuff, it's the six, seven, six and seven and nine. That if you don't have a genuine one in there, you're basically fucked. They're covered. They've got. They're covered already. Well, to a, to a degree, because you, you, Harry Grant has in, is injured. Just did his groin, so he's missed a week. Uh, also, they've made it really, really clear they don't want him playing 80 minutes. I don't even. I don't think he plays 80 minutes at club either. And so, like, you know, who would be the perfect person to bring on for 10 minutes in that hooking role? In my opinion, it would be Tommy Dearden. Now, I know you've got uh, Ruben Cotter, but I think that Ruben Cotter has been picked for a very specific game style. You take Ruben Cobber out of 13, you put Paddy Carrigan there. You know, Carrigan, can he go 80 minutes in origin with that really big body? Maybe not. Um, but, and, you know... I think it's just different ways of, of looking at it, to be honest. Would Dean be your 18th? Would have he been my 18? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Uh, I can understand absolutely why they did it. I'm just trying to think who else I've got there. Probably Reese Walsh would have been my 18th, maybe. Brimo? Yeah, Brimo. Reese Walsh or Brimo. But... Dearden defensively has just been so fucking good. And I just love the, how aggressive he is, how much he puts his body on the line. 
And I, I just think that if you if you go through like by past systems, that Cooper Cronk, that Michael Morgan, DCE, Benny Hunt, all these boys went through this same fucking path. And I think that's what they're leaning on. It's like, well, let's bring him the, the same way through that we brought all these other boys through. Um, so I personally probably wouldn't have selected him, but seeing him there, I understand it for sure. Do you think Fafita can get back into this side for game two? Ooh, all depends on how game one goes, really. It's a tough one because, like, Jai Arrow's even missed out. Uh, Flegler's been outstanding. Mm. Talungi's there. Um, you know, obviously an extended bench. Fuck. I could, see, no I could see Fafita taking Nanai's spot if, the, if things yeah. go pear shape. But Nano might come on and absolutely fucking kill it. Oh, of course, yeah. It. There's no one else they're, they're, they're missing through injury, though, is there? That's it, right? Christian Walsh and Fafita. Uh, Christian Walsh, of course, yeah, yeah. But he's not going to, yeah. Oh, Fafita's not back for, what, four, four or five, three or four weeks? I think he'll yeah. come back the week. Yeah, he, he won't get selected. Yeah. He won't get selected. He won't get selected. Because I know Billy has made a point of, like, we're not selecting blokes that haven't played any footy. We're selecting players that are fit, ready to go, have played a bunch of footy. and Because and, uh, they thought that was one of their biggest, uh, I guess, missteps in the series we got towed up was that we had a lot of players that hadn't played any footy. Um, yeah, look, what an absolute battle. What an absolute battle. Who do you think has a better bench? New South Wales. From, oh, oh. I want to say New South Wales, but I just think Grant is such a weapon there. But I love Liam Martin, Kim Gillard, and Mano. That's what wins it for me in New South Wales favour. Yeah, 15, 16, 17... Definitely the Blues, but Grant over Crichton is that sort of, you know, the utility sort of is a lengthy margin ahead. Yeah. Um, mm. Who have you got, Matty? You know what? I'm going to sit on the fence because I reckon Grant maybe just over Crichton, but then you got Carrigan pretty much over everyone in the Blues, but then I've got pretty much the rest of the Blues, then the rest of Queensland. So it's tough. It's pretty I, even. I, I think it hinges on Nanai because you just don't know what... Yeah, it's the wild card. Like, if he comes out and kills it, you go, well, I think it's probably Queensland because you've got two fucking game breakers and then you've got battlers in the... But I think the only reason I just give it to New South Wales is how well Madison's been playing off yeah. the bench this year. That's mm. probably where I'll, where I'll put the point of difference there. Madison has been outstanding. He's another guy that might come out and might even win player of the series. He's, at, he's been playing he's that, that kind game, of footy. Yeah. Uh, if you go look at his stats for this year off the bench... And that's another thing as well. Is like he's been playing off the bench, so he's super used to this role, which is really important. It's very hard to if you're a starter usually, and then you've got to play off the bench. Very hard to get in the game. <clears throat> um, but like if they have an injury or HIA in the pack anywhere, all of a sudden Matto he could turn into an eighty minute guy for this game. Yeah, absolutely. He could have huge impact. All right, boys, time for a score prediction. Guru, I will go New South Wales uh, eighteen, Maroons ten. Blues 20 to 12. Uh, Highest scoring, I'm going to go 24-18 Blues. I'm going 24-22 Queensland. Let's go. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Has anyone ever tipped not their state? Actually, leave a score <laughs> prediction. Go to our YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. We're not going to give a prize out to anyone who's not subscribed. Just hit subscribe. It takes literally two seconds. Massively helps the, the, the video. But go to YouTube. Leave your score predictions in the comments section. And we will select three people to give a free case of bloke and a bar uh, away to. So if you get the score right, we'll, let's say there's 20 people to get the score right. We will randomly select three people and give them a case of beer each. You must be 18 to enter. You must be 18 to enter. Uh, the comment section on YouTube, leave your score prediction there. 
uh, and we will select three of the correct answers. If you select, if you don't get, a, if you don't win, but you gave it the right answer, it, that's because there's like 20 people that have got the right answer, and we just have to pick three randomly. So. Um, Put the score in for a chance to win a case of bloke and a bar shipped to your door. So you don't have to do anything. It'll just rock up. Are me, uh, Maddie and uh, Guru eligible? Or? No, no, not eligible. Get the old Stitch burner up. account. <laughs> <laughs> just type in like 20 different scores. Um, now, on to the weekend that was. Oh, we didn't really speak about, you know, Catewell uh, and Murray. Thoughts on that? Yeah, Murray's obviously, uh, he's only played one game back from an injury, but... Murray's just got origin written on his forehead, doesn't mm. he? Yeah. Um, Kate Wally's the experienced guy on this side. He's played centre over the last few years. I think he's been really good for Brisbane. He's been great for Penrith the last few years. So probably rather have Murray. I might be a little bit biased there, mm. but the experience of Kate Wally will be uh, definitely appreciated for the moment. Do we? If I'm Kate Wally, I'm looking up when that team drops and just going, good God, I've got to go at Cam Murray all night. Like, mm. Knox is going to whack him. He's going to wake up and not be able to move, but he just doesn't miss tackles, and he just fun. chops and chops. I remember when Fafita came into it, it was a massive last job, year, and there was like Fafita this, Fafita that. He's going to kill us, and Murray just went, please, like, and just chopped him all night. All night, he's so good defensively. Yeah. I mean, ending attack. I do think Murray is far more effective as a middle forward, mm. which we've seen uh, this year, but the way it suits the Blues with Yo there is to play him on an edge, and mm. uh, I love Murray in that battle. And also, like, Murray with that kick chase, he's so good in defence if you're worried about Selwyn coming through the middle there. So, uh, yeah, look, going to be a great battle. Going to be a great battle. Kurt Catewell, he was really good that first year. Um, and I think he's been good for the Broncos. And he's just – he's just – you can always rely on him, Kurt Catewell. Like, he's so reliable. So, anyway, let's get on to the team of the week uh, for the orig- uh, for the, the round that was. Uh, also, make sure, grab a case of Bloke in a Bar. We're in every single celebrations – we're in every single bottle where is it Porter's Liquor, IGA Plus Liquor in the entirety of New South Wales and ACT. So if there's one near you and you live in New South Wales ACT, Bloke in a Bar will be there. Get in, grab a case. Also, for the next probably week and a half or maybe a week, we're going for $52 special in bottle across the entirety of New South Wales. So everywhere in New South Wales in the bottle uh, the shop bottle Bloke in a bar is 52 bucks. That's a steal. That's an absolute steal. You got those thousand cases yet or what? Yeah, uh, where are those thousand cases? <laughs> Jesus. Um, now, on to team of the week. This was a tough one. At fullback, I'm still undecided, but I've got Manu or drink water. At two, I've got uh, Garrick, but that was only because he, I thought he played really well at fullback and I wanted to find a spot for him. Um, then I've got Hamiso at three, Harper at four. I thought Morgan Harper defensively was really good. I know he had that one miss, but outside of that, I thought he really had a good bounce back. Adokar at uh, five, Burton at six, O'Sullivan at seven, Tarpner at eight, Robson at nine, Fisher-Harris at a 10, Kikau at 11, Olakawatu, who was unbelievable at 12, Taumalolo at 13, or Adam Elliott, either one. Then I had Manu or Drinkwater on the bench at 14, Adam Elliott at 15, 16, Young, 17, Sipley. Fullback, I had Joey Manu. I had Toalangi on the wing with Josh Adokar on the other side. My centres, I had the Hammer and I had Isaac Tungo. Burton uh, was my six. Sean O'Sullivan was my seven. Joey Tapanay up front up front with Robson in the nine. And I picked Sipley for the Manly Seagulls in the front row. My back row, Olakawatu, kick out and Taumalolo. Very similar to yours, I think. And then my bench... I went Drinkwater, Angus Crichton, uh, Satili Tupanua, and Hudson Young. I thought Hudson was unreal. For yeah, Cameron he's a yesterday. beast. He, he's been their unsung hero for yeah. quite a while now. What do you got there, Timmy? 
Manu at fullback, May and the Fox on the wings, Hammer and Tango. 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 I'm probably I'm getting it wrong too, but it's close. Tango That's the closest. Yeah. At centre. Um, so wherever I'm pretty sure whenever like in is he Samoan or Tongan? Samoan, I think. Yeah. Whenever there's a G, it's like an N. NG. Okay. So for his Tavanga? NG, right. Okay. Yeah, so Tango. Ung. That's anyway. Oh, we'll work on that one. Yeah, we'll work on it. Tungo and Hammer at uh, centre. Burton and Foran in the halves. Bit of a weaker, tougher week for halves, I thought. Uh, Tapney and Adam Elliott up front. Robson, Locke. I thought it was the week of the back rolls. There's a stack of standout performances. So I went Olakuatu and Tupanua, I thought was very good. Tamalolo at Locke. Bench was Crichton. Uh, I've currently got Olakuatu twice, so we need to sort that one he out. He did play well. <laughs> he he, he, play he well. was good. <laughs> no, that's meant to be kick out. Crichton, yep. kick out. Highland Lukey, who I just love more and more every week. Oh, loving Lukey. Uh, and Scotty Drinkwater. The drink. Yeah, onto the game reviews. Titans v the Cowboys. Wow. I, you know what's. I think they're the real deal. I think Cowboys are the real deal. And why I say they're the real deal is tell me the other types of teams that lose their key players, then go out and, and you could make an argument that wouldn't have won by that much with their key players. There's only two teams that do that. It's the Storm, it's the Panthers. Cowboys come out, they looked just as good, if not better at stages, than without their origin players. They are outstanding. Cowboys fans, get excited. You're building something special out there. I, I am so confident they're going to go on to be a finals footy side, at least for the next couple of years, that I will be shocked if they go on to fall out of the eight this year or next year or the following year after that. What do you think about this game, Gurino? The thing that stood out for me with the Cowboys was that the weeks before that, they went Cowboys-Penrith. Most teams after those two games, the wheels fucking fall off. They're exhausted, especially that so game. Cowboys-Penrith, Pen- sorry? Sorry, sorry, they went Melbourne-Penrith. 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 So normally when you played those, those two sides... Like, you, you can see teams that have played those teams for three and four weeks after that. Uh, the Cowboys, to get done by Penrith 22-0 when they did so much work the week before. Like, they would have been exhausted from that game. And the Titans, as per usual, the Titans came out of the gates well. Their first 20 minutes was good. They had the Cowboys on the back foot. And then North Queensland, they just got their opportunity and they just made them pay for it. Yep. Uh, I agree. I think they are the real deal, mate. I, I'm, I'm very high on the Cowboys now, which is crazy. Um, I thought Drinkwater, he was sensational in this game. Oh, he was just everywhere. Um, you three know. try assists. Three line break assists. Fuck. Yeah, and he, he, he broke a heap of tackles. So his kick returns were really good from Drinky too. Um, and that, that kick that he put in for Hammer to score, fuck, that was a smart and just a great touch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, the, some of the stuff that Drinky does, like you, you mentioned a few weeks ago, that pass that he threw to Cole. Oh. Fuck me. Some of the shit that he makes look standard and easy is just unbelievable. Mm. I love watching Drinky play. Yep. What do you what do you think about this game, uh, Timmy? Yeah, they just the Cowboys are ticking a new box every week, aren't mm. they? And you've already touched on it, but this week it was depth. Yep. You know, to go deep uh, in a NRL season, you've got to have depth. Injuries are one thing, but to have depth to come in and cover them and showing they can do it. Well, they did that on the weekend, didn't they, with a the stack out due to origin duty. So uh, it was a Similar but different to Brisbane winning without Reynolds the other week where we thought, you know, Reynolds goes down and the Broncos going to still offer March, and mm. they did. It just As a Broncos fan, you must be going very reassuring. 
Cowboys fans going, oh, without our origin contingent, we can still do it and win well against mm. a team who, what, didn't have any... <coughs> had one, Tino was their only Queensland call-up. Yep. Fafita out, but, you know, a semi-full-strength sort of team there. And a team desperate. Yeah, and desperate. desperate and they've just pumped them. So Cowboys would just be like, yeah, we, no. we're, we're the real deal. We're the real deal. Oh, so, I mean, they're just there's something special up there. And the good thing, the really good thing about the way they're playing too is like, they're not really like birthing these superstars across the board where they're going to be super worried about million dollar offers coming in you know like mm. you know what i mean like they're, they're just a really fucking good side so i can see them being able to stay together like when you look at this side is there anyone that is going to break their cap now i understand valentine holmes is on a decent whack but that was done before you know mm. before the new regime and also i don't think you know anyone is expecting he's going to stay on that amount um but outside of that, is there anyone really there that you're going to go, you know, maybe Tamalolo outside of – it's a very balanced roster. I also think, like, when you're talking on that aspect, whether it's fair or not, the Cowboys, to some extent, with media and everything, they're sort of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, for sure. They just sort of go about their work up there. You never – mate, like, because we, we obviously play a lot of super coach. If a player from the Cowboys gets injured – you got no idea when they're returning was because yeah. you hear nothing out of it's North crazy. Queensland. Yeah. And it, it, for the spot they're in now when they're building this young squad of guys coming through, perfect situation for them. And they you know, they've already got Leilua walking in there next year. We've spoken about that. Like it's gonna be fucking so good. Mate. And what's crazy is like Nanai gets selected in origin. If you told me Lukey was the guy this year that come out and did what Nanai did, I would have said, yeah, I can see that. I was telling you that this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we were massively high on Lukey. We thought, you know, and he, it, the crazy thing is every opportunity he's gotten this year, he's been outstanding for the Cowboys. It's just that Nanai has been so good. Like, to think that you can bring a Lukey on when Nanai goes, and Lukey is what? 20 years old, 21 years old, mm. big rangy back rower. The try he scored where he reached out. Like, that's not easy. That's not easy at all. Uh, that was going to be my controversial take for the show. So I'm glad you said it to okay. make me feel less, a little bit less bad about it. This is big, but I would have gone Lukey over Nanai on the bench. Really? I, I think Lukey is that good. Yeah. And this I can is, see that. This isn't just because he scored another great try on the weekend, but like I thought it before, it, just with more experience under his belt, he's um, probably a little bit more solidified as an NRL player. And Massive motor for a big Massive player. motor. Like, he... I mean, Luke is the same. They're, they're, they're similar in that they're these powerful, like, dynamic forwards that just suit the modern game, but... Mm. I just have such a high opinion on Lukey and I would have very narrowly to no fault of none eyes gone mm. Lukey ahead of him on the bench. Yeah, well. Is he a Queenslander? Is that? Yeah, Cairns. Yeah, pretty yeah. sure. So so do you think each week Nanai starting over Lukey is the wrong call? Not so much that because I think they've got a perfect dynamic there. Okay. Where, where like Lukey comes on and plays 50-55 off the bench yeah. um, and he's such an X factor like a Madison will do at Parramatta and we've said it before but these gun forwards don't have to start to be... They Times have changed. Field, Being on the yeah. bench doesn't mean no, you're less than. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, Hill and Lukey, he's just – and the quality of his work, he's, he's, he's a big, rangy back rower. He, he, he has a great attitude. Like, I remember when he first scored his first try, he was, like, nearly in tears. Mm. Like, that's how much it meant to him. I think they've got a real keeper there. And to think that their rotation at the back next year is going to be Nanai, Lukey, and <laughs> Leilua, it's, you could argue it's the best rotation back row in the comp. And that's you got to pick which one plays thirteen out of Lolo and Luke. Connor. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. something like the yeah. pack is God. stacked. It's stacked. McLean is easily playing the best since he got there. 
it, it shows you how much coaching matters. Like McLean, and, and it's no dis- disrespect to McLean, but when he went from the Storm to Cowboys, he was prime front rower. Like, he was a kangaroo's front row. I, like yeah. literally one of the best front rowers in the competition. He gets to the Cowboys and for whatever reason, maybe there was personal stuff going, whatever, but he just never seemed to have that same impact. Mm. Ever since Peyton's come in, I think McLean's been outstanding. Outstanding. He, he, he gets through all the tough – like every single tough carrier you see, it's usually McLean. Like every time you see, oh, fuck, this is one of the tougher carriers, McLean's lining up to take it. I think he's been outstanding. Townsend for me – I, I love this arc for Townsend. I love that he went away and went to a different club to prove what a good footballer he is. Because if he stays at the Sharks and he doesn't go on, you know, there would always be this kind of like, oh, yeah, he won one premiership or whatever. But he has gone to the Cowboys and totally reinvigorated that side. He's been outstanding. Kicking game was great. Talungi, fuck me, he's good. Um, <laughs> you know, Tamalolo, he looks like he's enjoying himself. He looks super energetic. He. he he looks injury free. I just, I'm such a fan of what Peyton has done up there. Is it, I just, me, is it just me, or has Tamalolo's ball playing gone to like a new level in the yep. last, like even weeks, let alone months? I was watching the game on the weekend, going Tamalolo, who's another power forward, more about his meters than anything else. Never been a, a big ball player, although he's had it in him. Yeah, I think his ball playing has come on leaps and bounds. Yeah, and I, I think Peyton would have d- absolutely said, mm. "Mate, you need to add this to your game." Yeah, and that's the sort of player Todd Payton was too. You go back, like he was, he was at Canberra. He then went to the Chooks, and he was sort of done and dusted. And I think it was Matt, Matty John said it during the week, like he was going to go to England. And Tim Sheen said, "No, nah, no, nah, give me a big ball player. Yeah. I can do something with him." He was part of that 05 Tigers yeah. team yeah. that won that comp. Obviously, I think he actually scored the last try in the grand final. I think what you just said before about if Chad never left Cronulla, it's bizarre. Like when you think about premiership winning sides, like I reckon the Sharks of '16. And the Broncos of 06, they're the only teams that when you talk about them, you don't talk about the halfback. Mm. Yep. Every sure. other premiership, yeah. you talk about the seven. The seven, whereas it's always Maloney being talked about. It's always the Maloney they talk about. You never hear Shane Perry or Chad Townsend spoken about yep. in that sort of way. And now Townsend, he's loved by New, uh, North Queensland now. So, And I love that for Chaddy because he's one of the best blokes in, in NRL. He's such a legend of a bloke. Um, now, quick question. Last week we said if Tedesco was injured, we felt that Dylan Edwards would probably be next up for fullback when it comes to origin. How far away do you think Scott Drinkwater is from origin? And I know I'm not saying that he is close. I'm not saying he, what I'm saying is, is he slowly pushing his way into at least the conversation if Teddy isn't there? I think he's in the conversation. I think right now is like whilst Latrell and Turbo are out, he's more in that conversation, obviously. If you put all those guys in, I don't think he's in top five or six, but I think as it stands right now for game one, if Teddy was to be injured, I would go Dill Edwards. If Edwards was to be injured, I would probably look at Drinky. Yeah. So he's there and thereabouts. Yeah. What about yourself, Timmy? Pretty much the same as uh, Guru there. Probably, yeah, vaguely in the conversation just for this one game because of Latrell and Turbo out. Uh, But, I mean, then you talk about Nico. Would you throw Nico in there despite playing halfback? I love Nico at seven so fucking much. Like, I'm such a fan of him at seven that I'm almost like, mate, just stay there. Fuck, you're so good. Uh, the drinky one is just interesting because I kind of feel like he's putting up some pretty amazing numbers and doing some pretty amazing things that if he was doing this at a Sydney club, what would we be talking about? Yeah. Oh, I think that's the big thing. You know what I mean? Because they are out of side, they're out of yeah. mind. They're just... Like, you know, if he let's say he was at the Roosters, no, we'll just the Rabbitohs, and we hadn't heard of Drinkwater before 
or his pedigree, and he, ha- he had the same year that he's had this year with like a bunch of try assists, silkies, anything. I think because he's up North Queensland, uh, out of sight, out of mind, that he doff- he often. I mean, put it this way: a few weeks ago, we didn't even know whether he was a fucking Queensland or New South Welshman. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that he's proven he's proven that he's way beyond that. You know, not even knowing where he's. I think he's proven that he's like. As I said, if if there were a couple of injuries, you know, maybe he does get tossed up in the conversation. Mate, it's always been the way with the Cowboys, though. Like, if Jonathan Thurston... Like, I remember before JT went up there, do you remember that they went on that run in the 04 Yeah, series? Or something, prelim they they, they went all the way to the prelim. They lost to the Roosters. And there was all these guys there that were playing unbelievable footy. Your Ty Williams, your Matty Sings. And, mate, people in Sydney were learning their names yeah. in the prelim. Mm. Like, if it wasn't for Thurston going up there and, and, like, making the Cowboys as popular as they are, like, I still think they are underappreciated a little bit. Yeah. Because they are just so far away and you don't hear all that much media out of them. Yeah. No, I, I'm just such a fan of Scotty Drinkwater. And I, I think, again, he's the perfect fullback. It's similar to the Dylan Edwards, not the way they play, but you can build a fantastic spine around him because he's not going to demand a million dollars. But I tell you what, some games he puts out the numbers similar to the tippity top of our fullbacks. Mm. If you're Wayne, wouldn't you be filthy that uh, Hammer got injured a few weeks ago? Like, if oh. Drinky was just sitting there in jersey. Like, he wasn't even 14, he was 18. Like, yeah. he wasn't even in the team. That would have been perfect for them to get. I'd be interested to see. Like, I think Scotty, Scotty Drinkwater really likes, like, the, the living style of Townsville. Mm. Being a Central Coast boy. <laughs> so I'm not sure if he likes the hustle and bustle of Brisbane. But I tell you what, if I'm Wayne, I am absolutely on that blower. Because put it this way, let's say Scotty keeps playing like this and you have to pay 500 for him. Would you pay this Scotty Drinkwater 500 or would you pay Reese Walsh 800? Yeah, Scotty. You know what I mean? And so all of a sudden you go, fuck, that's a, like a bang for buck, high, high quality fullback. Um, so yeah, massive wraps on Scotty. I think uh, I think as this Cowboys team becomes more like an entrenched top four side or top six side or whatever, I think a lot of them will start to get their flowers. Like Helam Lukey, if he was coming up through any of the Sydney teams, people would be going, fuck, look at yeah. this fucking yeah. young gun. Uh, so look, great stuff for the Cowboys. Be excited, Cowboys fans. Enjoy it. You've earned it. They've, and they've done it with a team of players. Like they didn't really have to – I know they went out and bought Townsend, but – they didn't go out and go on this massive overhaul of their roster. They've done it with a lot of, you know, uh, Lukey's from there. Um, there's, you know, a lot of players that came through their system. But as much as they went out and brought Chad, there's a number of other clubs that could have got Chad that would have gone, no, no thanks. Oh, for sure. For sure. Whereas, you know, Todd and Peyton specifically said, I want Townsend over Reynolds because I didn't want to, because Reynolds was going to take a little bit longer. So he chose Townsend. Mm. So great stuff for the, the Cowboys now to the Titans. We thought it was going to be tough. We thought that experience was going to be their big issue, but I don't think any of us thought that it would be this tough. I don't think any of us thought that they'd be in this situation where you're starting to look over your shoulder a bit. You're starting to go, because right now they are currently sitting second last second last on the table. And if they lose, let's say they lost next week, doggies get a win, they would be equal last. So, I mean, doggies are on four points. Titans are on six points by themselves, and then the other Warriors, Tigers, are on eight points. What do we do with the Titans here? Mate, I, I look at the ladder there, and I just go, I haven't seen the New Zealand Warriors play a good game of footy in two months. Yeah. And they're still on top of the Titans somehow. Jeez. Mm. Like, it's it's crazy. 
Yeah. Down Knights are on top of the Titans, you know? Raiders Mate, are... the three teams on top of them. Like, mm. Warriors, Tigers... Like, Tigers didn't win a game in the first five weeks. They gave them a five-week head start. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, they... It hasn't been ideal for them, though. Jaden Campbell, you know, he was in... He, he got an injury. Then, then he was in reserve grade and Fafita's missed footy and... But, like, they should just be better than what they are. And they're showing glimpses that they're better than what they put out for 80 minutes. The first 20, like, I, I feel sorry for Brimo. Like, he rips and tears yeah. constantly. And it, it, I don't know. And I can tell by your notes you thought the exact same thing I did. Sexton kicked out on the full and you went, okay, House of Cards is about to fall down yeah. now. Yeah. And then the Cowboys just went bang, bang, bang. And they, they just can't hang in a contest. <laughs> oh, they kick it out on a full. Lukey scores. Then Osaka on a kick return is carrying the ball like that. Oh, I, I just Osaka was such an interesting case study because fuck me, he can do some great things, some incredible things. But then he comes up with like a play like that, and I wonder if, if you're the Titans and you're selecting this side because you already got so much inexperience around the ruck. That's the last thing you need from your your experienced players. Do you think that? They need to start focusing more on playing players that have less errors and are a bit more grindy and less flashy, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Like, I just think considering how much you're giving away in your halves, how much experience and stuff you're giving away, and like they are going to have to learn hard lessons as they go, I probably think you do need to pick more consistent guys. But mate, if it's not Osaka, who do they go to? It's Marshu who's he's not... Well, I mean, at least he's running for bloody 210 tackle breaks. Yeah. Corey Thompson... Well, Corey Thompson's already in the side, though. He's on the wing. So, you got at the moment, they had Corey Thompson, Brian Kelly, Patrick Herbert, and then Isako as the last one. Sammy, Sammy what's Sammy's he doing? Back, Sammy's uh, due back yeah. this week. Okay, so he'll probably come back in. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's really, really tough. I, don't, I but just now Jaden Campbell's gone. I know. So, does Isako now become the fullback? Yeah, I think he will. because So, you look, at, you look at building continuity in between these key combinations and spine combinations. Well, now you go. Campbell's gone. Um, it's a pretty bad hammy injury, isn't it? Like, yeah. Look, well, if you're limping from a hammy, yeah. minimum three to four weeks, yeah, in my so opinion. Could be a while there. They then it looks as though probably Jermaine Osako goes to fullback. Who, as I said, I, I don't mind him as a winger. I don't think he's a fullback at all. So you've got new spine combinations trying to come together. So you're like, all right, how does this get better? Um, I don't know if it does. Or do you move? So that's the other thing. Like, if you if you were to move Brimo to fullback, Will Smith just they got just released Will Smith. So it's Tanner Boyd or no one. So do you want to? I don't know. They've they've put themselves in a really shit position, and I understand they've had injuries, but it's the NRL. This was always going to happen at some point. I just I, and I apologise, Titan fans. I just don't understand the Fogarty situation. <laughs> like I just don't get it. Like Fogarty didn't even play that well for Canberra yesterday, but you could just tell having him on the field. He was looked important. good. He, he didn't looked, play yeah, well. He, he didn't play good. well, but he looks good. He just yeah. makes the right decisions. What, what, I in just moments. not the Fogarty situation. What just just blows my mind and there must be more to it they're, I cannot for the life of me see how there can't be more to it but like what I didn't get with the Titans is you just went through this same problem you put all your eggs in one basket with Ash Taylor and it crippled the club for years it crippled his game like he never reached his heights the club was constantly not knowing what to do with him and then the first opportunity you get to keep an older halfback and be patient with the young guy you go nah we're going with Sexton. He's our guy. Like, you publicly come out and say, Sexton's playing seven next year after you just re-signed Fogarty. So there must be more behind the scenes that happen. But I kind of, unfortunately, I, you can't feel sorry for the Titans because they've put themselves in this they position. You know, like, yeah. they, they had Fogarty right there, ready to play. 
you know, again, unless there is much more to the story that we don't know about, but they had Fogarty there. They, they came out openly and said, Sexton will be our seven. And ever since then, it's, you know, Sexton, unfortunately, he comes out, he plays a good half of footy. I don't know what happens in that 10 minutes. And then it's like his confidence just, just evaporates. You know, he just... And it's like, mate, for the first 20, you were in, he's got the most repeat sets just about to say, of yeah. any seven in the competition. Wow. The most repeat sets. So that's how talented this kid is. That's what he can do. Mm. So it's not, it's not a lack of talent. Like, this guy is a fucking great footy player. He just gets to a period in the game where, I, I don't know, is it confidence? I'm not sure what it is. You know what I mean? Like, usually a player, if something goes wrong... You know, they'll be like, okay, a bit down for a set or two, but then they'll come back and they'll be confident and they'll, they'll do what they need to do. But with Toby, like, he comes out guns blazing and kills it. He's, he's dominant. His kicking game is pinpoint. Something goes wrong and it just doesn't. He has the most forced dropouts and he's on 20 and the next best is 13. Holy shit. You know how good that is for a seven? <laughs> yeah. 20 repeat sets. 20 repeat sets. Like, so you're doing your job end a half. Think about who he's up against too. Guys like Nathan Cleary. Mm. Guys like Adam Reynolds. Mm. And think about his team too. They normally call it a day after the 30th minute. He, I reckon he would have 70% of those in the first 20 minutes of games. It's just, you know, he, he absolutely is the guy long term. There's no denying that. But God, I think he could use a guy just over his shoulder. And look, to cre credit where credit's due, Titans have signed for him. Mm. I think for him on the weekend. Might be hot take. I kind of like him at seven. I kind of like him at seven at Manly. At Manly, yeah. <laughs> That's my worry. I'm Mate, if he can do that at Manly, it's going to be much better for Titans. Like him, yeah, yeah. Like him at that level at Manly to the Titans, he's going to be fucking – I think he's going to be perfect for the Titans. I think, I think yeah. great signing by the Titans. The other thing that makes it impressive is that, you know, he's leading the comp as a halfback. His 5'8 doesn't have a kicking game. His hooker doesn't have a kicking game either. So you know who the oh. kick's coming through. Yeah, yeah. Where do you think the Titans go to, Timmy, from here? I don't know. So I just I look at their roster more and more, and I'm, you try and make excuses for them and think, oh, wait, where can they improve? And we thought that maybe with more games under their belt, the Campbell and Sexton and Brimson, they could start to produce something. But I'm just starting to think the rosters, it's just not there. I just don't think they've got the quality to match up. Like it's, you know, there are individuals there who are very good players, but they're 1-13. to It just doesn't look very good next to nearly every other club in the NRL does and, it. And that's my concern is this. At the start of the year, we said stay the course. That's what, you know, that in my opinion, it was like, there's going to be tough times ahead because you've got such a young spine, you've got such a young captain. But my concern now is maybe their roster isn't as good as we thought it was at the start of the year. And so you don't want to stay the course with the wrong group of men. What I will say for sure, though, is I, I absolutely believe Sexton is a high-quality seven. He just needs a bit of confidence and needs a bit of time. I think Brimo is a high-quality six for sure. He's been probably their best player all year. It's just, you know, maybe around their forward pack, it's a bit, maybe a bit light-ish. You know, I know Fafita's been injured. Tino, I think Tino has had a good year. I know he has an error here or there, but I think he's had a good year. Um, you know, are they getting enough output out of some of their other forwards maybe? Is it their outside backs letting them down, do you think? Do they need to go into the market? See, I think Herbert... The outside backs are great. Yeah, like <laughs> Herbert and um, Sammy, like, they're gone. Like yeah, this on their is Corey day. Thompson. Like Corey the, Thompson as well. Some of the best value outside backs And Kelly, Kelly is great. The only problem with like a Kelly is that he just sometimes has a few errors in his game that you just get out. If he gets that out of his game... Because like I thought him versus... Uh, was it Katoni? Mm. I thought he went pretty well, Kelly. 
Um, he stands up against everyone, yeah. Kelly. But he like yeah. very aggressive. He took the strength. So I wish they had a a nine there that could just. Th- this isn't a knock on Aaron Clark because he's a solid enough NRL player. But the fact that they've got a young Toby Sexton in the halves, a Brimson who is you know I think he's probably more of a fullback than he is a five eight, uh, and then they've got Jaden Campbell, who's a very young, inexperienced spine bloke, sort of half half playing out of position. You then throw Clark in there. I know it's very easy to say this in a perfect world, but I just wish they had an organiser there who could help out a bit more with the kicking game, a bit more with the direction, and just take pressure off the halves. It would make everyone's yeah. life so much easier. Well, I, I um, recall Penrith Panthers. One of the biggest changes that happened that when they went on this crazy run was Nathan Cleary was struggling. Like Everyone was against Ivan Cleary and Nathan Cleary, getting peppered in the media. He's not going to be this. He's not going to be that. They brought Apicoros out of the team, mm. and it just changed Cleary's life like he was a different player he was way more relaxed he didn't have to worry about the nine role um, and it's also like part of the reason for many years Penrith just never had a you know a, a high quality nine and so I totally agree with you I think that you know Aaron Clark very serviceable I think he's he would be actually really good as a 14 because he's a fucking yeah. tough ball runner he's very energetic um, but a, a silky nine in there I think would take a lot of pressure and off. and whilst he isn't the guy that you're both talking about they also released Mitch Rain. Mm. He would have just been another experienced head to at least have. I didn't. Know, I never understood that release. I like never why? understood that. Like lease. he's not. You're not he's paying solid. much money. He's going to do a job there. He's. I, I think they would be a better side with, with Mitch Rain at For nine sure. and Aaron Clark off the bench. Personally, they've taken Tanner Boy, who was Australian schoolboys halfback a couple of years ago, with Fafita next to him at school origin, international level. And they've turned him into a hooker. And like Tanner Boyd was the next big thing. He, yeah. he like was the thing. That like. Everyone was talking about this guy's the next Lockies. This he's like his hype was massive. At the, he was at the Broncos, got a deal with the Titans, went down there, um, and just he just hasn't seemed to kick on. Unfortunately, well, do you think trying to force him to play nine? The concern I have with that is like you're changing his body shape and and you're putting him through miles mileage that may be unnecessary and he may not be able to recover from. Whereas like if you're a half, you're not having to do fucking 40, 50 tackles a game. And so I worried like maybe the Titans made the, ro- made the wrong call there and they should have been developing him purely as a seven, put him in reserve grade, keep him in reserve grade until he's ready as a seven, maybe. I don't know. Does he come back? Do they give him a shot in the halves now with Campbell out and put Brimson to fullback? Well, they just, they've, they've been very anti Hannah Boyd yeah. in the seven. Like, they just have not looked at all like Honestly, doing it. if you go and watch every highlight of Fafita coming through, Tanner Boyd is the one giving him the ball mm-hmm. every single time. Like, I know it's in juniors, I know, but, I mean, they're constantly trying to put Fafita into good spots. You know who did it for a long time yeah. as a yeah. teenager? Tanner Boyd. Started six games for them last year in the halves. Yeah. So. How'd they go, win or lose? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll find out. But that is on the job. Like, is this is the Titans a good example of why the Broncos aren't going to pay a front rower a million dollars because they've got their two biggest money earners are a second rower and a front rower. Yeah, it's look, it's a really interesting one because I got a call on the captain's run, which is uh, this week, guys. Origin review with Cameron Smith from nine to twelve live, or we'll be dropping it twelve fifteen on Spotify and Apple, and at three o'clock on YouTube. Make sure to be there, guys. It's going to be a massive episode. We get three hours with the assistant coach of Queensland, less than twenty four hours after Origin. I don't think it's ever been done before. He started six games last year at five eight, and he won three of six. It's not so bad. That's not bad enough. For the Titans. Give him a start. Yeah. Give him a start. <laughs> um, 
So with the Titans, a, a bloke called in. I forgot his name. Apologies, mate. Yeah, I think he was a Doggies fan. But he was kind of saying, like, you know, we discussed the fact that, you know, Selwyn Cobbo, there may be clubs out there that are having discussions about him being worth a million dollars. <clears throat> Not that they would do it, but I'm sure the Doggies, the Tigers or whatever, would at least be around the recruitment table going, do we offer him fucking $900 million? Um, anyway, and then he brought up the point of, like, why would you offer Selwyn a million dollars? when Payne Hassey is doing shit we've never seen before. It's a proven track record. He's played NRL for three or four years now. You know he's going to be good. And I just think that the point that I was trying to make with, with uh, front row is like, it doesn't matter how good you are. It just, you cannot have enough sway on a game in the front row to justify the million dollars. Yep. And I think Fafita is a really good example of that. Like he has changed a bunch of games for the Titans. Like last year, they were down and out so many times. And Fafita would just go, boom, give me the ball. Like even against the Broncos, there was a period where it was like grindy. This year alone, Fafita took a scoot from, from Hooker and just scored a try. Like people don't understand how hard that is to do. And so, yeah, I, I do think now the context around the signing, we've all been over that, you know, it was about to bring people to the club. But I think that any club, you'd be crazy to pay a million dollars for a forward. Um, I just don't think it, it's going to balance your cap out. Yeah. I also look at that Titan side on the weekend. I mean, they were without Tino. They were without Fafita. They're two best forwards. They had Mo Fodawaka, who returned from injury. He only played 35 minutes. They picked a bench of Tanner Boyd, Jermaine Jolliffe, Eastland Masters, and Sam Lasani. Masters started. Did he end up starting, yeah. did he? Okay, yeah. right. They're a bit so funky who? with that in NRL.com, the way they do that, yeah. But then Patrick Herbert was on the interchange. Right, bench. so same thing. Same shit, yeah, different same. smell. Herbert was on the interchange? Yeah. So he wasn't starting? No. Yeah, he played 21 minutes off the bench. So, despite missing their two big money forwards and Mo Fodawaka coming back from injury who played a grand total of 35 minutes, they decided, I'm going to carry a centre on the bench and Tanner Boyd. I mean, I, I mean <laughs> maybe They've already got Bo Fermor who can cover in the centres. Like, yeah. I just, I don't, it just, so much shit they do just doesn't make sense to me. But like, Herbert, yeah, he has had some quiet games, but has he been playing poorly enough to be dropped in that side? Especially after watching that, that Simbin that Isar Masters gave away. I don't think I would have picked him this week. I would have yeah, said it was a tough Simbin. Uh, yeah, so look, Titans, I'm not, I'm not sure. I will say when it comes to Sexton, they just got to get around him. They yep. desperately, the, the admin, the coaching staff, they got to really keep it tight with Sexton and keep his confidence up. Let him know, mate, you are our guy. You are our guy. You've got nothing to worry about. We just need you working hard. It'll come good. And I think credit to them. I think they have. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the one thing I've got to say 100%. I think they have got around Sexton. Um, they play <coughs> the Sharkies this week. That one's in Coffs Harbour. So that's not going to be... Nico Hines will obviously walk back into that side. So that'll be tough for them. Then, the, then they play Newcastle into the bye. So Newcastle and Newcastle. So Hang on, they play South this week. Sorry, South Cronulla, Newcastle. Yeah. Mate, it's a tough... The, the, the Titans are in a... Uh, a very, very tough spot right now. Very Saturday, tough spot. 3 p.m. against the Rabbitohs. I don't know if you want to give the Rabbitohs Cody Walker a dry track on the Gold Coast. Yeah. And he, he loves the Gold Coast because he's from, yeah. like, he, you know, he's got a lot of family that's about an hour and a half away, two hours. Uh, so hopefully Titans can turn it around. Uh, they've just got to just got to find a way to jag a few wins. Would you say their season's pretty much done? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Sad, man. That sucks. That sucks. It's just... Yeah, from the Titans, I guess I would look to the Broncos and be like, look, we can be that side, boys. Like, they stuck strong with that core group of forwards and look at the dividends it's paying now. So hopefully the Broncos can uh, – sorry, the Titans can do that. If the Titans were playing Canterbury this weekend, who would you tip? 
Titans. Titans. I still have faith. Yeah? In them because they play so fucking good for periods of the game. <laughs> they play so good. Like 20 minutes of the game, they are almost unstoppable. I'm going Titans. Fuck, I'm not as confident. Okay. Um, now, Panthers doggies. Uh, look, Panthers, holy shit. They didn't, <laughs> like, they didn't look any worse. They didn't look any worse. How's that fucking possible? Timmy, speak to me. How's that fucking possible? Don't know how it's possible, sorry, mate. <laughs> but they, it's nuts, isn't it? Just how well they bring in Sean O'Sullivan uh, and Kurt Falls on debut, who also must be the best bloke on the planet because the way the players and the fans and they yeah. got around him, I know he's an older debutant, but he just must be a legend, hey? Um, but just their shapes, they just recreated them so well despite mm. losing the core of that side in, in the halves. Um, they, they're just... You were kind of like low-key just hoping Penrith got belted so I could knock them this week because I'm sick of giving them raps, but no. Nah. <laughs> they had – they basically – like, yeah, okay, in the end, they, dogs might have scored a couple. They had 45% of the ball. So they had less percentage of the ball and towed the Bulldogs up. That just – Jesus Christ, Matty. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> It's not like there's 50 to 60,000 people listening to this stuff. I muted my mic. I don't know if you could hear that. You've muted your brain, mate. <laughs> Bloody Origins muted your brain, you New South Welshman. A Queenslander would have never done that. Up the blues. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just shows you with the Panthers, any opportunity they get, they take it. They take it every fucking time. They had 10% less possession than the doggies, and they still put 30 on them. It's almost unheard of. It is fucking amazing. And they did it with no six, no seven. Uh, they don't have Crichton. They don't have To'o. It's amazing. Amazing what they're doing out there. What do you think of the game? It's Durina? good to see they're human to some extent. At least the New South Wales Cup team finally lost a game. <laughs> so the domino effect. It's over. Had an impact it's over. Our, Penrith, our Panthers crumbling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, mate, I, I thought it was crazy, you know. Kurt Falls made his debut, which was great to see. We spoke about him in the preseason, and um, it's crazy that with a guy like Kurt Falls, we say, oh, you know, he's an older debutant. He's the same age as Nathan Cleary. Wow. We say how young Nathan Cleary is. Like it's crazy how it how it can. Cleary's like, career is. But they wild. were halves partners in high school. I'm pretty really? sure. I'm pretty sure they were. Yeah. So it's crazy how it can play out. I thought Falls, you know, his first five minutes, that kick that he put into touch, then he put in the kick for the kick for Chris Smith. Well done to Chris Smith too. I think that's the first time we've seen him since the Barnett incident yeah, against yeah. his former club and he scores the first meaty there. Mm. Well done to him. Um, I thought Kiko, Kiko was unreal in this game. Oh. No, and his stats don't really reflect it, but he was a fucking menace on the edge. put on Avarillo to oh, the sideline. Just like. quietly, Avarillo at fullback, fucking oh, love it. Shock me. Love it. Yeah. And we've been talking about that. Me and Guru, honestly... Doggies fans must be like, bro, shut up. Because <laughs> every week we're like, oh, yeah, I think Avrilo's a really good outside back. We should put him a fullback. Um, anyway, back to the Panthers. I just want to give a shout out to the big fish. Fisher Harris, 203 metres, 44 tackles, zero missed. That's such a knock. I cannot express to you. Like, sometimes it's, it's easy to be a leader when things are going well and you're the front runner and you're the big dogs, you're tailing teams up. But when you lose guys like Cleary, Luai, To'o, Crichton, Martin, it, it's your leaders that stand up. And Fisher-Harris took it upon himself to go, I am needed here by the boys and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that we don't miss a beat when it comes to playing high-quality footy. And it reminds me a lot of uh, Fisher-Harris, uh, sorry, Hargreaves last year when the Roosters boys all got injured. Mm. Like he really – like that showed you what a leader he was when the, when the – 
the chips were down or they needed someone to step up, he stepped up. And I, Fisher-Harris, obviously the chips aren't down for Penrith. But, I mean, a lot of people thought the Doggies were going to get the win and Penrith wouldn't be anywhere near as good as they are. But he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, Edwards, great again. Api like He's so silky, man. He's so silky. Uh, yeah, I thought Kurt Falls was, was so, so, uh, like really solid. Uh, Tungor, again, I think Tungor's defence is getting uh, better and better. Uh, what else we got here? Yeah, just on James Fisher-Harris, you mentioned him. Like The week before they played the Cowboys, they won 22 nil. looks like an easy win. The amount of work that he did in that game, because oh, the Cowboys defended well. Yeah. 22 nil says it was a poor defence game. They were unreal. You look at his stats from last week. He had 20 hit-ups for 220 metres and then backed that up with that game on the weekend. Crazy. Crazy. Like just a proper leader. Proper leader. Proper man in the trenches that just loves it. Uh, outside of that, I thought uh, Eisenhuth at 13 was, he was pretty good. I didn't mind him. Mm. He Honestly, should be a starting him. player in so many teams in this competition. Mate, he, mate, he gets through some all the tough carries, yeah. all the tough work. He never gets the praise for it because you've got Leota. How good's Leota, by the way? Fuck, he's so underrated. He's, he's another guy that it sounds no, not crazy, but like I think he could be a smoky for Origin the next year or two. Yep. Someone gets injured, I think him off the bench could be pretty good. Anyway, uh, Moses Leota was outstanding, but Eisenhuth, like, the amount of times, like when, when Leota was injured earlier this year, Penrith didn't miss a beat. And it was because of battlers like Eisenhuth who come in and do their job. They ask for nothing in return. They're just happy to fucking be there. They rip and tear. On the weekend, 79 metres, but he made 48 tackles, only one miss. Um, you know, so look, really, really impressive stuff for the, for the uh, Penny Panthers. And to be honest, like right now, pro- they should win. They should win the comp, really. Is anyone really close to them right now? I don't think so. Full strength Melbourne can still yep. rattle them. Come, come grand final day, they can. I yeah. think a full strength Melbourne can, but I'm still so far from confident. Yeah, like, like, I, I agree. It's, it's definitely a possibility, but I'm talking more like right now, if you're a betting man, Panthers are out and out favourite right now. Is that fair? Yeah. Who Is this Panthers 2022 side better than 21 and 20, do you think? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, I, I think they're more mature. I think they, they, they're finding, like, I think, 2020 Panthers was very attacking and flary, bunch of fucking points, holy shit. Then they got to the grand final and it was a Cam Smith masterclass just said, nah, boys, you need a little bit more than that to beat us. 2021 rolls around and they go, we need defence sorted. Mm. That's how we're going to win a comp. They come out and honestly, their finals run last year, they were pretty average. Like they were pretty average, but their defence was amazing. And I think the grand final proved that. It was just whoever was going to break first. And it wasn't even really their attack that got them the win. It was a great defensive read by Crichton that did it. And I think that this year, they're finding a real good balance between best defensive side in the comp, but having like a lot of attacking flair and a lot of attacking ability. So yeah, I'd probably say they're a better version. I think if you said they're the best attacking team, I don't think you'd get much pushback. Like yeah. Melbourne, obviously, Parramatta right up there. but I would say it was Storm when they went on that run before Pappy got injured. Mm. I would have said Storm. But, like, right now, with Pappy out and Storm, you know, chugging along, I'd probably say Penny, the, Penny Panthers are the best attacking and best defence. Um, but, yeah, right now, for me, it's Penny Panthers are favourites. Then it would be probably the Storm. Then probably Eels, just because they've knocked them both off. But I also think with Penrith's attack, like, like yes, Melbourne went on that incredible one run where they were smashing teams at the bottom of the ladder. I think Penrith can put 30 on any any team in this competition. Yeah, that's on fair. On any given week. Yeah. Whereas fair. I'm not sure if Melbourne can put 30 on Penrith. That's a good point. Yeah, fair point. Interesting. Um, so anyway, Penrith Panthers absolutely flying. 
now onto the doggies. We'll get to the positives first. Matty Burton was absolutely outstanding. And it's one thing to do that against other teams at the bottom of the ladder. It's another thing to go back to your old club. They are absolutely dushing teams. And you go and put a form performance like that and almost single-handedly, you know, lift the team out of a loss or at least, you know, make it competitive. I think you're starting to see the benefits of Kyle Flanagan and Burton playing together for a while. They're yeah. starting to understand each other. They're starting to know, like, Burton doesn't just get released just because he's playing well. He's got a seven that he's finally been able to get a few games together and that releases Burton to be who he needs to be. I thought Burton was absolutely outstanding. Um, you know, his kicking game, like that bomb that he has, <laughs> it is wild extra weapon. Wild extra weapon. What about that kick he did to Edwards? I don't know if you'd call it a bomb, but it went it went so high and it went like 70 metres on the fly. Crazy. It was, and I, I saw Edwards knock it on and I honestly sat there and thought, I don't know if I've ever seen Edwards knock a, I don't know when was the last time I saw Edwards. Yeah, so he used to fucking, be, he honestly used Early to have days, feet yeah. for hands. Seriously, he was like clown. He had shoes on his hands trying to catch sometimes <laughs> back in the day. Now he's a bloody most consistent uh, fullback in the game. No, I agree with you. Like he doesn't, he very rarely drops the ball. But that Burton bomb, Jesus. I can already see a picture of Edwards with clown shoes on his hands and punters and dribblers. I can see it. It's going to be there. Mate, honestly, like, do you guys remember? I don't know what, which game it was, but it was like two or three years ago. I think he dropped like five balls. Yeah, right. and, and Ivan Cleary, to his credit, and to Dylan Edwards' credit, stuck with him when everyone was like, mate, what are you doing? And it was the best call. Like I said it last week, but Dylan Edwards for me, he is just... I don't think he's had a single game this year where he's been low, below 8 out of 10. Mm. He's fucking so good. He's so good. Anyway, back yeah, to the dog. storm. He made like six errors. Mate, it was so bad. Like, I felt so sorry for him because it was just like one of those nights where nothing goes right. Like, literally nothing goes right. Um, but he turned it around and, you know, now he's honestly a premier fullback. Um, so, look, what's weird is like, so Corey Allen got named at fullback, but obviously Avrilo played fullback, um, correct? Yep. Yeah, shit yeah, form yeah. from... Potter. <laughs> Jeez, that annoys me. What? From? <laughs> From Potter. Oh, no, no, yeah. Not just the final <laughs> team had Alan at fullback. They ran out and Avrilo straight fullback. So just name just it. Just name it. <laughs> killed your super coach. Yeah, you killed your super coach. Yeah. Um, so, look, I love Avrilo at the fullback position. I, I think I, – I thought he looked dynamic. I thought, yeah, okay, I think he got taken out once. But just even the confidence to go down the short side yeah. and try and start something from the back – uh, so I think they should absolutely keep Avarillo there. And matter of fact, keep him there all year long. It seems pretty clear that Dufty is probably not going to be here next year. You need to pick a fullback and stick with him. And I think Avarillo is the man for the job. Give him time to get his body shaped the right way it needs to be for a fullback. Give him time. Because, like, if you can keep Avarillo, Burton, Flanagan and Reed uh, Money together, like, you can build something it's a good there. Spine. That's a, that's a yeah. decent young spine that can build into something really good. And it's just who else is on the market that you're going to get a fullback that's going to be better than a potential Avarillo that could be, you know, he's a good, can you good imagine if Avarillo landed in Penrith Roosters, Melbourne, I reckon he'd be an absolute star. Mate, he was a gun year. coming through. He was yeah, a gun coming through. Um, and like he looks so happy and confident there on the weekend. I loved I him at fullback. Yeah. Keep him there. Keep him there. Now, uh, just quickly, Jeremy Marshall King signed for the Dolphins. What do you guys, what, Timmy? What do you think about this? It's one of them signings where you go. He's been a, a shining light for the Bulldogs for a couple of years now. 
in a very ordinary team who struggles to win games. As a hooker, we mentioned before, the, the sign of a hooker is, or a forward pack, is how often the hooker's running. And the dogs so often get beaten through the middle in games, yet Marshall King's still stamping his authority on games week after week. Mm. They would have signed him on, I can't imagine it being a lot of money, the Dolphins, going yeah. up there in a key position. And I, I'm really, I mean, I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to be able to do it, but if the Dolphins can, you know, click into gear quick enough, I'd like to see what he can do in a good side, yeah. um, Marshall King, because I, I think he's been one of their better players for a couple of years now. And mm. as far as signings go, um, you know, he's not the marquee in the spine signing that we're after for, for the Dolphins or Dolphins fans are after, but I think he's a terrific uh, signing on, yeah, probably not a heap of cash. I love it. I actually think it's a great signing. Yeah. I think that uh, what I, the thing with Jerry Marshall King and what I respect so much is in, in a team that has just struggled for the last two to three years, he has continued to just chip away at his game. If you go and look at Jeremy Marshall King that first started in nine, you would have said, that is not a nine. He yeah. is a ball running six, maybe. Um, nowhere near a nine. Whereas now, he has improved so much since then. With another year, a fresh restart, a team that's going to be able to win a few games, I think he's going to shine. And I actually think that it may be a signing that people look back and say the Dolphins got a bargain. I just think he's so caught up in the struggle of the Bulldogs. Like for him to, as you said, impact games when they constantly get dominated, it shows you how good he is. What do you think of the signing? I love it. And I think the the point that a lot of people have overlooked, he's obviously the younger brother of Benji Marshall. Wayne's always had a great relationship with Benji. He's always got the very best out of Benji. Did it mm. last year. So, mate, I, you know, he, he's averaging um, 70 run metres this year. Yeah. For Canterbury. I, you know, I, I've been hiding him for a while. I've always really liked Jeremy Marshall King. Uh, and I, I think value-wise, I think he'll be great up there. I yeah. really do. And if you can get a nine like him, it means that you can spend more money on your six and no, seven. I totally agree. Um, so, look, I think it's a really good signing. And I actually i am stoked for Jeremy Marshall King because it's going to give him an opportunity to maybe develop into a player that he may not have been able to do at the doggies, especially with Reed Marnie coming there, he would have been on the bench or whatever. And he may have just kind of kicked around that 14 role and reserve grade, whereas he goes to the Dolphins. What an opportunity to turn a solid NRL career into, could be something good. So congratulations, great signing. Shout out to Paul Vaughan. I know, you know, the barbecue incident, I actually think he's been pretty good this year. I, I know there's been one or two games where he's had a couple of errors. I don't mind him this year. I really think that he's been pretty consistent there in the middle for him. Um, what do you guys think about He had 166 metres, 70 post contact, 30 tackles, only one miss uh, in 55 minutes. But I actually think all of Canterbury's middles have been pretty good this year. I think Luke Thompson's been good. I think Max King has been good. Uh, I think Paul Vaughan has been too. He's obviously on a one-year deal. I don't think he's re-signed yet. Do you, would you keep mm, him No, there? they've already told him pretty much that he's not going to re-sign. Wow. I mean, I, honestly, I, I would have kept him. I think that's what I mean. Yeah. I, I would have. I think he's been quite solid. I, I sort of assumed they would keep him. No, nah, yeah. they came out pretty early and said, "No, he hasn't." Yeah, okay. If I'm a club looking for a, a cheapy bench front rower, oh, I'm fucking absolutely. Right, he can't go to England, surely. Surely not. He was a kangaroo three years ago, like, and he's still like this. This is against a dominant Penrith pack. He's running for the 166 meters, which was the most of any forward. Um, most of any forward in the Bulldogs side, and also the second most for his team. And I, I actually it. thought he was quiet last week compared to other weeks. Yeah, I think he's been quite consistent. Yeah. Like, I really do. What, what do you think about Vaughan's year? Timmy? Yeah, I mean, he's a can be a bit of an easy target at times, the old yeah. Italian stallion. I, I've always liked him as a footballer. And then it just 
bit like, I suppose, maybe to a degree with having without a car and missing out on Origin, going to a weaker club, um, it can be lost on people how good these blokes actually are and just yeah. the, the fact that playing in a, a lesser side, it can be hard to stand out. But, you know, following the barbecue incident at the Dragons and a few other things, you know, he's, he's a big personality, Vaughny, but I, th- I think he's been fine as well. And as far as the Dogs fans go and looking ahead for a bit of a shining light, you know, Luke Thompson missed that game with, I think, concussion protocols. He's been excellent this season. Yeah, he's so... I, I Mar- really rate yeah, Thompson. Yeah, for Tyler Mariners, a couple of games back now, and I think he started on the weekend, he started looking quite good as well. And, and when he gets back to an 80-minute role, we'll bring heaps to that side. Um, so the doggies there, I don't mind sort of what's being thrown down. I did also just want to quickly shout out to Mick Potter in there as interim coach. I don't know if he was behind it or if it was a Burton thing or what, but... A couple of really good little coaching moves there. And the first one was Burton's early kick for the Fox, mm. which is pretty simple, but yeah. like it was the easiest try you'll ever score. Yeah. And great coaching from that <laughs> one. The other one was they had a, a really distinct plan to go at uh, Viliami Kickhouse Edge. Just with Kickhouse shooting out of the line, they just play short back on the inside all the time and got quite good momentum through it. Mm. I think it was uh, Josh Jackson did it and threw an inside ball to Avril at one point and they cut through and almost scored for him and might have scored the following play. Um, and I just look at those sort of things going good from Potter or Burton or whoever it was, but yep. uh, there were signs of life there, albeit against a, a depleted Panthers yep. side. And, and a shout out to the Doggies. They completed at 90%. They gave themselves every opportunity. Mm. They just didn't have that, that knockout blow. And, and unfortunately, defensively, I thought, I thought uh, Corey Allen was a bit rusty. Yep. You know, made some pretty poor uh, reads in defence and, you know, probably could have chased across when – there was uh, that try that kind of like looped across him and, and he could have like kind of covered in behind. I thought he was quite rusty. So, yeah, look, I actually think the Bulldogs forward pack this year has been quite solid. Um, just the backs, there's been a few players in and out and yeah, it's a tough one. It's going to be interesting on that left edge next year and you know, I hate for Canterbury, it seems like we're always talking about next year. <laughs> uh, but you know, Burton and Fox, like that has to be one of the most lethal combinations in rugby league right oh, now. Yeah. And we're already seeing like they've got no momentum, yeah. nothing going for them. They get them. no opportunities, and they, and they still make yeah. something happen. Put Kikau on that edge next year. Yeah, I'm not sure who who, who will be the ideal left centre for them next year, but um, that left side could be could be something special for Canterbury. How, yeah. good, how good was the the passion from the Fox when he scored oh, that first try? Yeah. He was about to go super saiyan when he looked yeah. at that camera. It was Mate, great. I loved it, and I, that's that's why he's a champion. Yeah, that's why the Fox is who he is he literally days after being he would be devastated and he would put on a good face for everyone and say oh yeah i'm going to work hard he'd be devastated he has been a core member of that group Mm. he has not played poorly this year and in a lot of other selectors minds would have never been dropped from the side like not even close yet he comes out and puts on a performance like that a lot of blokes and players or whatever would have sooked, would have said, oh, I deserve better and I deserve a bit of loyalty. Where's my loyalty? He didn't say that. He came out and said, I'm going to play fucking outstanding, uh, score a double and just bring energy. What do you got there, Matty? I was back on Vaughn. If I was a Titans, I'd go after him. They've already signed four and I'd, they just need a bit of grit, I reckon. I yeah, reckon I like that. Titans, I do. I like Definitely. the Titans one. And I know some people are going to say, oh, culture this, you know, he's you know not good. He's a bit of a rat bag or whatever. Like, he's had one or two incidents, but, like, he's not that bad for the culture. You know what I mean? I, I don't I don't know. Like, he had the, the really all his incidents, unless I'm misremembering, around the COVID situations. Like, and, yeah, that was silly things, but, like, are they that bad for culture? Like, anyway, um, 
Anyway, so hopefully dogs can bounce back. Good thing is they completed 90%. They fought all the way to the end. Uh, they just didn't have the strike power, unfortunately. And positives are Burton's killing it. Avrilo, I love him at fullback. Keep him there. They just need to shore up some defense on the edge there. Uh, now, on to Manly versus the Warriors. Uh, we'll go Warriors first. I am worried that these guys might win the wooden spoon. They just look defeated, don't they? And I, I really, that would be so heartbreaking for a team that has sacrificed so much over the last couple of years. I just think we've got to get these boys back to New Zealand ASAP. I think we said it last week, and I mean, the Warriors, their most resilient period of their entire franchise's existence has been the last two years when they haven't been in New Zealand. And then as soon as they are going back, it's like they're back to doing the old shit that... Well, I, no, I think that is it's because it's like, finally, you know, like there's, yeah. there's I, we know we're going back. Oh, fuck. Like, whereas when you're in that mode of like, we don't know when we're going back, so we just got to grit it out. Just a siege it's almost yeah. like expectations. Like when you, when you expect a certain thing and it doesn't happen, you get upset. But, you know, a day before that, when you didn't expect that thing, you didn't give a fuck. And so I think with the Warriors, like, they're finally about to go back and it's almost like, I just want to get home. Like, it's, it's counting down the days. Like, I just want to get back and be around my family. Like, I saw a little post from Sean Johnson and he wasn't doing it. He did it. This was before the game. Basically saying, like, I, the caption was in his story, like, I just want to get home. And it was like a video of his daughter. And, mate, these boys have been gone for so long. And I, I, I just think, fuck, I, I just hope they can just – get a few wins together because they don't deserve to be winning the spoon. They don't deserve it after everything they've sacrificed. What do you do with SJ? He looks, he just looks shattered at the moment, doesn't he? It's hard to watch. Honestly, I'll I'll probably give him a week or two off. Yeah. Just say, mate, go get your body right, get your head right, and you bring in... The problem is they got rid of Nicarima, which is like, why would... Well, you, you get and rid of Ash Nick Taylor. Arimi, you lose Ash Taylor, then Chanel decides he's not going to play next year. All of a sudden, you lose three... Like they have got Volkman there, which they could use. He was interesting. They didn't name him anywhere last week. Reserve grade, first grade, nothing. And then all of a sudden on Saturday morning, he popped up on the reserve grade team list. So he played for them. So he's probably going to make a debut this week, then I'd say. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And look, I think if you're the Warriors, their season's over. You just go, you know what? Let's get Volkman in there. And if as long as he can handle it and he doesn't crack under pressure or whatever, I would give SJ a couple of weeks off. I'd go Volkman, Harris, DeVita, and I would literally just be looking at building combinations for next year. Well, they year. had the other guy a few weeks ago. Oh, um, yeah. Assi, Assi, he, he played well. Like, and and it, it was him and Volkman that were the hardest pairings uh, for the Dolphins in Queensland Cup. They had a huge win. I think they won by 50 or 60 points. So, yeah, I think you will see uh, Volkman get his gig. I like it. I like it. I think um, why not? Why not? Why, th- what do you got to lose? And the problem is you keep SJ in. The, the media for SJ, if they keep keep struggling, is going to be fucking outrageous, like outrageous. And look, I understand, you know, he's a he's a big name player, and you know, he's brought back to do a job. And unfortunately, just been real patchy. Like in games, he'll go ten minutes and put on three tries, and then he might accidentally kick it out or whatever. I just, I personally think he's just really struggling being away from his kids and his family, which is totally understandable. Totally understandable. What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, I'd persist with SJ just because I think he and the Warriors have genuine excuses on why they're battling and you feel so sorry for them. Like To come out and concede 44 points to Manly 
on an origin week where the Warriors are sort of not too far off full strength, mainly missing Tommy Turbo, DC, all these key cogs, it really hurts to watch because I think all NRL fans have gained a, a massive soft spot for the Warriors for and sure. a lot of respect for them the last two years. So to see this happen was disappointing. But I'd just be like, like SJ is still such a key part of this side that's lacking a bit of experience, particularly in the back line, in the spine. I'd just stick with him. They get back to New Zealand soon. Hopefully they get back there, finish the year on a high mm. and build some momentum going into next year where at this stage, SJ is still going to be their halfback. And like, it was only, it was less than 12 months ago. He was playing some terrific football mm. for the Sharks. And when I say uh, give him a couple of weeks off, I'm talking like give him that option. Yeah. Like as in don't drop him and say you're not playing. Yeah. I'm saying go to him and say, mate, are you struggling? Because uh, do you feel like he looks pretty unhappy yeah, there? Yeah. I just mean like go to him and give him that option. I mean, just as you said before, just sort of gassed mentally. Like, yeah. Just going. I just I saw it, like I saw a film of him like after a game and he looked devastated. Mm. So the reason why I say give him a week or two off, even if it's just a week, let him fly home, go and see his family, just get it, and then then he can like be like, okay, I've only got ten weeks. Then I've got to get through to get yeah. back to my family after that. Um, but I, I agree with you though mm. in regards to like dropping him. No, no, I don't think like. You know, look, I could understand if they wanted to go that route. Like, I could understand if they want to go that route, and, you know, I'd, I'd respect that. But I agree, you'd probably say he's at least going to be in their halves next year, so why not build a combination with a guy like Volkman? Yeah, even if they – like, I wouldn't call it a dropping. Mm. I think it would just be honest, having a forced rest. For yeah. Like, I don't think it would be a dropping per se. But if you have a look at, you know, they play the Sharks this week, then they play the Panthers, both up there at Redcliffe. Then they're meant to play their first game back in New Zealand against mm. the Tigers, and they have the bye the week. But after. They still got to stay up here, though, don't they? They still live up here. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they don't actually get to go back and live there, and so that's right. where I feel like the boys. At least they have got. Yeah. Okay. Right. So even with the bye the week after that, they won't get to stay there for two weeks. Oh, they they may they get to stay there for sure. Um, but what I'm saying is, is they're not like they're going not, back yeah, to live. Yeah, yeah. But at least uh, at least that's timed well. That they do get a home game at Mount Spart, then they get the bye the week after. Yeah. So they could stay there for a couple of weeks. Two and a half weeks if they want to. saying that they fuck, they probably got, they got to train in that. So, so yeah, hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's hard. Well, that's the. They got to train. So really, they might be able to give them like four days off and then they'd have to fly God. them back to Redcliffe to. Yeah, look, the SJ thing, we all know what he's capable of and what he's done. Uh, I, I just think that I would at least chat to him. I'd be like, mate, where's your head at? How are you feeling? If you're really struggling, let's give you a week off. Bring Arcee, uh and Volkman in or bring Volkman in and Chanel Tavita, uh, Harris-Tavita uh, and just, just reset your mind. Because, uh, yeah, he looked really down. It, if you, At the very least, at least you know he really does care. Like he's not walking off smiling and shaking hands or whatever. Just having a look after that bye. They then have to go, fuck. They then have to go to Sydney, Canberra, New Zealand, Sunshine Coast, New Zealand, North Queensland, Penrith, New Zealand. Fuck. Like, they are just all over the shot to finish this season, and they don't get any games that are back-to-back at home that they can... Which the travel's fine if they're at home with their families in New Zealand, yeah, yeah. but when they're still oh, away from home yeah, living... if you get dusted just, every week and yeah. on the road, and it's yeah, tough. It's and tough all road. those games, like, they're all against decent... Like, I think the Titans and the Dogs are the only teams outside of the eight that they're going to play over the next few weeks. And so right now they're sitting on eight points. Fuck. I hope they don't. But they go, their next two games are literally Cronulla, then Penrith. Yeah. Far out. And if Titans, so Titans go South, Cronulla. Bulldogs go Para West. So if Bulldogs could get a win against West and Titans get a win against, you know, all of a sudden you're going, oh, shit. 
I was about to say they might get Penrith without their origin stars, but it almost doesn't matter, does it? Nah. <laughs> no, I don't think it does. So, look, Warriors, um, I think they're missing Adam Van Blake massively. Yeah. They're missing Matty Lodge massively, in my opinion. Uh, so Missing Josh Curran, too. Oh, massively, Curran. They're both due back, yeah. either this week or next later. So that, That'll that, change yeah. a lot. That'll change a lot. Them through the middle are so... Like, they're the glue. They're the glue. Curran, Curran has been kind of like an unsung missing, like I think... Mm. We haven't really spoken enough about how much they are missing. He is the yeah. glue in the yeah. middle there. The glue in the middle. Uh, now onto Manly. Uh, I loved Kieran Foran at seven. I loved him at seven. I thought he was outstanding. And I think it just, I know I feel like I harp on it every week, but it's more to the point. I feel like DCE can, can allow Foran to have a bit more control and input in the team. I think that Foran proved on the weekend, like, yeah, it was against the Warriors side, but they put 44 on the Warriors side, without Tommy, without uh, DCE. And in my opinion, I, the standard of footy they played was as good as any of the footy that they played all year, in my opinion. Uh, I thought Josh Alloyo was outstanding, so aggressive, so good, such strong ball cal- carriers. But my man, Ola Kawatu, he's, <laughs> he's a scary motherfucker. He is just... Could you imagine him coming off the bench in a Blues jersey? Oh, yep. Far out. Uh, I tell you what, and I said it on the weekend, but if those wide running forwards don't play the best, or or one forward doesn't play the best, Olakawatu, you you could go you could go much worse than Olakawatu. He had uh, he had ten tackle breaks and ran for 180 meters in 60 minutes. Wow. Insane! A line break, a line break assist, an offload, 182 meters, 17 hit ups, one try. How's the Blues back? Back row depth. Oh. They've always had it, haven't yeah. they? I feel like going back to your Glenn Stewart and Chocolate Mouse and all these blokes. Yeah. Um, and they go, you've got Olaquati there, Kalal Matangi, Angus Crichton didn't get picked. Like the options are just ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh I thought he was outstanding. I thought Sibley had a great game as well. I thought their front row really stood up and I thought that we saw almost the best version of their front row where like, oh, this is the the, the team that a lot of people thought would challenge for a you know, a premiership, really. Um, Davey got through his work, great defender. Jake Trevojevic, um, I think he snapped a bloke literally in the first yeah. 10 minutes or something. Yeah, good. Uh, Garrick, I thought Garrick was outstanding at the back. I think he he might even be a better fullback than he is a winger. T- to me, this year, he's probably been their best outside back all year. And yeah, he doesn't really true. get that much praise. Uh, what do you think about Manly, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, just to do that, performance we've been so critical for obvious reasons in the last couple of years how they've just struggled big time without tommy turbo and like battled win games add dce to that and it's like well where are points coming from they're just going to be headless chooks the fact they put 44 points on a again afb current out but a near full strength warriors outfit in the sense that it was an origin week and they didn't lose any to origin duty uh that's a very reassuring win. They were mm. very good. Uh, as you said, Foz at seven, um, taking a bit more control, looked terrific for them. Uh, shout out to Marty Tapao for scoring a try for play the ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought Manny were very good. That was weird. Is eh? that not the apex of by football? <laughs> yeah. The set, the play before that, Ruben Garrett kicks it into, into shins three times in a row. They award a try, it goes upstairs, he blatantly didn't ground it. Then off the tap, Marty Tapao scores a try without realising. <laughs> Wild. It was just, and it went for like ten minutes because they spent so much time looking upstairs. It was, and there was a sim bin smack in the middle of it. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah, fucking hell. Um, yeah, like it, it was a, it was a weird game. It was a weird or weird game. Uh, but yeah, Schuster, he's try where he's like, 
handing the ball, like bumping and handing the ball as he's like bumping people to score. Only Josh Schuster. Um, I thought he was solid. What, how do we rate Schuster's first full run at number six? Or basically his first full run at number six? It'll sound crazy. I honestly think sometimes Schuster is too talented for his own yeah. good. Like it's he gets the ball and he knows he can beat you in so many different ways that he just – he almost can't work out which way is the best to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a couple of times where like – there was one where he got the ball. He's going down the left side and I think he threw it to Davy. I think it was. And the pass was never on, but you could tell that he'd sort of just premeditated. Yeah to do it and it was just a nothing sort of hospital ball that hit the deck but I, I feel like still with Schuster he either he knows what he's going to do before he gets the ball he's premeditated everything <clears throat> or when he's at his most dangerous he's like Munster he gets it on an offload and yep. just plays off his head mm. um, but you know that's what young footballers like with the amount of talent he's got I, I'd give it a pass mark for sure wouldn't yep. say it was a failure at all but I, I still think he has got a lot of development um, to go through him before he's an, an out and out six that Manly can rely on next year. Timmy, what do you reckon? Yeah, very similar. Plenty to, to learn in that position. Um, raw as hen's teeth, some might call it. <laughs> but he, um, I think he's – I just got a glimpse of it. It got me so excited for the future. Yep. Uh, we, we touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but he just – he's a 5'8 and a new style of 5'8 that we haven't seen in many years, if ever. Um, so to have a taste of it on the weekend, it was great. And I'm really looking forward to next year already when that becomes a full-time move. Yeah, yeah. for sure. What I, what I love about Schuster, he's really good at changing his tempo. So he'll, he'll get the ball at almost a walk and then like pick his man out and he picks his tempo up real quick and then he may slow up. And then like as he gets close to the line, he'll slow it back down. I think Joey's spoken about quite a lot how important tempo is. Like you can't always be sprinting on the ball 100 miles an hour. Um, I think uh, Mitchell Moses for a period there was like he was almost too energetic, too much on the ball. And I think like what Josh Schuster has so naturally is knowing what tempo to go at the line where they, when he knows, sometimes he knows he needs to get on the advantage line, go hard, go fast. Sometimes he knows he needs to back it off or be deceptive, back it off and then, and then pick it up again so it confuses the defence. Um, I thought he's, you know, just so naturally gifted as a footy player. His biggest Achilles heel is though, like when you're a wide running forward, and you make a little error here and there, it's like, oh, yeah, whatever, that's what wide running forwards do. If you're a six, you can't afford to be making those because you are the core guy. Mm. So that's the one thing he's probably going to have to just squeeze out of his game is those little error here and there, the unnecessary pass, the choosing to do a no look when he could just do the normal pass. You, you, can, you can afford to get away with that if you're a wide running forward because you're not touching the ball as much. But if you're a six and you're doing that and you're compounding errors, two, three, four, that could be a concern. So I, I definitely give it a pass. Just the, it's it's so raw and, and you, you, you're going to have to walk this tightrope between coaching the rawness out of him but also making sure that he still has that flair without making too many errors. And that's the balancing rope with Schuster. If you get that right, he will absolutely decimate teams. I think it was a tough game for Schuster too because they were always on the front foot. It mm. felt like the Manly Seagulls should score on every single play. Yeah. So it's almost like he was trying to do too much all the time. Uh, you, you, you mentioned his, his tempo, which is really hard to coach, but like, I think Cliffy Lyons is probably the greatest we've ever seen at it. He, the, the different paces that he used to go and then, you know, and like he, he does it so well, Schuster. The slower you go, the more time you give the defence to make a mistake. Yeah. And that's what they do. And they will do to him time and time again throughout his career. He so he'd a, lull, he's so good at lulling defence. Oh, nothing's happening. 
nothing's happening. And then before you know it, there's a fucking play that's in you. Just like, yeah. what, what the fuck? <laughs> Whereas like when you're coming a hundred miles an hour, although it is good sometimes because it gives you less time to decide. But if you're always coming at hundred miles an hour, you're almost like giving the clue up like, oh, something's happening, something's happening. But he's so good at like, almost like Cody Walker to, exam- to a degree when Cody Walker and Reynolds were playing together. Sometimes their backline plays, they were almost walking into the line. It was that slow, but they were so good at squaring up. Um, also, shout out to Manly. First 15 minutes was literally 100% completion. So that's great coaching from Desi. Uh, look, th- this is the kind of win they needed to just springboard them back into challenging for that eight. So that, that's their biggest fight this year is making the eight, in my opinion. If, if they make the eight and they lose the first round, I still think that's a, that's a win season for them, in my opinion. So... Um, great outing by Manly. Uh, also, Harper, outside of one missed tackle, I thought he was really good. Yep. I think it kind of it showed that like maybe it is because I think he was put on the other side. Correct? He played on the left side. He, I'm pretty okay, sure he yeah, played he on the left side, and yeah, Cooler did, played. He did. So it, it shows that like that that right side really like whoever is there, it is a real struggle for them to know what mm. read is coming from DCE. Um, but what I do like is I like they kept Cooler there and Olakawatu there so that they can build that connection up. When yep. DC comes back, you know, I actually think that DC going in and working with Billy and Cam is going to help him back in club two. And maybe they'll implement that uh, back at club land. Uh, but anyway, good to see, you know, Harper fight his way back. I thought he was really good in defense. I, I think especially this year, if you can just win your round 13 or round 17 game and you're missing guys... It's a huge, it's a huge gap. Yeah, for sure. Now, Raiders v the Roosters. The Raiders get the job done. I thought the Roosters would pip them, but boys, a few weeks ago, you didn't want to get on the wagon. You didn't want to get on the wagon. I said the Raiders could be on a turnaround here. And he's just fucking shouted me down. He said, Kemper, you know nothing about footy. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and look, the boys, they got up. Uh, they're currently sitting on the ladder. They are sitting in 11th place on... In 11th place on 12 points. So they are one win outside the eight. Look, I've got to say, good on the Raiders. What a turnaround. We're, we are, again, not fully convinced. Obviously, it was tongue-in-cheek. But they're putting themselves in a position to genuinely fight for the eight. If they make it into that eight, that's a successful year. And honestly, if you're looking at Raiders, Seagulls, Dragons, Rabbitohs right now, you know, I, I think Rabbit, I think. Raiders and Seagulls are probably playing a little bit better than Dragons, Rabbitohs at the moment. Mm. At the very least, Raiders are playing as good as Seagulls, Dragons and Rabbitohs right now. So, look, I think this is a great win and it could be a stepping stone into the top eight. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, it's going to be tough for this top eight over the next few weeks. Obviously, South Sydney, they're eight. They'll get Latrell back and they're going to get a fit Latrell back by the look of it. So, yeah, I, I look at Dragons, Manly, Raiders, and I think the Raiders at the moment are probably the team most likely to jump in there, despite them being the lowest on the ladder out of those. But I'm not sure if anyone out of this current top eight drops out realistically. Okay. You reckon Rabbitohs will hold in there? You reckon Sharkies won't? Because Sharkies, Sharks although they have a crazy year... Sharks are the most likely to drop out. Yeah, like they've had a crazy good year, but they're literally only... They're on 16 points uh, with the Dragons on 14 points. So you could argue, you know, like, What's their points differential? So their points differential is 38 and the Dragons is minus 73. So, you know, a few things would have to go against the Sharks. They'd have to go on a bit of a bad run, but it's not out of the realms of possibility at all. Well, uh, yeah, 
the, the Raiders for and against and Manly's is minus 35, minus 28. So they could turn that around. Yeah. Pretty quickly, sure. realistically. So really interesting. Um, Sharkies need a big win. They need a big win to get everything back on track. Uh, but anyway, back to the, the Raiders. Look, I really liked it. I thought Adam Elliott had probably the best game he's had since he went to the club. Uh, now, the Raiders have come out and said they really wanted to keep Adam, but they just couldn't match the four year. Was it a four year deal or three year deal? I think it's a three. Three year deal from the Knights. First of all, what do, we, what do we think about the Adam Elliott signing to the Knights? Yeah, great signing because what Mitchie Barnett's going Warriors next year. Yep. So he's a he's a very light flight replacement in that he can play middle and edge uh, quite easily. It's such a disappointing loss for the Raiders, but one that was probably inevitably a massive chance of happening because they got him after the few incidents at the Bulldogs where they got him on a massively discounted rate when yep. other clubs wouldn't pick him up. Um, Got him in there. He's done what a lot of people expected and been terrific on the field. Um, got a few things sorted off the field. The problem with the Raiders roster is that it's so heavy-ended in the forward pack. Like, the fact that blokes like um, Corey Howier and Naira and like Harry Rushton's promising, Trey Mooney, who debuted on the weekend, is a really good talent. They have had Ryan Sutton's, Hudson Young's dropped at different times this year because they've got so much money tied up in the forward pack. Mm. Adam, after one year on bugger or money for what he's worth, was always going to come out and demand more the year after. Mm. And the Raiders couldn't afford to pay that, having all this money tied up in other forwards. So yeah. unfortunately, it's probably one that I think a few Canberra fans saw coming from a, a while away. But uh, to Adam, good luck to him. And he's had a terrific year. And I hope he, he fits like a glove up in Newcastle because he's a, he's a good footballer. I, I will say, uh, I've always thought Adam Elliott is a 13. Yeah. I always thought that he was a perfect 13 for the Raiders. And I don't think it's any surprise that he has his best game when he's playing 13. He's got a decent ball playing game. He's fit as anything. He's aggressive. He's got great leg drive. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Tim. Like, it was almost writing was on the wall. Mm. Like, they just weren't going to – like, people forget. Adam Elliott is a high-quality footy player. He's had his issues, but he seems like he's turned things around. Uh, what did you think about Adam Elliott? I thought he was really good. Um, I, I think it's a great signing by the Knights. It'll be interesting, obviously. I agree with you. I think he's a better 13. Um, but Kurt Mann looks so good when he was mm. playing 13 there last year. So it'll be interesting which way they go. Obviously, his partner, uh, Millie Boyle, has signed there too. For those that follow the NRLW, they've signed Millie Boyle, Hannah Southwell, and Tamika Upton. Like I'd say they're three are probably the top Just 10. Just quietly. like So, like, Millie Boyle and... Um, Adam Elliott, you know, they got in trouble for snogging. Yeah. But like they're in a relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, am I going to get in trouble for kissing my missus? It's like, yeah, seriously. It is a bit weird. Another thing I wanted to bring out as well, as we get further away from it, doesn't that Payne Huss Albert Kelly thing look like the biggest beat up in the history of mankind? <laughs> like, people were going skits over that. Even I was like, thinking, oh, look, I can understand if they suspended for a game or two. But now they look back, I'm like, suspended for that? There's nothing. Anyway, sorry. Back to it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Adam Elliott, great signing. Yeah, I really like it. It'll be interesting to see where they play him. I just want to see him become a full-time 13. Yeah, for sure. For just, sure. Yeah, I better point out, it isn't official, official, official yet. They haven't announced it, the Knights. But okay. it's probably going to Well, Raiders have been quoted. I think yeah. Ricky Stewart literally was quoted. Adam Elliott. Oh, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm too, sure yeah. it'll happen. I'm just, gonna, I'm just yeah, saying, like, the Knights okay, have so you're yeah. doing what you did with the ladder the other week. <laughs> you're grinding the show to a halt <laughs> over a technicality that doesn't matter. 
I'm just want to make sure everything is true. <laughs> I don't want to oh, make any errors. Fuck, it's Origin Week, bro. I got to give it to you. I tell you what, it's gonna be fucked if you win. There'll be all three. Well, and also with Hello Sport, you're all fucking New South Welshmen. Oh, mate, we're gonna be the least of your worries. Fucking hell. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, no, Although no. I didn't think I'd be the only one to wear uh, colours today. Well, I'm, we're gonna wear it for the, the live show, obviously. Yeah, I know. Um, what, what is? But it is actually a good point that you bring up because. Look, only a couple of years ago, Bulldogs literally like maybe even announced that they had signed Apicorosau, and then in the last minute, Apicorosau Apicorosau signs with the Penrith Panthers. Talk about a sliding doors moment! Whoa. Talk about a sliding doors moment. The Bulldogs would be in a much different position if they had Apicorosau. So it's a good point to bring up. It hasn't been confirmed officially, and there's probably reasons for that. Maybe there are other clubs interested, and it hasn't been locked in. And there's a club that's come in in the, the you know the last hour and said we can you know match or deliver more than I'll new tell, customers. I'll tell you why, and it, it won't be the reason for it, I don't think. But so they're both Group 16 products down my way, Adam and Millie. Yep. Uh, Adam's a Tartha boy, Millie's a Cabago area around there. Uh, her dad, David Boyle, was a Raiders legend, played over there uh, for a number of years. So the Raiders are in the process of getting an NLW license. So Millie Boyle being sort of the, the semi-local girl and even Ads being semi-local there, she was like just the perfect face uh, as reigning player of the year to be the face of the new raid side, but because they haven't got the license sorted. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that's what's holding up the Adam deal, but so they're, she signed the Knights for the upcoming season, but if they could fit it in that she was to be the face of the new Raiders NRLW side and Adam stay there as well as obviously partners, it just would have been so perfect, but that deal's just not quite ready to go through with the yep. license. So yeah. if that could push, uh, it wouldn't shock me at all to see them both back. Well, I mean, adds is three years, isn't, yep. it, isn't it? So that'll, that'll yep. hurt it, but anyway. It's, uh, it's definitely something to consider. And, uh, and it's, you know what, rugby league, Maddie, you're totally right. It's not over. Till it's over <laughs> we don't we honestly don't know so that's not official yet but i do know ricky stewart has basically come out and said we we really wanted to keep him but unfortunately we just just couldn't match the offer that he was given um now uh anyone else oh i want to give a shout out to joe tarpanet <laughs> holy shit mm, that he first was, half here's my man of the match he was outstanding i said on the captain's run last week if, if raiders win tarpanet will be man of the match because for me he's just growing and growing mm. and growing as a front rower and it's a, a similar to North Queensland, out of sight, out of mind. But he has been playing, ask any Raiders fan, he has been playing like this essentially all year. He's been outstanding. His numbers have been massive. He's a great, and not, it's not just the numbers, it's the quality of his work. When you actually watch the Raiders game and you see the, the, the hits he puts on or the line speed he gets or he, he bends the line back and, and the whole uh, sets get blown open because of his great run, he was absolutely outstanding. Who stood out for you, Timmy? Uh, at the Raiders, yeah, Taps was, was absolutely massive. Uh, we touched on him earlier, but Jamal Fogarty didn't necessarily have the best game, but I love how direct and straight he plays as a half and just what that does for the rest of the, the mm. side. Um, so he really impressed me there. They're getting bigger minutes out of Zach Wolford uh, than su as, uh, suspected. Tommy Starling only played 32 again off the bench. Yeah, so wow. like that whole hooking scenario has so just weird. flipped on its head. And, yeah. uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's working. So, yeah. you know. Mate, most unlucky man ever, Starling. Like, mm. he just never really seemed to be... Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Big Red Horsebrot. Hey, what yeah. about that charge down? What a <laughs> fucking play. What a play. How his wheels when he called Mate, it. Mate, he fucking was away. The Big Red. Uh, but Corey Horsebrot, again, 
in a losing side when they were losing, like the amount of times that he would try and make a big play, like shot someone in defence. I love his attitude, and, and he really is the heart and soul of that team, becoming at least. You know, the fiery guy in the middle that doesn't take a backward step. I really like how there was a period there where he was getting spoken about. You know, he may turn into an origin player. And I think he got injured and a few things didn't go his way. I think we're starting to see that potential that a lot of people saw early on. And I think he's really growing into his role. So I think he's been outstanding. Xavier Savage, I thought he was really good at the back there. That pickup was absolutely oh. incredible. Incredible, that pickup. Like, honestly, um, I think he's definitely maturing into that role. Uh, if I'm being honest, I still would give that role to Chance Nickel Klukster when he comes back. But the good thing is, is we're getting more reps from Savage playing NRL, getting used to NRL footy. Uh, and he's a future superstar, there's no doubt. No doubt in my mind. What did you think? Anyone else stood out for you, Guru? Oh, just on Savage. Like, I, you know, obviously that pickup was unreal, but. He's just had the last few weeks, he's had an error or just a dumb play every week that he's done something. I thought this was his most consistent game of the year so sure. far. And for the first time, I've seen him coming out of his own end, carrying the ball with proper ball security and really taking them on. He ran for 200 metres, Savage. Yeah. So I, I thought it was runs. really... Yeah, off 21. I thought it was really promising signs. I thought it's the best game I've seen him play by far and away, in my yeah. opinion. I was more impressed with that than all the highlights people showed me all pre-season. Yep. Seeing him do that stuff. Hudson Young. Yeah, beast. Fuck, he had a crack yesterday. 130-odd metres. Um, I, I haven't even really had a look at his stats. 42 tackles, but he was just everywhere in that game. Like he's almost semi-replacing Bateman for that being that wide running mm, forward yeah. that's fucking aggressive. Bit of an asshole, Bit of a dick, but, he, <laughs> but, but he's, he's, he's your dick, you yeah. know? You don't like other people's dicks, but you like your dick. And he's our dick, if you're a Raiders fan. Um, and so, but you want that. You want a fucking mongrel in the middle. That, that's what Bateman used to do so well, is he was just at you all game. And they've been missing that kind of player. Step Hudson Young steps in, and I, yeah, I think he's been outstanding for them. And I, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not sure how long he's re-signed for, but I reckon if he went on the open market, he could, he could make a bit of noise. I really do. Because he's still only like 23, 24. He's young. So... You know, I, th I think he could make a bit of noise on the open market. 24. So he's, yeah, no, he's no, sorry, 2024 he's contracted to. Okay, so he can negotiate... Next year. Next year. Um, he's 182 centimetres, born in 1998. How old is that? 24, yeah, 24. about yeah. 24. So still really young for a forward. He's got 92% tackle efficiency, averaging over 100 metres, uh, eight offloads, um, four tries... You know, so yeah, I think he's got a lot, of, still a lot of growing in him too. Um, so look, be excited, Raiders fans. A great win against the Roosters side that, you know, the Roosters side in patches looked good. Um, but what did we think about the Roosters' performance, boys? Joey Manu was just on another planet, Fuck. wasn't he? Mate, I'm telling you, fullback's his best spot. Well, I was actually thinking yesterday, just by how he looked at fullback, I agree with you. I think fullback's his best spot. I personally think he'd probably be better at six than he would at centre. I like him at six. And I, I know I saw that at the start of the yeah. year where I said, like, maybe there's a world where, where Kiri stays at seven and they put Manu in at six because he's big body. Um, but, you know, Walker has had a solid year. so you know. I was just thinking yesterday, like, is he the best centre in the world and it's his third best position? Crazy. <laughs> Insane. Like He's so good. He had seven offloads and 14 tackle breaks. Seven offloads and 14 tackle breaks, 288 metres, 33 runs. Yeah. Fuck. In a losing side. In a losing side. This bloke's six foot two, probably 98 kilos. Like, he's not a small nippy back. 
He's just a mate, like, so, honestly. So he's the bloke that I go on about just about every week about the opportunity at these roving centres. And I know you yep. said a couple of weeks back, it takes a very specific kind of centre to be able to do what Tommy Turbo does in yeah. Origin. Well, Manu's it, isn't oh, he? For like, sure. like in a side where you've got Teddy, um, Sammy Walker, Kieran, you don't want to split up that, those three. Manu, we saw in the back end of last year, he did play that roving role at centre yep. where he just popped up both sides of the field and was unstoppable. So if you get him doing that every week, man, this rooster side, they haven't hit what we've expected this year, but the potential is still ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's still there. I, I will say that it was a really good example though, like although I loved his work rate, there were some times where less is more, where he was just trying so hard mm. um, that it's very hard to build a structure. Like they can do it with Teddy because Teddy's been doing it for so many years. So they know when Teddy's going to get the ball. But I did, I did, you could tell sometimes like, there would be certain, look like there's certain plays on, but then Joey Manu would be bouncing around, offloading. Now, to be clear though, without Joey Manu, they don't, like the Raiders probably win and win handedly. That's mm-hmm. how good Joey was. But it was a real good example of like, they're just, re- they, their systems don't seem to be there yet, the Roosters. Like they, you, you look at the Cowboys, they lose a bunch of players, they play very similar. Whereas I feel like when I watch the Roosters this year, it's almost a different kind of style of footy each game. And I'm not really pinpointing like what is Roosters' footy this year. Like what? Have you? What do you think? What like what is Roosters' kind of footy this year? I don't think they've worked it out themselves. I think what what you said about Joey Manage, right though, like as we said, he got tackled 33 times. He only touched the ball 42 times. Right. So like he passed the ball less than 10 times essentially, yeah. which isn't probably ideal realistically. Mm. Uh, but mate, yeah, as far as the Roosters' footy goes, and this is what I was worried about. They finally look like they clicked last week. Mm. Then Origin arrives and Teddy leaves. Yeah, you know, in a few weeks' time, Teddy's going to come back. Then they're going to have to reintroduce Victor Radley into this side as well. So, I mean, they're seventh at the moment. I'm confident they'll play finals footy, but it, I, I sort of feel like the Roosters are going to have a month at the end of the regular season to sort their shit out mm. and get it spot on, ready for finals footy. Or it could be another season where they go out in straight sets. Yeah, it's. Uh Getting interesting with the Roosters. I'm, I'm really struggling to put my finger on it. What do you think, uh, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be too critical of this one with, you know, Teddy out. He's obviously such a key cog to everything they do in attack. Um, and Lindsay Collins out as well. And Lindsay Collins out. Daniel Tupu out. So, obviously, massive for their yardage. You know, you'd t- be a little bit critical about, yeah, like, what is their style? And, and we're not sort of finding it so far this year. But I think we can ride off the weekend because of the key players they had out. Mm. Uh, and then you go, I think if you go back only a week or two ago, the Roosters were starting to click and look a lot better. So yep. get them blokes back in the next few weeks post-Origin and, and we'll um, we'll see where they're really at. Angus Crichton, 131 metres, 34 tackles, zero misses. Mm. Far out. I thought Satili was super aggressive. Oof. Fuck, he's a beast, man. When he hits those lines, it must be nightmares for halves. When he just coming on, screaming from the back fence, seven tackle breaks, two line breaks from Satili. Um, it was one of better Satili's better games of the year, in my opinion. Uh, Tokiaho was good in defence. Uh, sorry, good in attack. A few errors in defence, but uh, outside of that, Suwali, he's ball carrying. I mean, he's 18. He is 18. And people just skittle. Every time he takes a, a scoot, he just skittles them and gets on his front. He Honestly, his ceiling is scary. Like, it's what scary what he that, can be. That try that he did score, oh. I've not seen someone that high since Israel. Yep. And Spiatle, like, put it up over your head and yeah. score. Like, like It was Nick Kotrick. Like, he's a big bit of gear. I can oath. It Six felt like he was a metre and a half on top of him. Yep. Yep. Suwali's potential is, like, 
it'll almost get to the point where you can kick to him and guarantee a point. Like mm. we'll get. It's like remember when Israel first came in for the storm, and as soon as Storm got up to the attacking, they would just go boom crossfield kicked Izzy. He would literally score like nearly any time. Yeah, and Suwali has that same potential. Uh, he was outstanding. Well, like I had a couple errors, had a couple times. errors, but he was he yeah. was outstanding. Kicked to him three times and he came up with one try. Yeah. But he got his hands on all of them, just didn't come down with. Yeah, them. and he'll learn that. He's eighteen yeah. still, eighteen years old. He's amazing. Again, a few errors, just need to cut out, but uh, that try score was incredible, and just his his yardage stuff. Luke Keary, I thought really interesting game for Keary. Runs for one hundred and thirty two meters, has a try assist. Where where do you think Luke Keary is right now? Like, where would you play? Is, is he, do you think it's just because he's come back from ACL, it's just going to take him some time to get into it? Or do you think that moving to the seven doesn't suit him and he's a better six? Where do you think Kiri is right now? I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I, you know, obviously, coming from ACL, it's going to take time. But I just thought his instincts, his timing, it would all just stay the same. Mm. It hasn't. But do you think that's because he's been moved to seven, so he's being asked to do yeah, a different role? Yeah, I think he's, he's trying to work out his game next to Sam Walker, obviously. But I... Regardless of all that stuff, I thought Kiri would have a down pat by round twelve, mm. or round thirteen. What are we, we're going into round fourteen now. Yeah, is the Kiri Walker thing working, Timmy? At the moment, not really. I, I still think it will, but there's a lot of factors going into Kiri. Seven's fine for him. We've seen him play seven and, and be the organising dominant half and get a team around the park, and he's been a star at it. He's had glimpses of it this season. Uh, the coming back from the ACL thing, people um, underestimate how hard that yeah. is, particularly for a bloke like Kiri who, who relies on a lot of his speed and explosiveness. Yep. Um, but I do think more than anything, it's just that him and Sammy Walker, and to a lesser degree, Teddy, when he's playing, chiming into the back line, they haven't worked out their combination. And mm. it's taking so much longer than anyone thought. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I said, I do think it'll happen. Whether or not it, it happens in time this year to be premiership contenders, mm. well... It's starting to look less and less likely, isn't it? But mm. uh, they really need to sort that out. And I, I do think it could be as simple as just saying, Luke, mate, you're our seven, run the show. Sammy, chime in as, a, as an old school 5'8 ball running. Because like, yep. Kiri's the man that needs to steer the ship. I mean, the one good thing for Kiri is that, you know, this year, just having a look at his numbers, he's averaging 70 run metres. He ran for 130 the other day. He had 20 runs of the football. With your halves, you, you know, I think in the modern game you want to see them running more and more. So I, I think that's a sign that he is getting more confident mm. as we go. Yeah, that's that's what I said at the start. Like he ran for 130 meters, 32 meters, but it's still I don't know what the balance is for them. You know, is it is because it's really tough. They they lose Tedesco, but they've also lost Victor Radley, who is such a key part of that spine. I do think for the Roosters, though, when it clicks, it's going to click quickly. Like it'll be, it'll be like, mm. where'd this come from? And the Roosters will just go on this run. Now, will it be this year or next year? I'm not sure. But it's, it's, I do think that a lot of people probably thought Walker and Kiru would, would understand each other a bit, probably a bit sooner. Um, would you ever consider putting Walker at seven and Kiru at se- uh, six? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Mm. I just think they're both playing as 5'8 at the moment mm. and, and chopping and changing the, the sort of <laughs> the main kicking role and main organisational role too often and they just need to be really clear on who's doing what yeah. um, and stop crossing paths because yeah. it's, I just don't think it's working in that Is sense. Walker a second fiddle type of player though? You know what I mean? Like is he really a, uh, a guy that is willing to go back, back seat and I just chime mm. in and attack? 
I feel like Sammy Walker seems like the kind of player that's like he's the guy, like he's the main guy. Um, look, it's really interesting. I think they'll look if there's one coach that can, Trent Robinson can get it working. Um, because the tough thing is, is with Kiri, like what I love about Kiri is his running game. It's that high mm. energy advantage line coming at you a million miles an hour with a million options. Whereas like that's probably more suited to six these days. So yeah, interesting. It's, it's funny, like if you took their ages out of it, you just put the two of them as footballers there, like you probably would say that Sam Walker's and that's, seven. That's what I mean. Like Walker is like a, he seems like an out and out seven to But me. it just doesn't fit with the orthodox way of thinking yeah. of the, the older guy that's one comps, that's one Clives, that's, yeah. I want to give a massive shout out to Sam Walker working on his goal kicking. Yeah. Far out. Like I honestly thought last year, I was like, unfortunately Sam Walker just doesn't have the mechanics to be a good goal kicker. Like he just didn't look like he did. He's improved out of sight, out of sight. So I, I really like that Kiri ran for 132 metres. I will say that I think we've seen, I think the last four weeks, Kiri has improved much, much better than he was probably earlier in the year. And I think that we're probably underestimating how much that ACL is going to affect a guy that relied so heavily on being super fast into the line. Um, I still have faith that it'll click for the Roosters. It's just going to have to be probably last four weeks where we'll see whether they're going to be a premiership there or not. Um, I still have them in the eight. I still have them being a, a just a bogey team for, for clubs. Even if they don't fully click, they'd be a nightmare to play because you don't know, they could turn up and absolutely bow for Park. And when you look at like that, like Billy Smith, he's a great young gun coming through. Sawali, obviously. Nangama is a great cover. Momoroski, yeah, defensively, he's been a bit iffy last couple of weeks. But before that, he was incredible. They got Manu, they got Teddy. So you can never count uh, this Roosters side out. I think they'll find a way. Their forwards are playing really – like they're coming together. Like Satili, Angus Crichton were good. Nat Butcher, 132 metres, got through his work. They've still got Victor Adley to come back. So although disappointing loss for the Roosters, I, I think that uh, they're still in the fight. I think they're still in the fight. Agreed? We all reckon yeah. they're still in the fight? I do, yeah. And I think it would be a great thing for the competition and the race this year oh, if they yeah. do click and just oh, become yeah. another – you know, whether or not they can match with Melbourne and Penrith come the business end of finals, I'm not sure. But if they can click going into finals, yep. it'll make things a lot more interesting, won't it? Absolutely. That is us done and dusted, guys. Anything going on, Guru? No, we've got beers and break-evens. We'll both be back this week. We both did very well, so we'll definitely be letting you know about it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that'll be out on Wednesday at some point, or maybe Tuesday we'll let you know about that. Sweet. To anything, Timmy? Anything going on? Nothing bad, mate. Make sure to follow Timmy, SC Playbook, on Instagram, Facebook, the Rugby League Guru. Uh, and also subscribe to their podcast and all good podcasting apps. Game one in a couple of nights, we'll have a live show. Dress warm. You don't want to be cold sitting there watching the show. Live show at the Locker Room Hotel. Make sure to get down. Also, a huge announcement tonight at 6 p.m. If you're listening to this after Monday, 6 p.m., go check our Instagram and Facebook out to see what the announcement is. Uh, also, we're in every single bottle Celebrations, bottle Porter's Liquor, IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales ACT and every single Celebration Superstore in Queensland. We've also got a store locator on the uh, on our website, blokeinabar.com. But as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you. <laughs>